Hey everybody, and welcome back to Hunt Hard Talk Free. This is episode 17, Surviving the Yukon with Mitchell Fitchton and guest host Jeremy Evans. This episode is brought to you by Ballistics Custom Turrets. They are offering a two-month 10% off Hunt Hard Talk Free discount code HHTF10. That's discount code HHTF10 to redeem 10% off the most precise, affordable custom turret on the market. In this episode of Hunt Hard and Talk Free, Mitchell Fitchton tells us his story about surviving the Yukon wilderness for over eight months, and his best friend did not survive the trip. There are a lot of things that come up in this podcast that you may question or have comments about, and I'd love to see those questions and comments below on our YouTube page, or shoot us a message if you have any questions, because I'd like to have Mitchell back in as I've come up with so many questions since his podcast in this episode I sit back and just let him tell his story and just ask for a little bit of clarity. But it's a it, it's a very in-depth discussion of how he survived in the wilderness and how his friend did not. So sit back and strap in for a wild ride into the Yukon. Hey everybody, it's Aaron with Coraline Sporting Goods. And on this episode of Hunt Hard Talk Free, brought to you by Ballistics Custom Turrets, I've got Mitchell Fitchton. Yeah, you betcha. And Jeremy Evans. Jeremy is a return podcast celebrity here (laughs) you may have heard or seen our podcast on mauled lessons learned from a grizzly attack or surviving a a grizzly attack and uh he happens to be up here in dawson doing a book signing at the same time that mitchell and i've I've been trying to track down mitch for quite some time now and uh i'm not going to tell his story i'm gonna let him tell his story but we've got an epic tale of survival that we're gonna release for the first time here on Hunt Hard Talk Free. And uh, I, I want to thank you both for coming up here. I mean, it's it's December. Weather's ugly. The roads are crap. <laughs> it was nice when you drove up, yep. but not so nice today for you coming up. Yeah, I'm both used you, to it. <laughs> both your Alberta boys know what bad highways are all about. So this is just how we roll in the winter time. So um, we'll jump right into it. And uh, Mitch, when... Uh, I'm going to rewind the clock and start off with your father. He came into Coeur Lanes here back this summer. I happened to actually be out on summer vacation visiting some family. And I got a phone call from Tim. And Tim said, Aaron, we got to talk. I'm like, what's up? He says, a guy just came in today and I got to tell you a story. And he <laughs> told me about your father coming into Coeur Lanes, And he said he was on his way up to the Yukon to pick you up. And... No big deal. Going to pick up your son. Cool. What's up? He's been in the hospital. Oh, what what happened? Well, he was missing for six months in the Yukon wilderness. And I'm gonna I'm gonna stop there. And uh, we were like, we need to hear his story. We'd love to hear it. And and I'm gonna stop there. And I'm gonna let you take over. Yeah. Now, before you jump into the actual survival story, tell us a bit about yourself. Well, I'm uh, 28, turning 29 here in a couple weeks. Um, been an avid outdoorsman basically my whole life. Like my dad was teaching me to shoot when I was like six, six, seven, you know, um, I've, I've had a lot of experiences over the years, fishing, camping, hunting, but, uh, I grew really passionate for the outdoors when I moved back to BC in high school and I met my absolute best friend in the world that, um, unfortunately isn't with us anymore because of this trip. But, um, we, we had an opportunity to go out and spend an unbelievable amount of time in the woods, like Every weekend we're up the mountain and we're living in Castlegar, BC at the time. So that's uh, West Kootenays 
you know, beautiful, like, beautiful, beautiful place. Yeah. Hotter than Satan there. And I mean, I'm, I like the cold more, but wonderful place to go hiking and exploring, learning your plants and scaring your parents into <laughs> everything. When you say, yeah, I'm going to disappear for three days. <laughs> I'll see you. See you later. You know, and <laughs> oh, they, they were 16 year old kids. was like, ah, see you mom. Gotta go, go and play in the bush, you know, and chasing bears when you're 16 out in the bush and having a blast and learning about yourself and, you know, what it takes to survive. And I, I sharpened a lot of skills I didn't know I needed yet. <laughs> and I, yeah, I learned a lot about myself at the yeah. time, you know, and um, as I started to grow older, you know, I pursued trades and decided that I wanted to be a, a machinist. So went to college uh, halfway through grade 12. And, you know, I, I was trying to be a bit of a go-getter and chase after my dad, who's a mechanic, you know, so we, we all kind of have a trades background and, um, but we're all avid outdoorsmen, you know, and that was one of the big, big things in my life. And when I was a kid, the, the reason why I chose the Yukon was because he used to come home with these like magazines of gold prospecting. And for me, I like geology. I like fossils. I love rock. I love everything to do with the outdoors and more. If there's something cool that I can find outside, I'm probably going to be out there looking at it randomly. Right. So when it came down to having an opportunity to go out and try prospecting, you don't have that much in Alberta. No. You don't have that much in where I was in BC either. A lot of it's claim. A lot of it's, you know, you, you don't want to get into trouble. So, yeah, I learned how to gold pan, but other than that, I didn't really have much of a chance to do these things. So, in the back of my mind, it was always a dream to go up to the Yukon and get a claim somewhere. And that, that had been a dream of mine basically all through my early 20s. You know, I decided that I wanted to go out and get my own mine someday and it didn't matter how I was going to do it even if I had to go spend time in the woods I didn't realize at the time that I was going to do it the way I did it but you know it um it was cool it was really cool so you know I ended up buying pans metal detectors sluice boxes my friend Evan got me into fancy sluice boxes and you know we spend a lot of time sorting dirt I don't really know if anybody actually enjoys that looking at dirt but you know <laughs> I, I I do it I garden too you know it's fun but uh <laughs> so I ended up uh you know having this pandemic roll through and at the beginning of it, you know, I wasn't impressed with my, the company I was working for. I was a heavy equipment operator. I was making fantastic money and I just wasn't happy with where I was. So Oil I said, gas. uh, no, I was actually working in a lumber mill. Oh, okay. I won't okay. name any names or be yeah. mean to these guys, but yeah. you know, I was, I was moving up pretty quickly. I, I was almost tapped out with where I was going to be at. And I didn't see a future that allowed me the opportunity to go and pursue my passions and my dreams. Mm -hmm. Right. And one of the things that I started to notice is that, you know, I, I'm getting older and I'm losing the ability to, to go and hike 30 kilometers in a day or, you know, to do all these stuff that I really wanted to do and had a passion for it. It was disappearing out from underneath me and I was just in the monotony of push button, pick up this, put that down, you know, like it, I hated that. Yeah. So the pandemic really opened my eyes up and I said, you know what, I don't want to be where I am. I had a friend who I got a job on with the mill. This was Evan here. Um, and he had family up in Whitehorse. So he said, well, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to buy a house in Farrell. Because his family originally was actually from Farrell when the mine was running. So he got up there and, you know, he ended up saving up, I think it was like 20 grand in eight months. He did an amazing job saving. The guy was like super frugal, like unbelievably frugal. And where was he living at the time? With me, my dad, my brother. And we he have was a... Uh, he, he was, was working a, at the mill. Yeah, too. he was working at the mill with me yep. too. They they were a sucker for punishment. They'll take anybody. <laughs> if you're dumb <laughs> enough to flip a board or push a button, man, you are hired. <laughs> as long as you'll show up. So unfortunately, we uh, like we didn't love the job, but it's money, 
You know, everybody, you got to get paid. You got to have money. You got to live. Yep. Right. Everybody, like I don't have a wife or kids or anything like that. So for me, I was a lot more free than most people. Yeah. You know, I've always said, well, until I get to do my dreams, I'm going to kind of hold off on that because it wouldn't be fair to somebody to say, look, I love you, but I'm going off to the Yukon now. I'm going to go play in the woods for (laughs) six months. I don't think I'll see you for a while. Yeah. You know, that wouldn't be right. So Evan had bought his house up in Faro and he ended up with a wicked duplex. The thing was like phenomenal shape, unbelievable shape. And he got it for like 20 grand. Oh, wow. So like, yeah. And they're selling those things right now for, I think like down near 200. Like Mm -hmm. he, he, he scored big time. I can't. The Yukon's blown up. Oh, it's, it's it's unbelievable. It's become quite a destination for a lot of the people. And I bet COVID hasn't helped that because a lot of people learned to work remotely. And so it's kind of a, and, and not to label the people that were heading up there. It's kind of the plaid granola munching city folk that are going up that want to immerse themselves in the outdoors is what I experienced yeah. when I was up there. Yeah. And it was, it was kind of like going for me, I went to university in Vancouver and it was kind of like the outdoor <laughs> crowd, mountain equipment co-op crowd from Vancouver <laughs> has now moved up there yeah. to, to get the yeah. real outdoor experience. Well, and I mean, uh, I guess in a lot of ways it was, I can say, Without a reason of a doubt, like I'll give you a great example of this. I got to Pharaoh, I don't even remember. I think it was 2020, um, probably March at some point in time. And I rolled in. We went up to uh, Fisheye Lake. So I guess even the Fisheye Lake. Yeah. I went out there. We were like, oh, let's go ice fishing. We're going to drop a hole in the lake. I wasn't there for 10 minutes. And this guy from Pharaoh rolls up. He pulls out a 4570 ranch hand. And he's like, you boys ever seen one of these? Click, click. You guys are going to love this. And like, I was just like. I've been here five minutes in this town and these people are showing me their guns. I'm like, I love this place. No, I love it here. This is great. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like it it blew me away when I first got there. Like I've never been anywhere as beautiful as fair. Like I I lived BC half my life. I was born in Cranbrook and you know, like Alberta is a place to a means to an end to me. It's not somewhere where I love and I'm like, I, I, you know, I don't consider myself Albertan in my heart. Mm. You know, I, when I got to the Yukon, I said, this is home. This is where I need to live my life. This is where I want to be. When I say Alberta has a lot of the same beauties that BC has, you look at Banff, Jasper. Oh, yeah. And in where you were. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's pretty fantastic, too. But it, there's also a totally different attitude, a totally different mm-hmm. um, pace of life oh, in Alberta. It's a mentality. I mean, like, I worked with people that, I, I myself, I did this in the oil field, where you work for 30, 40 days straight. Yep. And you, you don't have a life. You're, you're literally trading your time on this earth for a number. And if you're going to do that, you have to be willing to put that towards something, right? I've never been one of those people to say, well, I'm trying to buy a house or this or that. Because I was never in an area where I wanted that, right? Oh, yeah. And yeah. I always had a problem committing with those things. Like I was like, well, I don't need this or I don't need that. I, I'm really simplistic, unfortunately. <laughs> and it comes to bite you in the butt when you live in the bush for a little while. But, um, you know, I, I found that... They have a, a mentality in Alberta where everything is just, you know, it's just money. We, we're all, we, we're just chasing the dollar a lot of the time. And well, like there's you a lot said, of it to be had there. Oh, absolutely. It, it's easy to make good money if that's what you're after. But what's the sacrifice you're willing yes. to give up, right? Whether well, it's the lifestyle, whether it's your third marriage, whether it's. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's, and, and I've met lots of guys like that. And yeah. unfortunately, like I, I never met very many people that were happily married with a successful, balanced work life where yeah. they're like, I, I spend my eight hours at work. I go home. I'm happy. I do have a couple of friends like that, but yeah. for the most part, it was sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. And then they turn around they're 60 and that's it. And they're like, well, I ruined my body and I didn't get to do anything. Right. That wasn't how I wanted to see my life go. Yeah. I was like, that's not who I am. I don't, you know, like my brother's happy doing that kind of stuff. I'm not. 
Yeah. I'm a, I'm a bit of a wild child, unfortunately. So <laughs> the um, going to the Yukon was something that just kind of had to happen for me. And when I got there, it was like, okay, this is it. I, I'm here. I basically, once I started hooking the fish up there, man, holy smokes. <laughs> like you're catching these monster, monster, monster fish that I would only see once in a blue moon in Alberta. And you're like every second cast up there. Yeah. You know, and I, I love fishing. And Fishing's a lot of passion. People. Oh, it's so not only the outdoors, there's the lack of other people. So if you're, yeah. if you're into that, get mm-hmm. away from people. It's easy to get away. It's real wilderness. Like and when, untouched. when you get out there, it's, I can't really describe it. I don't think that it's for everybody for mm-hmm. sure. A lot of people can't handle isolation. Mm-hmm. I've met a lot of people throughout the years that if they were put in a situation where they couldn't talk to somebody for more than a week, or if they had a phone that wouldn't get into signal, for instance, you know, like they, they would start to go a little crazy. They'll stir crazy. Uh, that's never been me. And I'm very blessed in that regard because I'm happy, right? Like I, I'm perfectly content to be alone. And that really, really saved my butt. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, like getting up to the Yukon and getting to enjoy these things, seeing the people there, like that's another thing I got to say that shout out to the people in Faro because those guys are amazing people. I've never been to a community that is so grounded. They're all really nice people. I never met anybody there that I was like, that guy needs to be punched in the face. Where in Alberta, you're like, no, you meet a lot of people that you're like, that guy needs to be punched in the face. We're all not that bad. Come on now. Well, no, no. But, well, I, li- I spent over half my life there. I, I'm probably one of those people that needs to be punched in the face. But, you know, like at the end of the day, I, I really didn't have any any really big complaints about the town. You know, and I saw a lot of things that I, I just couldn't believe. You know, um, so many things. Like the mine, of course, was a bit of a disaster. I don't know. Anybody that knows anything about Pharaoh knows that they call it Chernobyl there. It's an inside joke because it's a fucking giant mine disaster. Really? Oh, yeah. It's, okay. It's a big remediation project. I mean, they're probably going to send me a nasty email for saying that on camera. But <laughs> at the end of the day, that's how it is, right? Yeah. Like, And they're, they're doing a remediation. They're trying to fix it. The government's putting money towards it. And maybe someday, 50 years from now, it might have flowers growing there. But right. probably not, right? Like... It was the biggest lead zinc mine in the world. So oh, okay. there was, at one point in time, there was, I believe, 10,000 people living in Farrell. Oh, and that was, Evan's family lived there. Yep. So his dad grew up in there and he uh, he had the opportunity to see what the town was like when it was booming. And obviously Evan wanted to get back there. There's a little bit of um, feeling towards that. So, you know, it, it had some history for him. Yep. And for me, it was an amazing place that I wanted to be. Yep. And... You know, the, the whole goal there was to fix up his little duplex, but unfortunately with COVID going around and a lot of paranoia and a lot of being an outsider showing up in the middle of a pandemic, don't do that. <laughs> Slightly frowned upon. <laughs> well, my neighbor, like, don't get me wrong. I, I love the man to pieces. He was an amazing person. He helped the police to help coordinate where I went missing. Like, you know, he, he was an, he's an amazing guy, but you know, first day he comes up and he goes, I'm not shaking your hand. No, nice to meet you. I'm not shaking your hand. He's from Detroit, you know, really, really funny guy, dual citizen. But, um, you know, like I, I saw a lot of really cool stuff. I learned how to ski up there. Like it's so many really cool, interesting stuff. You guys are probably bored to hear that. So <laughs> we'll get on, we'll get on to what happened and why I ended up going out in the woods for a really long time. So how long had you lived there before? I know what you're about to get into, but how long were you in, had, had you been living there? Oh, um, I'd been there for, I believe it was about a year and a half before okay. I took off. I think and what were you doing in 2021? I, I actually wasn't, I was oh, on okay. EI. I couldn't find any work. I applied all over the place. Yep. Nobody was looking. Yep. I had never taken EI in my life, not even once. So yep. for me, I was like, you know what? That's okay. For once I'm going to do that. I'll put out applications and try that. And that's kind of why I was like, Hey, you know what? I didn't want to go pr- try prospecting. Why not? Yeah. So saved up 
got the gear, did what I wanted to do, and we took off. Now, obviously, it was not as good as that. There's um, <laughs> quite a few nasty things that happened right before. So we were planning on getting out, I guess this would have been October of 2021, I believe. Mm-hmm. So I left on October 26th. And um, the day before that, there was a shooting in Faro, unfortunately. Uh, I won't get too much into the specifics on that, but um, one of the people that lived across from us that we actually bought a boat off of was shot. And it was very traumatic. I woke up in the morning to gunfire and then we basically, we had already had half our stuff down the river and we wanted to set up at a river that was called uh, Tay. It was about 60 clicks out of town. So you're headed north. Um, and the plan was, you know, I had a wall tent. I had lots of gear. I had everything that I wanted to to go out with. And, you know, I, I just, when, when that had happened, all of our planning skills kind of went out the window. I, I can't, never do anything half-cocked is kind of what I live by that rule. You know, think it through if you're going to do something. But we were so unbelievably just rattled by that. And we ended up leaving with a lot of things that weren't good. And one of those things was that we didn't plan properly with, in, re, in regards to our ability to come back. We didn't, you know, file with um, conservation service and say, hey, we're going out here. This is our plan. We're yeah. going to be coming back. You yeah. know, my family, I ended up telling them that we were going out trapping. And the reason was because my friend Evan had said, hey, this, you know, I've, I've got a trapper lined up. We're going to go do this, but we've got to go drop off our stuff for prospecting first, right? That was so, his plan. So just to dig into that a little bit more, it's October. Yeah. Uh, before the shooting occurred, the plan of attack was to head out and deliver materials and, and jump yeah, yeah. in here and correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And we had... Was, the, was was this plan pushed forward because of the event that like, let's just make it happen now? Or, or was oh, it planned in so October? We had uh, one load down already. And on the second load that was going down, we had a Tim boat with a motor on the back of it. I actually just found a random motor and fixed the darn thing. Yep. <laughs> and um, Evan ended up having it malfunction on him and he couldn't get to the water pump. He, he had a socket that was SOL. He goes, well, I can't get this thing apart. So we hiked back for five days and he's like, okay. He shows up at the house and that put us a little bit behind schedule because the weather's starting to change. Typically freeze up is around beginning of November and we're mm-hmm. pushing the envelope a little bit. But... I allowed him to make the vast majority of our planning. You know, I said, okay, well, it's fine. You know, we're going to go through this. He needed some time to recuperate because he just hiked, what, 50 kilometers? Oh, wow. Which isn't, for us, it wasn't that big of a deal. But for most people, I guess that's probably crazy. But um, yeah, he came back and, you know, I said, well, it was around, I guess it would have been probably the 20th when he came back. And, uh, you know, I gave him a few days to recuperate. We needed to get the other boat that we had loaded up, the one that we'd actually bought off of the gentleman that gets shot. Um, and, uh, you know, we ended up doing a leak seal on the bottom of it and just getting it all set up. We were just going to float it down was the plan. Cause realistically we'd already done that river trip once before we knew the river pretty well. We'd already gone through the rapid sections and 60 kilometers by water is about a day on the water. If you're really pushing it, it's not that far. Gotcha. Right. So like, don't, don't think that that's something extreme, Yeah. right? Like this is something that we're completely within our comfort zone to do. Yep. We've done this stuff before. So when we got the shooting happen, we'd already had half of our gear basically stashed to get ready to put in the boat to go down the river, right? So we said, well, we just got 20 police officers show up into town. There's crime, crime scenes literally all over the place. I didn't have a phone at the time, and my friend Evan 
had a phone and he said, well, uh, it looks like 17 people got shot in town. Wow. And, and like, that's not true. That okay. didn't happen. Yeah. It was three people were shot. I believe one person died, two people survived. I'm not, I can't be sure about that. Yeah. I only found this out in retrospect, but that weighed really, really heavy on my mind. You know, these are people that I'm in a community with that I'm friendly with. And these people I get to talk to and when you only have 340 people in town, you know, most of them. Right. Right. So it, it really blew me away. I'm like, who would be such a monster to go out and do this? Yeah. Like the, this, like I, I love people in that regard. Like I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I, I still like to stick to myself, but I like people. I like to talk to people and yeah. see how their days are and meet their kids, you know, that kind of stuff. And I, I, the thought of losing that many people or that many people being injured by gun violence in that town, it was like, okay, we're, we're due for a big wave. Something bad is going to happen here. The police could go door to door and start taking guns. We don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Like not that I'm saying that they would, I don't know, they could, but you know, with our government being the way they are, it's entirely possible. So Evan and I kind of just said, well, we're rattled. We're just going to get out of town. We're okay. We've got the wall tent down there. Everything's already set up for the first load. We just need to float down one more load each, which we're both just going to get in our boats and go. And we got everything all loaded up in the morning and we left on the morning of the 26th of October. And it was probably suboptimal to say the least but uh you know i i was watching police vehicles going over the bridge in Farrell there and i'm underneath the bridge launching and i just like you get that feeling of just doom where you're like what happened to this beautiful little town yeah when this is what i'm seeing here you know like i to go and drive the car around you, you got police everywhere like and, and i mean don't get me wrong i'm not trying to demonize the police but it, it was a bit chaotic and scary and I'm not going to deny that. So yeah. for me to go down the river, I uh, I basically said, we need to get out of here. Like, I don't want to have them just randomly stop us and be like, what are you guys doing? What's your plan? This, that. Oh, you can't do that. You know, like we, we're very free loving, but we're to ourselves. Right. And we weren't doing anything illegal. Don't get me wrong. We were not going out there with the plan of poaching or doing anything horrible like that. This was just supposed to be a getaway. And then when we came back, we'd find out what really happened in town once the things settled out. How long were you planning on going for? Uh, probably close to about a month and a half, but we didn't have any hard or fast rules. I had three and a half months worth of food already yeah. saved up, ready to go. I had all the winter gear already saved up, ready to go. The wall tent was already set up, ready to go. We've got wood, chainsaw, gasoline, the whole nine yards. Basically the only thing missing was a bottle of scotch and a chair to sit in. Yeah. Like it was, we were laughing like this was supposed to be an amazing winter. Yeah. We so really would have been. You're planning. So you left in late October. You're planning to be out there a month. How would you guys get? We were going to hike it back. We had snowshoes. We were planning on hiking it back. I actually have quite a bit of experience winter camping. So like for me, it's not, I know that sounds a little crazy, but we, we would have done that. Um, I'll get into this. Do you have a little pup tent as well? Or or I I actually, I like to use a tarp. Okay. Yeah. I'll get into this in a little bit because this is fun. I did a lot of, uh, a lot of tramping around. So I'll explain how I did that because I carry basically nothing when I can. Like we're talking nothing, nothing. I might have six pounds on me. Okay. So I don't even carry the gun most of the time. But um, so, yeah, we, we left on the 26th and we, it was probably seven o'clock in the morning. Sun's coming up. So there's a, there's a nice cabin, 10 kilometers outside of town. Um, we stayed at that cabin. I want to say for two days. I think it was two days. I don't get me wrong. This was a while ago now, but um, you know, and we just basically, you know, we, we were both a pack a day smokers, So we had our last cigarettes as a, <laughs> as a smile out there. And we're sitting at this nice table and 
you know, we're just kind of like, yeah, well, you know, they like at one, on one hand of the thing, we're both kind of talking to each other. Like, you know, this is some scary shit that just happened in town. Yeah. And you know, who, who did, who do you think it was that got shot? Who was doing the shooting? You know, like it, it's running through your mind and we're both kind of like wound up by that. But at the same time, we're like, okay, but we're free now. They were not going to get arrested randomly for just being there. No one's going to kick in my front door and take my flintlock. Yeah. <laughs> not classified as a firearm. Not technically but... a firearm, but try and explain that to the police sometimes. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I just, I didn't want to have the drama. So we, we, you know, exit the situation. We were planning on coming back and it, it was, we there was some pieces missing for sure. A lot of that was probably more of Evan and I did not, go through one another's gear now that is obviously for some people they would do a large list for the whole group and they'd say okay well this is what we're gonna do and you know you carry this so i don't have to and i carry this so you don't have to that's not how we operate you are self-sufficient 100 of the time when we go out yeah. if you you carry all your own gear and you're responsible for it that way if something goes wrong you are capable of taking care of yourself. Have your own skills, have your own abilities. Don't depend on your partner to carry the thing that might fail. So you both don't have one. Right. Right. Yeah. One is none. So when we went out, we basically always took care of ourselves. And with Evan, he had a bit of a diet problem. He had um, allergies to a lot of things. I couldn't cook for him because I, I cook with wheat. He can't eat wheat. It'll lay him up for a week. Mm. You know, he was allergic to soy. He was allergic to milk, eggs, you know, oh, these, wow. these kinds of things. Yeah. He, it was extensive. Mm. So it was really hard for me to, I like to share something with him. So yeah. it, it was always better for me to say, okay, I do your own thing. It's all right. Yeah. You know, you, you do your own thing. I'll do my own thing. If you need a, you know, a chunk of rope or whatever, <laughs> I'll got your back. But, and, tough. and that's kind of tough thinking about, Anytime I've been in the bush with somebody else, it's easier if one person cooks. Yeah, yeah. Usually. <laughs> so the, the fact that you each have to cook your own meals oh, is yeah. kind of crazy. That's a lot of work. Yeah, a lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> well, a lot of pots and pans, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of little fires. Unless yeah. it was straight white rice, man, it was you couldn't feed them. Yeah. And unfortunately, as I get further into the story and you start to see as things got really desperate, that really sucked. Yeah. That was dangerous. That was bad for Evan and. I had a lot of sympathy for him in that regard. So, but obviously we'll get to that here in a bit. Um, so we, we were self-sufficient in that regard. We always tried to decide, you know, like carry your own tent. We're not sleeping two men in a tent other than the wall tent that I bought was big enough for two people. That was the only exception to that. Yeah. But, um, so why was that? Well, that's cause I bought the darn thing. No, he I didn't mean, want it. Um, <laughs> staying in your own tent. That, oh, staying in your own. Oh, that's, that's, um, warmth in a two-man kind of thing. Eh, he didn't want to do that. He yeah. liked his little pup tent. I liked my bigger tent. You know, I always believed in carrying extra. My family, as we grew up, my dad always said, basically, bring extra. Have more than you need. Yeah. Evan was very, I won't say that he grew up super poor or anything like that. I won't demonize his family or anything like that. But he had this very frugal mentality. He's the kind of guy that can save up 20 grand in eight months. The kind of guy that can buy a house in the Yukon and make it work. You know, he's very articulate with his abilities but he also made a lot of really dumbass errors like bringing one pair of snow boots oh, yeah. <laughs> well i mean you, you plan for a certain situation right and if that doesn't go towards like say it doesn't go right yep. you have to have a secondary plan you have to have a backup right i i always thought my that's how i plan my gears that's how i plan my trip yep and the only time that's an exception is usually my rifle and gear that doesn't break like what i got in front of me this stuff i carried with me the whole time and it never screwed up it never broke yeah you can always depend on this stuff 
right? Like that, and for the most part, a lot of my gear, I found out, and <laughs> I, <laughs> I found out a lot about gear on this trip. Like sleeping bags are a great one. Mm-hmm. I hate those new synthetic bags. They're terrible. Nothing like sleeping in a shopping bag full of feathers when you're standing near a fire. That sucks. That stuff melts. You'll be tuck tape. Yeah. You are tuck tape. That sucks. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> so gear, like I, I always have had better luck with gear that don't break. And I like to research stuff that's, you know, what did our old, what did the old timers like? What did, what did, um, you know, our forefathers like to have? Cause this gear was resilient, strong, didn't break. You could use it over and over and over and over. Right. Methods of starting fires that the old timers used to use stuff like that. Because, yep. That stuff doesn't change. When you're out in the woods, that woods is the same woods that they were standing in, you yeah. know? So the methods that they were using, you can use, and it still works. A lot of people rely on this new gear. I, I personally, I don't like that, but that's not the point. We're not, we're, we're getting on a tangent. Not debating gear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, well, you'll see why here. Like, it, it got pretty brutal. Like, so Evan and I had differences in gear, and I didn't go through his stuff, and he didn't go through mine. I made a few big mistakes. I messed up and didn't bring my cooking pot. I usually carried a big coffee carafe to boil water in because in the beginning half of winter, when you don't have snow, you're going to be boiling whatever water source you've got. I don't like water tablets. I don't trust them. If something goes wrong, you get sick. That's it. You're laid up. You don't want that. I don't carry a spot. Probably should get a spot. I've basically been told if I don't get a spot, I'm getting burned. But um, yeah, get a spot. Um, You know, so having this gear... uh, <laughs> it was kind of a pain in the butt, but I didn't know what Evan brought. And a lot of that really screwed up with his food. So I didn't realize that we had such a disparity in the amounts that we brought. That was the big whoops. And he split his, some of his gear up and brought it to the wall tent. I didn't. He had, I frick, I want to say it was like 25 or 30 pounds worth of stuff that he put to the wall tent that he needed upstream. We got, um, so I guess I should probably continue on with the story because this isn't helping you guys any. Um <laughs> I went down from the cabin the next day, spent my next day up on a bank. Um, We were probably about 35 kilometers out of town. I didn't uh, check the GPS. It was cold. It was miserable. It's November, well, end of October coming into November. So you're looking at probably six and a half hours, seven hours of light. You know, like winter time up there is dark, like dark, dark, dark. And unless you're in the moon cycle where you've got half a moon or better, you're talking real dark. And if it's overcast, it's extra dark, hmm. right? So when you're out there, you want to be basically able to see <laughs> and you got to make use of available daylight, right? Yeah. So we didn't make as much distance as on the travel that we needed to when we started heading down. And we wound up getting stuck on the river. I guess this would have been the day after. So four days on, we were down and... uh we went and we found the boat motor, took a look at it, pulled the pump apart, said, okay, the impellers are completely freaking gone. We can't salvage the boat motor. Don't have a spare pump. So we got to float the rest of this stuff down. So now we've got a spare boat. I've got two boats tied together trying to get this thing down the river. Totally doable. It's going to float. It's not going to sink. You got a lot of surface area there. I wasn't yep. worried about losing the boats at all. Um, the only problem was is I'm starting to see ice come up. And I guess it would have been night four. The temperature dropped probably close to 15 degrees in one night. It, it, it went fast. And all of a sudden I'm seeing ice come up on the river. And, you know, at first it was like little chunks the size of a coffee cup. And you're like, okay, well you can paddle through that. Yeah. All this next day you've got chunks the size of this counter. Well, now you're in danger. You, that is going to, you can't move, maneuver your boats through that at all. No. Right. And when I got 
past Anvil Creek. So this is where I ended up creating a supply cache because we pulled out. We couldn't go any further. It was, we were around the corner was our first set of rapids. There's a big tabletop rapid that's about a three and a half foot drop. And I didn't have the confidence that I could maneuver two boats past that without having something bad happen with that. You've got moving water, you've got rapids, you've got big chunks of ice, and you're in a boat that's made out of fiberglass. It's a kind of a no-brainer. You're going to end up dead if you screw that up. Yeah. So at that point, Evan and I probably should have said, okay, we need to reevaluate what we've got here and potentially go back. Because at this point, like if we had just said that's what we should do, we both would have survived. We would have been fine. I wouldn't have, like, we'd have no story here. But we didn't do that. Evan didn't want to go back. I didn't want to go back. We were like, well, we're set up to winter camp. Why don't we just go camping? Let's go down to the wall tent, get the rest of our gear, and we'll look at a way to kind of winterize everything. And we'll have to come back in the spring, but we can spend a month or two out here if we need to. It's not a big deal. So how far are you at this point from the wall tent? 25 kilometers north would be the wall tent. That's where the confluence to Tay is. Yeah. And you're 45 kilometers back to Farrell. Okay. So when you're when you're standing in that, it you're you're always closer to the wall tent, but there's not a lot of stuff there. So, you know, most of our gear was there with the exception being all the important winter gear, like my sleeping bag that's, you know, heavily winter rated, my winter boots, my ski pants, you know, like I think my 22 is down there and a couple other things, you know, and I'm like, well, kind of would have liked to have that stuff with me, especially the wall tent, but there's no way I can get from where I am. My food supply was 25 kilometers from where I needed to go. Yeah. Right. And we're stuck there. So now it's a matter of, well, what do we do? Right. For some people, that's going to become the moment of survival situation where you're like, okay, it's getting cold. I don't have my winter sleeping bag. I don't have my winter boots. It's snowing. You know, I don't have the gear that I need anymore. And my plan is done. I I now have to fly by the seat of my pants from now on or I'm dead kind of deal. Obviously, with correct bushcraft, if you know what you're doing, you can kind of weather the storm a little bit. But Mm -hmm. if you get a good minus 40 snap, you're you're screwed, dead. Right. There's no way around this. So what I, what we wound up doing was we tried to wait it out on the river for about three, four days to see if it was going to warm up any. If it warmed up any, we were hoping we could just keep pushing through and it would be fine. And, you know, we're sitting, so Anvil Creek comes out and we're about a click down from that. There's a nice island there and a big open area. You know, we're kind of just sitting there. We've got a fire going. We're drinking coffee and sitting around and just waiting for the river and see what's going to happen. If it freezes anymore, it's going to freeze anyway. So there's nothing you can do about it. Right. Right? Like, you're not, what are you going to do? So we're like, well, I'm got to see what's going to happen. Four days goes by, it gets colder. We're like, okay, now we're obviously going to have to hike to the wall tent. So 25 kilometers one way. It's not really a big thing. What I packed with me, I had my 65 liter pack, carried that K-bar, that super tool. Um, what else? Basically a tarp. Uh, actually two tarps, two six by eight tarps, a blanket and a sleeping bag. So what I do with the blanket, lay it hot dog style. You fold it open, put your sleeping bag inside of that. Use the blanket as an ability to keep the snow and crap off the top of your head. You also want to be re- like breathing rewarmed air. You don't want to, like when it starts to get cold, it's dangerous to breathe the air, right? It, minus 30, minus 40, it gets bad, yeah. bad, bad, bad. Yep. And of course, I'll get into what we ended up having to do mid-December when it actually was minus 50 and it was dangerous, really dangerous. But um, so... We needed to go down. Evan, <laughs> this is a good one. Evan tells me, he goes, so it's two days one way, two days the other, two days back. 
I'm like, I think about it and I'm like, 25 K he's probably wrong. I'm like, he's probably closer to six days is what I'm thinking. Ended up taking us closer to nine, nine days of hiking. Uh, the f- so four days down, that wasn't too, too bad. Oh, other than I made a pretty dumbass move. I, uh, <laughs> I had a pair of snow boots that were ankle cut baffins, you know, they're not nothing <laughs> fancy, but like, it wasn't, that's not the problem. The problem was that they were fatigued and they were falling apart. Oh, After yeah. the first day of walking, my, my boots are coming apart. They're delaminating. Now I always carry duct tape. Even if it's just a little bit of duct tape, it could save your butt. And I'm like, well, my shoes are now 20% duct tape. Day one, 20% duct tape. And I'm like, all right, we're, we made it past the first set of rapids. We go up at bank and we're sleeping up on top of the bank. Um, Basically all I did is you run your ridge line, you run your tight, your, uh, your tarp to keep your cover above your head. You run your secondary tarp underneath you. You weave yourself a bed out of boughs. You need about three feet of boughs in order to give yourself a little bit of insulation from the ground. The ground's not quite frozen yet, but it's going to get there pretty soon. Yeah. So keep yourself off the ground, keep yourself warm. And with that method of keeping the blanket over top of your head, you're going to keep a lot more insulation inside your sleeping bag and you'll stay warm. Because mm-hmm. my bag was only rated for like minus 13 and the one I was after was like minus 27. When had you been set up on the ice cold ground, it'll suck the heat out of you. Absolutely. Right? Because that frozen ground pulls the heat. Well, that's not the worst part of that. The worst part of that is it'll get you wet. Yeah. You'll actually condensate. That'll yep. freaking kill you. And I'll talk all about that in a little bit because that <laughs> sucked. Try having like seven, eight blank. Yeah, I just had a, everything in the kitchen sink to try and stay warm at minus 50, man. And that, that blew. But anyway, um, <laughs> so I'm going down. It's now, well, the night of the first night of one. I remember The only reason I really remember this is because it was the most beautiful Northern lights I've ever seen in my whole life. Yep. Electric blue. Like it's low, low, low. Like sometimes you, in especially in November, you get those really great, great vibrant colors for the lights. And it was just so low. And I remember not sleeping a wink that night because it was just like laying there and just watching it dance and come down. And, yeah. Oh, you're, you're just like, <laughs> well, and like, I, I'm not worried about bears. I'm not worried about cougars or well, obviously there's not really any mountain lion up there that I've ever heard, ever seen, but I'm not really worried about the animals. I'm, you know, I didn't bring my gun or anything. I'm just like, oh, this is great. You know, you're not seeing anything. I'm not seeing chickens. I'm not seeing... Jeremy might disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> on the man, I don't know. <laughs> well, but like, honestly, at, at that point, you know, like I I used to avidly carry bear mace with me, like yeah. all the time. This, this particular trip, it was frozen. You're not going to be carrying around a can of frozen bear mace. No. I have no freaking idea if it even works. I think it's powderized. It might work. I don't know. It no, does I've... spray at, uh, at minus 42. I've had some and uh, it does spray. It does. It does spray, yeah. Okay. It, uh... it doesn't ice What did you have to mace and... at minus 42 though? <laughs> I just, over <laughs> since the attack, I carry around bear spray with me. And yeah, I yeah. Just, you try it at all different temperatures yeah. just for, I got lots of expired stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Me, me too. I've got like that's right. Food. Polar bears. Oh, that, no, that that's a great point. Yeah, actually, that's that a great point. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but I, I've never. Um, it does heard. work. I mean, I've had I've like tested and sprayed. Yeah, play with yeah. it, So absolutely, I've got a couple cans of expired stuff because I've never even tested the damn stuff. I figure that when the time comes, I'll either get it out and work it or I won't. I really <laughs> hope that I do, but we'll get to my bear encounter at the end of this because that was nuts. But um, anyway, so. Night of the first night of one, I remember that I brought food wise. I had chili peanuts, like lime and chili peanuts. I had a bag of bag of good, good. kettle cooked, and a bag of pepperoni. I had beans. I had a can of mussels. Obviously, like uh, anybody that spent any time out in the woods is going, mussels, are you nuts? That stinks (laughs) like hell. You're going to get freaking eaten by a bear. 
I did it because I love that stuff in the beans. You mix it in with the beans. Oh, that's the way to go. Man. That's good <laughs> stuff. High calories. It's freaking protein. Like, Lots of energy. You need that. Yeah. You need that. And I brought a sandwich bag of rice because everybody loves rice. And I'm at the point now where I can pretty much cook anything over the fire if I need to. So I'm happy with that. Yep. Um, so night of number one was done on the way down to the wall tent. I get to number two. We basically walked. I think we might have covered seven clicks that day. It wasn't very far. Um, ended up camped out on a nice area where it used to be a water drainage. I remember that quite well because Evan and I built a, basically we slept in an L figure configuration. We ran the tarps up so that the two of us each had our own sleeping area, but, yep. and then I built a long fire between the two of us and just had a big roaring fire there. Cause it was uh, starting to snow and it was getting pretty nasty. Right. So of course, the, the one of the big tricks is make sure that when you set up your shelter, set it up in a way that the snow is falling on the back of you, not on the front. Don't don't set the open up to the wind. Of course, the wind usually changes around six o'clock at night anyway, and then you're like, right? So <laughs> really blows because like you're you have to decide where you're going to set up, and you when you're out there flying by the seat of your pants, you don't really know where you're going to choose, right? Right? Because you you just pick the best place and make yeah. sure there's enough light to get everything going. Right. I can, I can confidently say that no, at no point in that time did I ever not get a fire going. I always used to carry um, a Zippo lighter and a full container of lighter fluid. Yep. So in the event that for whatever reason, my lighter failed, I would use the Zippos just to spray the crap. And, you know, and of course I've got about a dozen different little tricks that I use to start fires, like such as boughs. You can always find nice dry tinder on the bottom of spruce trees, you know, like that's a really easy way to do it. I use that trick all the time. And that doesn't work, you know, you make napalm out of weird random things. You can do all kinds of fun mm-hmm. and inventive things to stay alive and stay warm, right? Um, but the big thing is staying dry out there, right? So day two, I'm getting wet. And <laughs> it it's hard to dry out your clothes when it's snowing. Not going to deny that when it's, you know, anywhere from one degree to minus two, you're, you're in that little danger zone where you're getting wet and you're, you're going to have a hard time drying out. You're not in an area where you're ever going to get warm. I hate to say this, but if you're wet and the temperature drops, it's not necessarily that you're going to die, but you'll have to find a way to get dry and you'll have to do it right. And you're not going to be carrying lots of extra clothes with you because you're trekking. When, when I trek, it's get up in the morning, pack everything up as fast as I can and get those six hours of light as much distance as I can possibly get. Oh, and uh, day two, I was about 50-50 on the duct tape for my shoes. <laughs> so Back to the apparel, though. What did you bring for apparel? Uh, I was wearing my... I have a waxed hat that I usually wear when I'm out in the woods. Um, Full brim waxed hat. Uh, no, it's actually just like a boon hat. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I just, I just <laughs> waxed the ever-living crap out of that thing because I... In the summertime, I find that the weather is very unpredictable in the Yukon. And a lot of the time, you might be like... You know, you get up, it's nice and sunny and it's great. And then... 10 minutes later, you've got all great guns coming down and weather's pouring on your head. So yep. good to have a hat that'll keep your head dry. Yep. It also works really great as a scoop for water. You can use your hat to dump water into a canteen or, you know, like you want, you want multi-purpose things. For sure. Right. So uh, I was wearing a, what the hell was it? It was like a mountain tech or whatever the hell it was coat that it was um, uh, some kind of nylon. I don't really remember how, what they call the darn stuff. It was waterproof up to a point until you put holes in it. Okay. Lots of fun, um, yep. rips and trips and everything else. Bear in mind that I'm going through scrub brush, so you're not always able to walk on the bank of the river as I'm traveling. Sometimes you have to get up and into the scrub brush. Sometimes you have to hike over the tops of ridge lines. Sometimes you have to scale up giant banks. Mm-hmm. Sometimes because the river's obviously running right beside me in the middle, and I've got ice on the outsides, you're you're in a hazard, right? 
And there was lots of areas where you can't do anything other than climb up a giant bank, you know, you or backtrack and then you lose that time. Yeah. Now, the problem was, is Evan seriously believed that we were going to make it in two days there. So he's out of food by day two, right? And that's getting him ornery. So I'm like, okay, well, you know what? If you believe you can go, go. We, we don't need to be together. I'm not going to get mauled by a bear. You're not going to get mauled by a bear, hopefully. And <laughs> go, right? Like, do what you got to do. So he took off and I basically just tracked him. It was snowing enough. I was like, hey, well, I, I have two choices. Make my own way or track him in case something happens to him. So what was what was the reason behind sending him off on his own? Was it that? Well, that he wanted to go. I wasn't going to hold. Or... Um, yes and no. I, I pace myself. Uh, one of the basic rules of tracking that I've learned over the years is I don't care how fast the person in front of me is. Mm-hmm. I need to maintain my speed to have energy at the end of the day. Okay. I'm not going to break my body to keep up with the guy in front of me. Evan was six feet tall. I'm five foot eight. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a short little guy. So <laughs> like there, uh, you know, every stride, he's an inch farther than me. Every mm-hmm. time he's moving, it, it's further. He's longer leg than I am. He's, you know, in better shape. So well, I'd like to say that. I don't know. We, we had different stuff. I was stronger in the upper body. He was definitely stronger in his legs. But so it, you know, he's at this point where he wants to get to the tent. I said, go, go ahead. You know, I'm going to track you because if you fall down and get impaled or trip over something or get mauled or whatever, I'll find you eventually. Yeah. I can't guarantee that. So day three, he said to me, he said, well, I'm going to the tent. If you make it today, great. If you don't make it today, camp, you know what to do. And I said, okay, so I, sign our, follow your dreams. <laughs> So he took off. I, uh, at that point, my boots are 70% duct tape and I'm running out of duct tape. (laughs) I brought one roll with me. So I was like, shit. Yeah, here we go. Uh, if you've never hiked on duct tape boots, I got some really good advice for you. When the ground is not frozen and the snow is on top of it, you will slide all over the darn place. When you're trying to hike, that is a pain in the old butt. I went to the top of, uh, the top of these rises and I'm climbing on basically it's sand, loose sand. You have these giant areas where it's just sand that's frozen on the top and you're sliding like crazy. You're falling down. You're, you can't, it got to a point where I was like, I can't track him anymore because his boots aren't wrecked and mine are, and I can't follow him anymore. So I got to the top of one of these rises and I slipped and I went down a bank. Now this whole time we're trying to run the ridge lines because the water below is, it's just a pain in the butt. We don't have enough bank on the bottom. You're, there's no snow covering any of the round river rocks, so you're constantly doing this with your ankle all day. Yep. You're better off to be up on a ridge line where you have less foliage and you can move faster, yep. right? We're looking for the fastest way to get through the wilderness. So we're taking the ridge lines. I make a stupid rookie mistake and I slide. I'm only probably about three clicks from Tay, but it's getting dark. And I end up just doing a figure four, like you're doing baseball slide and just down this giant bank. Cause I got no choice. I'm like, I can't stop. I uh, caught my foot on a tree. Didn't sprain my ankle, thankfully, or break a leg, which definitely could have happened. But uh, yeah, I get down to the bottom of this bank and I'm like, Oh cool. I'll just walk along the river and I'll go to the confluence of Tay. And when I got three quarters of the way down the bank, I realized that I'm cliffed up and you know i've got a giant cliff on one side i'm not going to be able to that cliff meets the water there's nowhere to walk down there i'm like great i gotta climb up this freaking thing with duct tape shoes now what goes down must come back up eventually somehow so (laughs) i uh yeah basically that night i was soaked and i mean like i remember that being the most soaked i've been in a long 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 time because i rolled down that hill like crazy all of the snow's going up my coat in my pants 
you know, I'm spitting dirt out and I'm just like blah, blah, blah and falling down this darn thing and uh, it sucked. So <laughs> I get to the bottom, I'm drying out in the dark, get a roaring fire going and I'm just running my ridge line, same setup I've always used and, you know, I've basically just did everything I could not to freeze that night. It was probably about minus seven at that point. So the snow was only wet because it was hitting me and I was having it on my body, right? Right. So I get, uh, <laughs> that day is done. I'm like, okay, I can see the confluence, the river's there. I, I just got to go across this thing. So I, I managed to scamper up this hill. It takes me like way longer than it should because every single step, I'm two steps up, three steps back kind of deal because yeah. it was a sliding. Yeah. But uh, I managed to get there. Got to go up this big bank, skirt the ridge line, back down, and then get to the the confluence where the Tay River meets the Pelly River. So I'm now on day four. I see Evan sitting out on the other side of the river. So at this point, the river is probably frozen, I'd say about eight feet on both sides, and then open water in the middle, right? And I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm going, well, that's going to suck. I got to go across that. And there ain't no bridge. I got to just walk through that. So I... <laughs> have the backpack over your head and go sploosh into this thing. It was up to my nipples and I'm walking across frozen water doing the polar bear plunge. Mm. Lots of fun. Oh. Not so bad going in. Really sucks getting out. So why did you have to cross the river? Ta uh, my wall tent's on the other side. Oh, okay. Wall tent's on the wrong side of the river. Yeah. There, the, Evan set it up. I just smiled and nod. But uh, it wouldn't have been so bad if you were in a boat, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not, not a problem. But it's just, that's how it worked out. So <laughs> I get across and... I noticed Evan's wearing my snow boots and his shit's all freaking wet and hung up in the wall tent and he doesn't even have the fire going in there. And I'm like, Ev! And I'm like freezing. I'm like, get the fire going. Use the gasoline, damn it. Anything. Get it <laughs> Anything yeah. Go, go, it's go. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, we uh, we spent two days there. Basically took an assessment of what we had, what we could carry back at that point. The reason I packed so light on the way there and had almost nothing was because I need to bring gear back with me. So I'm going to be packing shit heavier back mm -hmm. right so I, I what i needed to bring with me i needed my snowshoes i needed my ski pants i needed my parka coat my i had a fancy duck duck wash uh freaking what do they call it duck lined i guess i don't know feathers doesn't matter the feathers down down, down. down yeah, yeah down let's call it down brain's not working today um so you know i i had a big bunch of crap that had to go back <laughs> i've got this uh my bag is just stuffed right to the balls I've got an axe in my left hand and I'm like, okay, we spent two days at the tent there. We're like, we, now we got to hike it back. We're running, like we had grub at the tent there, but we didn't want to use it all obviously. Cause it's, you know, food is better to be left there in case we have to come back for some reason, you'll have something to eat if you had to come back there. Right. At that point, we we're basically just doing what it took to stay alive. Right. Like you needed this gear. I needed my heavy sleeping bag. I needed my boots because it was getting bad. Right. So. And then it, this is this is a funny freaking thing. So I had to go back across that same frozen river. But the difference is this time I can't get wet because I don't want my ski pants. I don't want all that stuff wet. Yeah. So I stripped right down, buck ass naked. Yeah. <laughs> Grabbed my backpack up and over my head. I told Ev, I said, well, where do you think's the most shallow spot? And he looks and he goes, right there. And of course, you've got, um, so right before the river is going to freeze over solid, you've got this, um, it looks like a massive slush on the bottom of the river right you you probably seen that before where it slushes up on the bottom of the yeah. river yeah. so i had to get across that slush and i had to go to the other side of this thing and of course i've got no boots on no socks on no shoes on no pants on no underwear on and i'm like yeehaw 
I don't think I saw my balls for two days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like that was brutal. I let out a sound that hit soprano when I hit that water boy. Holy smokes. And I, I'm not going to start a fire on the other side because when I get to the other side, I'm standing on a rock bank. So I, I'm not going to walk around trying to get Gather up stuff. It's, yeah. it's a waste of time, right? Yeah. Get your gear on, get out of that situation. Yeah. So well, why did you have to go back across? Um, so the food, all of my food was at the cache at, um, uh, the heck's Anvil Creek. Like that was the, the big problem. I had to get my winter gear, but I didn't have food at that tent. I couldn't carry enough food with me to that tent to use that tent as a shelter. That, that tent became useless to me when I didn't get the food there. I couldn't get that stuff. I had three and a half months worth of food sitting in the bush under a tarp. I'm like at a point where I need a and shelter. That's upstream. That's upstream. I have no way of facilitating that. I don't have a skid. The river's not frozen. I can't go down, right? So, yeah. so the, the, <laughs> the food cache was dropped before or after? Like, was that in the first go around or was that? That went down with us. You, okay. That went down with us. And how come you didn't bring it all the way to the it, camp? We, we couldn't get down there. We got froze on the river. Oh, okay. Right. Gotcha. So yeah. I, I know that this is going to like, trust and, me. And, and we're, we're, I'm is, not trying to pick apart the story in any way. I'm just trying to get a full understanding. Well, for clarity, of, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, don't feel bad. I yeah. had detectives. I had police. I had conservation. I pulled this story. The I, I, honestly, in the ICU, when I was trying to tell this story, it was like I almost needed a freaking whiteboard, and I asked for one. <laughs> I really did ask for one. I, I was like, okay, there's only three spots, man. But, you know, like at the end of the day, it, I get it. So I needed to go back. We're now on day one. I've got one sandwich bag of rice. I'm out of pepperoni. I'm out of the fancy peanuts. Which really sucks because those go so great together. But <laughs> I have to go back and all my food's upstream. I figure looking at what we did, I was like, well, it's probably going to be four days back. It took me four days down. It's going to be four days back. This is an eight day trip. I packed for four days worth of food. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of going to have to go hungry for a few days here unless I shoot something or do something about this situation. Right. So <laughs> Evan took my 22 out. He blasted a couple of squirrels with it. I have eaten more than my fair share and hate them. Mm-hmm. but it's terrible i've had squirrel and it's terrible uh, you know what like i i can make honestly i've eaten porcupine i've eaten bear i eat like just about everything i still can't make squirrel taste good yeah i've tried everything i think like honestly the secret was pressure cooking for everything but like i can't make a squirrel taste good and i watch those duck hunting guys down in the states uh, duck whatever duck they are dynasty. yeah yeah and they're like oh yeah shoot squirrels and, and all i'm thinking is like uh, okay <laughs> i've done that squirrel brains make you smarter yeah no not really yeah <laughs> <laughs> But so anyway, like I, I get across this thing and what I noticed right off the bat is that I cut the crap out of my legs. The ice is just cutting me up like gnarly. I'm bleeding all over the place and my legs are tingling because it took longer to get out. You step up onto the ice, you break into the ice, you step up onto the ice, you break into the ice all the way to the shore until you've got something to stand on and you're cutting your shins up, your ankles up, you know, your legs are just, it, it's bad. And then my legs were tingly for the rest of the day and I could barely use the darn things, which really sucks when you got to climb a mountain and you got to climb a mountain because you're running out of food. Yeah. Like, well, what are my choices here? You know, you have to keep moving. You don't have a choice. So what I ended up doing was <laughs> Evan and I just basically said, okay, go, we're just going. I said, you pick a path. He was always excellent as a pathfinder. The guy should have been a scout in the army because he was freaking amazing at it. And then, of course, he'd turn around and say, well, Mitch, you always pick the absolute worst line. Because, like, if there's <laughs> if there's a nasty-ass place to walk, you always pick that one. I'm like, well, no, but yeah, he might have been right. Who knows? I, anyway, the point was that 
I said, you pick the line, I'll track you and go. I said, there's enough snow. I can, I'm not going to lose you. Just go. We're not snowshoeing yet, but we've still got snow up to our knees at that point in the gullies. So, and it's probably, we, we were hovering around freezing at that point. So we've got wet, wet, heavy snow and it's really shitty because it just gets all over you and it melts and then you're wet. Yeah. And I, my absolute favorite game in the entire world is when you touch a tree and it drops giant wet clumps of snow down your neck. Absolute best thing in the whole world, especially when you got to hike for four days straight. So yeah, that was really, really, really fun because I had to stop probably about four times that day to start a little emergency fire to dry out. My gloves are soaked. My everything is soaked. And I'm just like, well, I'm not, I, I knew that I wasn't about to die at any point. Like yeah. I, I didn't feel like I was like, this is a life threatening situation. Mm-hmm. It's just an inconvenience. Right. right. But it only becomes a life-threatening situation if you don't do something about it right away when these problems come up. You have to dry out. You don't have a luxury. Like, if you wait till it's dark and you can't gather firewood anymore, the next day you're going to have a solid block to put on. Yep. Your clothing is going to be frozen solid. You don't have an option. So dry out when you can. Even if it's just wringing out your clothes, the insulative qualities of your clothing are a lot better when they're not freaking wet. So I got, I guess, night number one, we wound up camping somewhere on the top of a blind i it was it was like just spruce everywhere we basically just slept under spruce trees and hang up and it, it wasn't bad that night like we dried out everything was fine uh next day we headed out again you know bright and early say so it's always the same routine you get up you pack your stuff up as fast as you can you try and burn through the light as quickly as you can you're tracking right the goal is to make distance as yeah. much distance as you can yeah because you're in out of food obviously <laughs> so we uh we kept going um that night, where did we end up camping for night number three? We wound up camping in a really weird windblown spot. And I remember that quite well because it ripped the ever-living crap out of Evan's gear. He, uh, yeah, we're, obviously, I, you guys have probably all hiked through windblown stuff. And oh, yeah. you have this really lovely thing where, I mean, a guy that's six foot two, like you, you probably can like gazelle over this stuff. I can't <laughs> do that. I'm not a moose. <laughs> I'm not a moose. I'm really short. So I need like help when I'm like, ah, crap. I, I either got to do two things that are really dumb. At least I had my snow boots on, so no more duct tape. I could like at least walk on these logs. But you got two choices. Walk on top of the deadfall or try and clamber over the deadfall all day. Yeah. And walking on top has got merits. Clambering over it's got merits. You're going to pick one or the other. Eventually, you're going to get tired of doing both. Yep. There's no way around it. Yeah. Right? So I ended up basically stuck on the top of this deadfall area. I told Evan, I said, like, because on our way down... We noticed that there wasn't enough area on the river itself to actually walk. And it was really hard to walk on the round rocks. It was just messing up our ankles and stuff. Cause these things are not easy to walk on until there's enough snow to give you that cushion. Right. Yeah. And you're wearing like a Baffin style or a Sorel style winter boot. With uh, yeah, I actually, I think they were wind river. I remember yeah. that quite well. Cause they were with me right to the end. I destroyed those things. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That but like a felt line. Uh, these were like, Arctic rated fancy minus 80 boots. I spent some decent cash on those. Like I never, ever, ever like any advice I can give to anyone buy the footwear. Yeah. That's a huge, huge deal. Like don't, if you're going to skimp out on anything, don't do that footwear. The footwear is super important. Yeah. If you can't walk, you're screwed. Yeah. Right. I so agree. with, uh, in that regard, I basically <laughs> camped in this giant windfall. We ran out of food that night. Like we were like, Hey, well, we're, we're going hungry tonight. Let's have some spruce tea and some Labrador tea. Right. You just mix uh, Labrador tea and spruce together and a little bit and you get some kind of a sweet, weird, nasty, tangy drink. <laughs> Better than just water. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's a little bit of flavor. I drank a lot of that. A lot of that. Yeah. But I'm, I'm alive today because I drank a lot of that. There's a lot of vitamin C in that and it's helpful. 
it's helpful. It helps to clean you out a little bit. I think it's good for your urinary tract too, if memory serves. It's been a while since I've actually cracked open my edibles book, but uh, <laughs> but I remember that I could eat it, and that's all that matters. <laughs> Is it the the needles or the bark or the wood? Or just uh, what I usually branches, do. Tear them up. Um, well, obviously you don't want to eat the needles, right? So what I would normally do is I'd find a nice area where it's nice and green, yep. split that back, and I'd take a piece of uh, branch with the needles still attached to it. I drop that in the cup. You usually need about two of those. I always carried a military issue canteen cup with a military issue canteen. Yep. I think that it was from like Desert Storm. That thing kicked ass. You, If you're on the go and you need to melt some snow, that's the way to do it. You have a tiny little container. You can heat it up, melt the snow, drink the snow. You get a liter of water in you. You're good to go. Yeah. You yep. don't have, there's no screwing around. And it boils quickly, so you're not going to be sitting there feeding a fire for 10 minutes, right? Yeah. Like, your, your goal is to get moving if you need to move. Yeah. So I always carried that. And um, it was also my teacup, which, unfortunately, the RCMP didn't bring back. Otherwise, I'd be sitting, like, right there. Because <laughs> <laughs> I carried that with me everywhere. Got you through it. Well, that was the go-to, man. Like, military-issue gear is the way to go. If you want, like, solid, solid gear, that stuff does not break. But anyway, I mean, obviously, I'm in the gun store. I should like endorse more stuff. No, <laughs> no. we're not here to push products. No, but uh, no, like you know. So that night goes by. Evan and I were. Uh, it's probably about minus twelve. You know, we're doing the same routine every day. You cut your bow bed. You get your bow bed set up. You lay your tarp over top. You hang your next tarp up. That's in. You want the wind at your back. So normally, typically speaking, the wind comes out of the north up the valley, or it comes out of the south. If it comes out of the south, you're going to have more of a warmer, mild weather pattern, typically. Yeah. That's what I noticed in my time. Yeah. So if you have a like a wild temperature swing, usually it's out of the south. If it's really cold and it just drops off and it's going to like freeze you to the ground, which it did on night number four. Four was brutal. We had, um, I was lucky that I had the good sleeping bag. We'd hiked all that day. We were sitting in a good spot and um, <laughs> we get... We get Everything's all situated, bow beds all set up. I'm laying in my bed. You know, I'm like hungry, obviously. And just you have water, you satiate your hunger. You know, yeah. I can go three, four days without, with, on hunger and be okay. Yeah. I don't like it, but I can do it. Yeah. So I, uh, <laughs> I'll never forget this. You know, you're sitting in, um, in this thing and you're just like freezing your freaking butt off in the middle of the night. It drops like bad, 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 bad drops. And it's clear sky. If anytime you see a clear sky, no clouds in the sky. It's going to get cold. It's going to get super, super, super cold. Yeah. So it, <laughs> you get the wind out of the north. It's blowing cold. I mean, obviously the wind shifts and it just like, instead of acting as a wind break, I've got a wind tunnel now. Yeah. And you're like head of your sleeping bag and everything is just getting blown. It, you might as well be a windsock, <laughs> which really freaking sucks in the dark. And it's cold. Like I can't, I can't even reiterate how like, you know, right now it's like maybe minus 15 outside. That's, that's cute compared to Yukon stuff, right? Yeah. Like I figure it was probably minus 25, minus 30. It, it dropped off. I know Evan, I could hear him just moving around all night. I knew he did not sleep a wink that night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he wound up taking my extra sleeping bag and he made like this giant mummy bag concoction thing that he decided to do. Cause we got into an argument about sleeping bags and he's like, Oh, I don't need that. And I said, you do need that. He's like, I don't need that. I was like, well, you don't need it then I guess. Right. Why am I going to fight you for it? I'm not going to fight with my best friend. If you think you don't need it, you don't need it. You'll find out whether you're right or not. Yeah. Right? Like, that's how it goes. Nature's not going to fucking take any... She doesn't care. Nope. She'll kill you. Yeah. So, we wound up frozen to the ground that night. That sucked. That really sucked. I woke up in the morning and melted the crap out of my gloves. That also sucked. Nothing like walking around with no gloves on your hands for the rest of the day. I had these uh, two... I ended up taking extra wool socks and just went... Because <laughs> it was like <laughs> minus 30. And I'm like, I got no choice, man. 
I'm like, okay, Mr. Mitten Man. And I'm like walking around holding my pack straps, with my mittens on. And I'm like <laughs> not impressed with the entire situation. And my hands are instantly wet. The first thing that gets wet on your clothing is your shoulders, your head, and your hands. Because your hands are constantly touching branches to maneuver things out of your way when you're walking through the scrub. Yeah. So it's day four. I'm like, I need to get back to camp now. I've been two days without food. I'm like ready to kill and eat something majorly. I'm hungry, hungry. Right. Yeah. And I'm hiking hard all day. So... <laughs> Yeah, I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, I really want to go back. I'm going to make bannock and I'm going to make a bannock ham sandwich, a giant one with mustard and mayonnaise on it. It's going to be just killer. And I'm thinking about that. Yeah. Oh yeah. You, you know, like, and I used to mix my bannock. I, I cut it in with corn flour. I, I love cooking. I, 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 it's kind of a freaking guilty pleasure. I love cooking. So I'm like, I'm going to cut it in and I'm going to do it in my big, big fry pan over the fire. It's going to be awesome. And you know, that kept me going <laughs> during the day. And I, I see Evan like lagging behind. So normally he's in front of me, but he's got like way too much crap on him this time. And I managed to pass him and I felt good about that. I, I mean, like, obviously he's not going to die. We're taking care of one another, but it felt good to get ahead of the guy that's always ahead of you once How in a while. How far apart were you guys hiking? Oh, uh, typically speaking, Within we're not more than like or... a, no, a kilometer. Oh, maybe okay. yep. we're, we're not, um, depending on the situation, that particular day, day four, he, I actually tailed him for the majority of the night. And then when we got about a kilometer and a half away from camp, it was already like pitch black. We had to walk around this big, long spiraling S bend and we're on the top of this big bank, right? And it's dark, but we've got probably about a quarter moon. So that would mean that it's uh, November 11th ish going by the moon. So I'm like, okay, we've got to figure out kind of what we're going to do. I'm just like, I don't want to leave him behind, but at the same time, he's not going to die. I'm going to go and start a fire. I'm going to get ahead of him, go start a fire and get us a big ass thing of coffee going. Cause we need some Joe in our lives. Yeah. So <laughs> I get there and, uh, you know, minus 15, I always carried a flashlight in my pocket during that one. I used to carry this like badass rechargeable led flashlight thing. Worked great for the first half of winter until it froze solid. That was wonderful. Um, but I get into camp and I'm sitting down. I get the, I, you know, drag out the bow saw, get out the ax, start cutting, get a decent fire going. And, you know, Evan's probably about a half an hour behind me. You know, he's not that far, maybe 500 meters to a kilometer, if yeah. that, right? Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I just hear, oh, oh. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sakes, there's a cow. <laughs> We're still like tail end of the rut. I'm like, oh no, this is bad. This is bad. So I, I like, obviously I'm not going to shoot her. I don't, I didn't buy tags. I wasn't planning on shooting her. I have food. I don't, I just want her away from me because cow, like moose kill more people in the Yukon than bears do. They're yeah. dangerous. They're yeah. dangerous animals. They're huge. Right. So Evan comes in and we're sitting there and he's just like kind of sitting there. And I just, I, I wanted to see if he'd notice. And he just, all of a sudden he just hears, rah, rah, and he turns around and <laughs> the cow is probably 200 feet from us. She's just down a bank. And I'm like, well, we'll leave, we'll leave her alone. You know, normally they can smell you, but the problem is, is she's all horned up. If you make a noise up there in the dark, I don't know why it is, but they end up nocturnal for some reason up there. Mm. I, I found a lot of times that was the most activity was during the night for the moose. Okay. So she came into camp the next morning and I remember Evan like slapping on my tent in a panic. And he's like, there's a cow moose standing right outside the tent. I'm like, so what? <laughs> it's yeah. a cow moose. Yeah. Tell it to screw off. Yeah. And he's like, oh, grab your gun. I'm like, we're not going to shoot that thing. Leave it alone. We don't shoot cows in the Yukon anyway. You shoot bulls. Yeah. He's like, no, no. I'm like, I'm not poaching that thing. Right. And that, that really pissed him off. 
Um, and again, like I said, we didn't know about, I didn't realize how little of meat he'd brought. Oh, right. Okay. So I could see his argument in that if, if, Roles were reversed and he was put in front of a CEO and said, are you in a survival situation? I think he would have said yes at he that felt point. That he, was he probably felt that he was, but he never like thinking like, obviously we didn't have this conversation, but he never said to me, Mitch, look, I'm really hungry right now. And I need that meat. Can you hunt that moose? If he had said that to me, I probably would have done it because I, I, I would have stood up. Like I went to the CEO and I told him everything I did. And you know, yeah. like I'm, I'm not a poacher. I don't believe in that. I believe in the conservation effort and what they stand for. Yeah. But at the same time, we were in life and death situations here. Obviously, at that point, I still had food. But like I said, he has a lot of food allergies. I didn't know what he had left. And anyway, the cow's there. I, I let her get away. I was like, I'm not shooting this damn cow. Go away. <laughs> so I didn't. I just basically took the 50 out and I just shot at uh, the bank and I scared her off. And um, yeah, I, I saw a wolf pretty. Like, it was around that time, too. Usually every time you see moose, you see wolves somewhere around the area. They're normally indicators of one another. Mm -hmm. So that went fairly well at that point. So now I've got my winter gear back and I have to kind of figure out what I'm going to do in terms of shelter. We're in kind of a pinch right now. It's minus 11, minus 12. The only reason I know this is because I nailed a thermometer to a tree. That was my tree thermometer. So... I'd go over in the morning, I'd check the thermometer, I'd go, okay, it feels like minus 20, but it's actually minus 11. By about four weeks, it started to get to a point where I'd say, well, it feels like minus four, but it's minus 15, minus 20. It switches, you get acclimatized to it, and then yeah. you start to be able to handle the cold weather better, right? I'm I, very lucky in that regard. Like, I, I I was to a point where I was in the Yukon, and I could, like, wear a t-shirt and go outside of minus 15, and I was fine for a while, Yeah. right? But, um, so we needed the shelter, and... What I ended up doing was I found a fish camp. There was an old fish camp that was up nearby. And I'm like, well, we have a giant tarp and we have a barrel that's kicking around. We have found a giant waste bin that was made out of steel. We've got tin shears. We got a wood stove, man. All we got to do is cut it up, make it fit. So Evan uh, basically went around and did that. So was this stuff that you guys brought... We found, we found that we scavenged this stuff. We, we had no choice in that regard. Like I had, we had to do something to get warm. I, we both had been through two winters up in the Yukon. We knew it was coming. Yeah. The minute it starts getting minus 30, minus 40, if you don't have the ability to keep a fire going and somewhere to get out of the elements, man, like you're, you're going to freeze. Yeah. Big time freeze. Yeah. There's worse things than dying. If you lose your fingers out there, you're screwed and you're going to be alive for weeks with no fingers. Right. That that's horrible stuff. You lose your nose, you lose your eyebrows. Like you it's all on the table. We know what happens when you mess these things up, so it's it's important to take the time and plan these things. So I when Evan and I sat down and discussed it, I said, "Well, this is what I found." So we went and we we looked through all these old things. We found um Everything we needed to make a wood stove, Evan used his tin shears and he cut up a bunch of stuff and he, he actually did a really good job. He was a carpenter, so he's really good at building random stuff. Right? Yeah. So he really impressed me. He took his pickaxe out. He dug out this, uh, he built a big teepee, dug out this thing, had a big wood stove in there and, you know, we could, we could cook it like, not like literally cook, but we were cooking, you know, like staying warm. Yeah. But, um, that was, that took about probably five, six days. I, I won't go like day by day because there was like 244 of them and it's right. going to get really, really, really long if I do that. <laughs> so <laughs> like at that point, you know, there wasn't a lot of activity either. You know, at we, we basically till December, it was gather firewood, kind of just winter camp, hang out. You know, we weren't really 
thinking like, oh, we need to get out of here. We were considering, like the big thing was waiting for the river to freeze. We wanted the river to freeze because we were thinking of crossing the river and going and exploring the other side. We're like, well, it'd be kind of cool. You know, once we had that minus 40, which really sucked in December, I'm not going to lie around this time of year. It got like, we had a more a really bad snap. Yeah. And that was hardcore. I had absolutely everything out in this shelter that Evan had built. And, uh, yeah, you, you go to sleep wearing your snow gear because you got no choice. Wear your mittens when you go into bed. Cause when you get up in the morning, you got about three minutes before you start to lose all the skin on your fingers. And that was fun. Losing all the skin on my fingers was not a good day. And you still have to somehow use your fingers to start a fire that day and to stay warm that day and have to cook that day, have to eat that day. You have all the daily needs that you still have to somehow facilitate. It doesn't matter that it's minus 50 out. If you don't make it happen, you're freaking dead. That's all there is. Yeah. Right. It's all she wrote folks. So <laughs> what I ended up doing that day was, um, lots of gasoline. Gasoline's your friend when you have, we had cans of gasoline for the motor. So we wound up just using it for fire starting in the mornings. If it was that cold, you know, that was kind of like your go-to grab a match, throw it in the puddle, you're laughing. And then you just start piling crap on it to burn. And we'd get a bonfire going that was so big that you could probably see it from space. <laughs> Anything we could get yeah. stumps, you name it, it'll all burn. And that's stuff you want. And then by that time, you basically have to ride the fire. And I mean, like sit on the damn fire to get warm because at minus 50, you got no chance, man. None. Your face is burning. You cannot breathe the air open like we are right now when it's that cold. Yeah. You need to cover your face at all times. You cannot sleep with your face exposed. You condensate instantly with your body heat. Like your body heat's going to touch everything and it's going to condensate into your bag. Yeah. So you have to dry out every single day. Every, every day you have to dry out or you're screwed. You're going to condensate onto your blankets. You're going to condensate into your sleeping bag. You're going to condensate into your clothes. Your boots are going to be frozen solid in the morning and... What people don't like to tell you about insulation is when you have insulation, it works two ways. It both insulates the cold inside of the boot in your foot, which really sucks. And it also keeps your foot warm when it finally does warm up, right? That's, but most people don't think that. They put their boot on, they go, yeah, well, give it two minutes, it's going to warm up, right? right? It doesn't happen when it's that cold. Yeah. Hmm. It doesn't happen at all. It's like walking in high heel shoes because your boots are frozen solid. And in my, I had a pair of 100, minus 100 Arctic rated like leather shit kickers that I used to wear on. Yep. And they, they were like amazing, good quality boots. But at that temperature, you literally feel like Cinderella walking around in high heel shoes, man. Like, cause you just clock, 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 clock on the ground. Flexibility, all the, you every, can't move your toes solid, yeah. and you, yeah. And then I ended up with a sock. So I didn't bring the cool sock that goes with this gun. I had a sock that goes on this thing that I ended up burning my foot really bad one day. <laughs> and I ended up using that to cover the lock. And I was yeah, like, okay. well, I got a, I got a giant burn hole in it. Burnt my foot that day really nasty. So, because the other thing is you lose the feeling in your feet. Yeah. You lose the feeling in your hands. You you can't gauge the, the heat properly. Yeah. And, you know, the luxury of having a cup that you can, like, take a drink out of, you'll burn yourself if you touch the cup. Glass, metal, anything like that, you burn yourself instantly when you touch it. You put it on the ground. It went from being hot to being frozen in about five minutes. Yeah. And nothing quite like that where you're like, yeah, time to drink my coffee. You pick it up and you go, boom, <laughs> and it falls out of the cup. Like, nice. That was freaking great. Love it. So yeah, minus it stayed about minus 50 for, I want to say about a week. It was brutal. Like absolutely freaking brutal. Like, and anything over minus 30, you start to really get into this danger zone, right? Like anything minus 20 and around that area, like I I can, there's things I can do, but you're not going to instantly burn. I can breathe the air. You know, I'm not in deep trouble. 
you know, a lot of risks I can mitigate. I can hike comfortably in minus 20 and, you know, you unzip and you, you can air out and dry out. Yeah. But when you start to get, you know, minus 50, minus, you know, re- really bad, it's dangerous. So yeah. anyway, without boring you guys too much about how much the cold sucks. <laughs> we live in Northern Canada. We, we understand. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You know, like exactly. Right. But you know, these were just daily things of my life. Yeah. Right. These were just a fact of life at that point. There was no way I was just going to hike out. Yeah. When you get to anywhere below minus 30, you're a fool if you think you're going to do trekking. Yeah. It's dangerous. Like you're stupidly, you're out of your mind, right? Everything breaks. That's the other thing. Like, so we're talking about gear and I, I kind of had a little quip about how I don't like certain kinds of gear. Yeah. The first time I had my brand new fancy mountain tech sleeping bag and it was really nice and Evan like splurged for it for me. It was a gift for, I don't even remember what day, but he's like, ah, I got you a fancy sleeping bag. It came in a box. It was like this big. And it ended up being like this triple XL giant sleeping bag that would like fit you probably super comfortable. It was like giant. And I'm like tiny. I'm like, no, no, I like my mummy bags tight. I don't like them giant, right? This thing got wet, really, really wet. And I hung it over the fire. And I'm like trying to like mitigate at that point. I didn't have a line or anything set up properly. And I totally watched the bottom half of that sleeping bag right around my foot area. It, it like, imagine a plastic bag yeah. just crinkling away and the feathers just poked out. I'm like, that's a $600 bag. Are you <laughs> kidding me? I, I had some very interesting words with nature that day and I offended her quite badly. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> It sucked. That that was brutal. I, I grabbed uh, tuck tape and ye old tuck tape saved the day. <laughs> I was like, yeah, all right, we're laughing. And I had that tuck tape right onto the end. When I when I got out of that thing, like everything was said and done, that sleeping bag went right in the lugger. I was like, yeah, garbage. Never yeah. again. Never buying that crap again. <laughs> but uh, it's always a sacrifice, though. Is it? Do you want the weight or do you want the? I, I can get school? buff, man, but I, I can't just make that work. Like it, it you really can't make that come back. You can't bring that back. Where if you have yeah. the old school wool style sleeping bag, canvas and wool, it, it you doesn't can't kill those. Yeah, they're they're stupid proof, man. Like yeah. that's the best part. The only thing is, like, obviously they're harder to dry out. Yeah, right. That's the only thing. But yeah, I would rather singe it and still have it than singe it and watch a giant hole happen. And now yeah. I'm like, well, I'm screwed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Now I'm screwed. Yeah, and th- cool. this is like top of the line, supposed to be hydrophobic and all this stuff. And you know, I'm just like, no, this is not good. Yeah. Like I, I would never, ever tell anybody it that is into serious off the grid kind of stuff. Like don't, don't do that or have a seriously good plan for drying it out. Right. If you're in a, like my wall tent would have been fine. I could have hung it up over the main pole beam and it, it would have been fine. I could have dried it out, but on the move, it was useless. I might as well have been sleeping in a shopping bag full of feathers. Yeah. So you know, and, and it come, we, we were probably towards the end of December, you know, at that point I had uh, started setting snares for rabbit to get Evan an opportunity for some meat. Cause he finally came to me and he's like, I'm running out of meat. I brought tons. So I was feeding him like crazy. There's nothing like an absolutely frozen right to the center fish snack. Uh, those will just get you going. <laughs> so at this point, you're still not like, you're not at your wall tent. No. This is all just living in your tarp. We don't have an option to go back to the wall tent anymore because we can't bring that food with us down there. I've still got probably close to, I'd say, a good 60 kilograms of food that would have to go down there. And So you're living at the food cache yeah. with tarps and the sleeping bags. Oh, yeah. It, it, was a, had, it was an absolute was mess. It was yeah. awesome. It was just a cluster. It was bad. Yeah. <laughs> it was bad. Let's just be brutally honest. It was bad. So the river freezes up. 
I sacrificed myself to decide to go over and test the ice and go across and find the path to get over there. We sat down one night. It was probably getting close to around this time of year. Yeah. And we pull out the map and we're like, okay, there's a big lake that's just up and over the top of this mountain here. So that would have been looking to the southwest. I'm like, all we have to do at this point is go up and over this mountain and hike for another seven clicks. And we're probably going to find something on this cat, like on the lake. No guarantees, obviously, but we picked a day when it was warm enough that you could do it. And I, I got all gung ho to go. And then I woke up one morning and Evan's already got his stuff on. And he's like across the river. He took the path that I went and he's like, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> but before he left, he said to me, he said, well, if I find a cabin, hypothetically, what would you want if we found anything cool in that cabin? And we, anything you can use, what would you want? And I, I didn't answer the question in the morning and I took some time to ponder it. And I came back in the afternoon. I was like, you know what I want? Toilet paper. <laughs> and he goes to me he says no fair that is not fair you can't do that to me and i just looked at him and i'm like well you said and he goes okay we're sharing that and so anyway he he buggers off and i was there for about a day and a half myself i was gonna track him and go up the mountain but i said you know what like i'll just stay here collect firewood get everything kind of you know a little bit ahead if we can trust him to find it if he's gonna find it because he's good at that yep. like he's very good at that so he comes back, it's the day before Christmas, and he's got a gunny sack over his shoulder. Big gunny sack. And I'm like, what the frick? He left with a backpack, he comes back with this big gunny sack? Like, what the hell's going on here? He comes down, he's got the biggest shit-eating grin on his face, man. And I just, like, I smile, and I'm like, okay, Evan, what's up? And he sits down, and he goes, Mitch, you're going to love this. He goes in, he opens up the gunny sack, he pulls out, like, five boxes of turtles, and he whips them at me. I haven't had candy or food or anything like that in a while yeah and he's like oh and by the way he pulls out a four pack of Kit Kat bars and throws it at me he pulls out a four pack of mr biggs and throws it at me and i'm like i love you you are <laughs> you are my freaking hero and then he's like oh and by the way and he opens it up and there's a four pack of toilet paper i'm like i, I went to him and i'm like no freaking way i'm like where where is this cabin was and this he, single play or double oh no it was like it was like pure, purex freaking like the the good shit man it was <laughs> good it was good like oh man it was good it was really good and i was like wow this guy just like I, i'm not gonna lie like you'll if you've never had to have a bowel movement in minus 50 it's not a treasure you're not gonna look back on that moment and be like gee it was great not seeing my balls for another two days <laughs> don't you find a way to be happy you're like you got you gotta find a way to be happy out there because that, that's some brutal stuff that'll really wear you down yeah right and so at this point, you looked at the lake, or you looked at the map. You saw the lake. He went for a hike. Uh, what lake was this? Do you? This is Glen Glenlean Lake. Okay. This is Glenlean Lake. Yep. He uh, he found the cabin at the tail end of the lake. It's right at the inflow of the lake. Literally the furthest freaking place away that you could possibly be from, from us. Where you were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we um, so we had to go up and around. Obviously, this is now in the Glenlean Range, so you have to go up and out of the Pelly River Valley and then up and over again to get into the Glenlean Range. So it, on a good day, if you were really busting your ass, you could get there in probably about eight hours. Okay. Eight hours of really pumping on it, on your snowshoes. And I mean, like you can't stop. Yeah. But at the end of that, your next day, you're going to be worn right out. And keep in mind, my diet's not very good at this point. I'm basically just having, you know, little bits of fish here and there that I brought in cans and canned meat and rice and bread and things like that, that I'm making on the go. But I mean, I'm not like eating a half a moose or something. You know, I'm not really, my protein intake isn't nearly high enough. Yeah. I do have multivitamins at that point. So I'm doing okay. I got painkillers. I got you know, lots of good stuff that I'm not suffering in any immensity yet. 
So <laughs> Evan comes back. He finds this cabin. He sits down. And he's like, you're not going to believe this. He's like, I found a fully furnished cabin. I'm like, okay, well, it must be somebody. He's like, no, man, it, it's it's an outfitter cabin. He's like, they left this thing stocked for people like her in, in this situation. I'm like, no, he can't. He, like, I thought he was full of crap. You find this place and it, it was just like a mirage. You couldn't believe how good this was. Like yeah. to find that kind of stuff. There was five 55 gallon drums worth of supplies in this place. Hmm. The first one's full of 70 kilograms of food, safe salt. Second one's full of every kind of oil you'll need for chainsaws, outboards. You know, um, they had gear for running your wood stove, like extra wise, extra elbows, extra stove pipe. You know, you, every fastener that was ever used to build that thing that was yeah. extra and laying around was in the next one over. They had an entire container full of, basically it was full of food and random stuff. This is, this is where this gets really funny. So <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, it's Christmas day. I just ate like two boxes of turtles. I'm feeling pretty good. We're going over that mountain tomorrow. We're going to go to this cabin. I want to see what's going on there. Yeah. We brought our fishing gear. I said, well, if we can catch something out of this lake, we're laughing. I said, if we've got a food source, we can ride out the whole winter if we needed to. Yeah. Like right then and there, I'm thinking, you know, you want to find a food source that's reliable, right? Obviously, I botched not shooting a moose at that point in time. If I could go back and do it again, I definitely would have because I didn't realize you can't look a gift horse in the mouth yeah. at that point. Like I yeah. had gone a really long time without food and I didn't realize how important it was to take every opportunity that you're going to get. We'll shoot the next one. No big deal. Yeah, we'll There'll see be another next. moose. Yeah. I saw five. Where are you gone? There's so many moose. I saw five. Five cows. Yeah. So like it, it, it really did feel like that. Yeah. The first time I pulled that gun out of its scabbard, no shit. I put my boots on, grabbed that gun, pulled it out of its scabbard. I grabbed my powder pen, put it over my neck, got a couple preloads. I went for a walk for 20 minutes and I ran into a cow and two cows. First time I had the gun in my hands in the Yukon. That, that like, I'd like take it out. I was just like, I come back and Evan's like, are you freaking kidding me? He's like, you could have <laughs> shot the calf or something. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. we'll shoot babies. Come on. Obviously that well, you'll see at the end of the story. I shot a baby, but, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, you, you got to do what you got to do. Right. So at that point we went over the top of the mountain. I followed Evan. Um, you know, like we're both doing okay. We've got snowshoes. I brought basically uh same kind of loadout that I was using for trekking, except, you know, a- after having talked to Evan, he said, well, there's sugar there. There's, you know, juice mix, coffee, tea, you know, pancake batter, pancake mix, you know, like all kinds of stuff in this cabin. Basically, this is the kind of place that you'll fly into and these guys can take care of you for a week while you're looking for your moose. That's, that's what they're after, right? But the place has not been, like the, when I got there, I realized that those, those containers had not been opened in like 15 years. Oh, it had okay. been set out there and it had never been touched and used. Hmm. So I ate a box of macaroni that when I was in grade three, that was made. Yeah. That was good times. It was actually really good. The cheese packet, everyone's like, when I tell that story, they're like, the cheese packet had to be girls. I'm like, no, that was actually the best. You know, when you, when you hike like all day, cause I got across the lake and you know, obviously the moon's rising up on the, I'm walking in towards the moon, the sun's setting off in the West on my right hand side. And, you know, I just, you just keep tromping along and tromping along. The weather's decent. So I'm not, ma- I'm not hitting like water when I'm coming through And I'm, you obviously want to pick the areas that you can make the most distance on. Right. So yeah. I'm on the lake yeah. and that's, I, I figure it's about seven clicks because it took on a, on a good day. It was an all day affair to get from one end of the lake to the other. Right. So now granted I'm short, <laughs> but you know, I got to uh, the cabin and I just, I couldn't freaking believe it, man. I couldn't believe it. Evan and I, the first thing he does when I get there, grabs a box of cookies. 
And he's like, throws me a bag of like those uh, decadent president's choice cookies. I was like, holy crap. He can't like, keep in mind, he can't eat this. Right. So was there much within that cabin that he could eat? That's yes, there was tons. Now this is where we got into the bit of the, this tiff, if I can say that, because like he had peanut butter and all the canned meat and canned vegetables and, you know, just bulk sugar he could eat, tea, coffee, you know, anything like that. And of course, for me, I'm eating processed crap, basically anything that, you know, pancake batter and there was actually uh, two Jello instant food, like uh, cheesecake, the the pre-made ones. You just yep. mix them up and yep. whip them up and throw them in some graham cracker stuff. Yeah, I had one of those on my birthday. That was cool. I had a birthday. Nice. I had a birthday cake out in the bush. Mm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, like the only shitty thing about that was that when I got out there, I wasn't having any luck catching anything. Yeah, I had with me, like. Obviously, we had all the fishing gear at the wall tent, and we didn't realize at the time that we were going to try and go for this lake. So all of my good fishing gear is down there, all my jigs, all my, you know, stuff that I would use for ice fishing. And keep in mind, I suck at ice fishing, apparently. But, uh... Found it the hard way. Well, you you go ahead and try and use a three-inch jig, and you got two colors. I had four snap swivels for the whole time I was out there. That's it. It, And the first time I caught a fish out there, which we'll get into this later, because this is a longer thing, it... It was so big, it literally didn't fit through the ice hole and snapped the line, and that was it. Oh, yeah. And I was like, whoa, I scared them. Like, I I wish I had the gun. <laughs> I don't like, I didn't know what it was. I really didn't. I had never seen a lake trout like that before. Yeah. I didn't even know that they got to be 50, 60 pounds. Yeah. It wasn't until I found the reg book in the uh, cabin that I'm like, oh, they actually can grow up to a meter and a half. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's a big fish. Yeah. I'm used to catching, you know, pike that are over that, but... But not trout. Not trout. I've never caught a lake trout like that. I caught lots of ones that are like 28 inches, but you know, nothing like that. Yeah. But anyway, so I'm at the cabin with Evan and the two of us are basically just, you know, shooting the shit like old friends talking about prospecting this and that, you know, like we're not worried about anything at that point. We're not like, oh, we're dying or this or that. We got a wood stove. The two of us are working together to keep the thing fed. And we're just basically kicking back like old friends, enjoying coffee and talking about good times and you know, at that point, it kind of felt like we were going to be okay. You know, we just found an amazing place for shelter. All we got to do is get some food up and over that mountain, and the two of us are going to be fine. And if we can manage to get decent ice fishing, we're, we're laughing. Yeah. Then we can look to facilitate the ability to leave. So that's the next thing you want to do. If you can get enough food ahead that you can hike for 10 days with it, you're laughing. Lake trout's very nutritious, high in protein, easy to smoke. So if you wanted to do that, it'd be easy. Obviously, I'm not worried about the bears getting me in the middle of winter. So, you know, I probably wouldn't choose that to be my go-to in summer when you run in into a whole bunch of them all the time. But it was doable. So Evan was catching decent fish at that point in time, and I wasn't. I, for whatever reason, just couldn't make it happen. I tried every technique I could think of, bottom bouncing, trying to jig, try to go... Two feet, five feet, 10 feet, 20 feet. Yeah. You know, anything I've got. I've got a, a tiny little dock runner, ugly stick. So I'm just like, eh, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. And of course, you're sitting out on the ice. The wind's blowing in your face. You're freezing your butt off. I mean, anybody that likes ice fishing is a bit of a masochist, in my opinion. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like, I, I just, I didn't find any any luck with it. And it really sucked. So, you know, we went through the food. I ended up eating oatmeal. I ended up having, um, what was some good examples of this stuff we had two no-bake cheesecakes uh there was a couple boxes of macaroni i had some pasta i had two boxes of aunt jemima instant pancake mix and keep in mind all this stuff was made in 2012 
So I'm it's it's pretty old. Yeah. And, and it tastes like oil from the barrel. Oh, okay. Which is really gross. But they sealed it really well, so at least I know it's not moldy, right? Right. No, you don't want to eat oil. Don't do that. It's not fun. But you, when you're dying, you got to do what you got to do. So at that point, I took uh, <laughs> I took stock of what I had left. The only thing that I wasn't willing to eat was um, there was a bag of rolled oats in there that, you know, it just had a bread tie on it. And it was like painfully, obviously, no-go. Like, boo-boo, no way, Jose. I'm yeah. not eating that because it tasted bad. Turns out Evan could eat oats. Ask me how I found out. <laughs> I felt bad for him. He's like, I was laid up for two days. I was like, you silly boy. I wasn't going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> He's like, I got to eat it. But I also have to touch on the fact that he had a voracious appetite. He was very, like, Evan, because of his food allergies, went through a period of time where he lost a lot of his body weight. Obviously not as bad as you guys saw me with the pictures of like yep. how bad it was for me, but yep. it, it was really bad. He couldn't figure out what he was allergic to. And when he tried to get medical help, they couldn't help him. They, they give him a bunch of tests and they said, oh, we don't know. And he, he kept trying and trying and trying and he would be laid up for weeks on end losing his body weight because he couldn't figure out what he was allergic to. So he, in his mind, he did not want to ever, ever end up in a situation where he's losing his body weight again. He had, he had worked his butt off to get back to being physically fit and healthy again. So, you know, he'd, he'd told me twice, three times maybe that I'm not going to lose my body weight. I got to do whatever it takes to stay on top of this. And I'm like, yeah, well, obviously our lifeline right now is our ability to get out of here. We got to be able to walk. You can't, you can't get comfortable in a position and then slowly lose your body weight and then not be able to escape. If you do that, you're screwed. There's no way around this, right? Yep. And every day it's the same monotony of cutting down firewood, gathering water. You know, most of the time at that point, I'm using snow as a liquid. So you need salt. You got to bring salt in with that or you're going to end up in trouble with your electrolyte balances. Um, but, you know, most for the most part, the cabin had that stuff, but it didn't have enough high calorie food for Ev. And Ev was burning through it fast, like so, so fast. He, he, had, he once told me that he had a philosophy that he didn't believe that you should ever just leave food lying around. He's like, if I, I always like to ration my things, I, I, yeah. go, I count the calories and I go, this is about what I need to stay alive over a certain period of time. Yeah. But he, his philosophy was if it's sitting in a bag, it's not in my body. It's not helping me right now. He's like, if I have to go do something, I need it in my body to stay alive. You guys also got to keep in mind that you're think of yourself as a furnace out there. If you're not putting anything in the fire, you're not staying warm. You're, mm -hmm. you cannot stay warm without, Eating. logs on the fire. You gotta eat. Yep. You gotta eat. So Evan's philosophy on calories in, calories out was pretty interesting. He always made sure that he ate everything that basically on his plate. If, if there was food available, he ate it. And in my mind, I, I always ration. I'm a firm believer that I'd rather live longer than live really well for three or four days. Right. If that makes sense. Right. I mean, don't get in me wrong. Like, in a survival situation. It's I a mean, philosophy, right? Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, performance is key out there. Sometimes the difference between life and death is whether you make it or not. Right. That, that is really important. So I got to, I want to say it was around January 7th. I was out of food. I had gone one day of no food and i was trying to ice fish basically you get up we were getting probably around i want to say six and a half to seven hours of light at the time not very much and i it was cold like we're talking pretty nasty minus 30 plus you know on an open lake like that of that size you're looking at probably 30 mile an hour winds blowing on you and it's always coming out of the north yeah, and okay. you wanting you're wanting to build a windbreak on the ice and try and break the wind because the wind is what gets you 
you can stand minus 30 in a static environment if you're just, you know, not being robbed of your heat. But you can't really do that if the wind's blowing up your butt. So I obviously was not having any luck. I haven't caught about seven little lake trout. They were, they were nothing to write home about. Like he, I remember the first one he dragged in, it was covered in snow and I had no idea what it was. I was like, did you get a, get a white fish? Like, what is that? And he goes, oh, it's a lake trout. And then that was that he never shared. And I never asked him to, you know, I knew that he had certain calorie restrictions and certain problems with his diet. And I was like, well, good for you. Great. You need that. I still have two and a half months worth of food. Like I'm going to be okay. I, well, probably, yeah. I would say it's probably closer to one and a half, almost two months worth of food. Okay. Like at that point. But, um, so I, I've gone a day without food and I need to go back now. I'm like, well, I want to come back to the cabin, but you know, I brought my 50 caliber up with me to go up there. Um, and I decided, well, I'm just going to leave it there because it's extra weight. I'm just going to be coming back anyway. There's pretty much no chance of ever seeing another human being out there ever. I didn't. So I'm like, well, Evan's not going to play with my gun. I'm going to leave my gun here. It should be safe. I'm going to go down. Obviously, this is the same philosophy as going down to the wall tent to get gear. I want to go out light, come back heavy, right? Because you you want to have space. Mm-hmm. So I left in the morning. And the first thing is it's unbelievably cold. One of the worst days I've ever had cold-wise. And I'm hiking into the wind, for starters. I'm headed north up the lake. And... It's like just brutal, brutal. I'm wearing my heavy parka. I've got, you know, everything's over my face. I've just got a tiny slit to look out of my eyes. And the wind's like eating my face, like burning, burning, eating my face. And I remember the pain of that. That was so unbearable, but I had no choice. I was like, if at any point I decide to turn around and go back, I'm adding another day of weakness to my body. Calories in versus performance out. If you don't eat the calories, you don't perform. You're not going to survive. That's all there is to this. You'll get weak. That's all there you, you, in the cold, you need the fire in your stomach. You got to keep going. So I started working my way up the, uh, up the lake and in the, in the winter time, I don't know how many people know this, but ice expands, obviously when it gets cold, yep. the water has to go somewhere. It comes up through the fissures, up through the cracks and out and around the outside of the lake. Yep. You're typically wanting to walk around the outside of the lake. If you can, if you can help it, if you're in the middle in a windstorm, you got no cover. It's really, really windy, right? Um, also keep in mind that there's no path for me anymore. I've, I haven't, all of the traffic that we've had up and down the lake is gone. It's been erased by the wind. So I'm always cutting a new trail. So just, just to rewind here, why were you out? Were you, you, you left your gun, you weren't hunting. You, you were... I needed to go back to my supply cache to get food. Gotcha. Okay. I have yeah, to get, yeah. I have to get fed. Sorry, I, I haven't eaten in a day. That the food was at the cabin. No, no, you, now you, you're hiking back to get food to bring back to bring to back the to the cabin. Bingo. Gotcha. Bingo. Okay. That's exactly it. And it's unbearably cold that day, but tough it out. You got to do it. Right. So as long as you're moving, I didn't know at the time how cold it was. And I'll, I'll tell you at the end, cause it was really shitty, but, um, I, you know, I, I made good time because I was in pain a lot. So I'm just like, go, 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 go. And you're like doing this with your, you're basically putting your hand in front of your face and looking away from the wind, trying to get any kind of like to spin around. If you like, and keep in mind, I'm on snowshoes the entire time. I, I could like pirouette and dance like a dancer on snowshoes because I've been on them for so long, right? Yeah. But y- you're basically just trying your best to make good time, stay on top. And then I start hitting areas where I'm hitting slush and, it, you know, not dangerous yet. Like I, I'm like, okay, well, there's a couple areas where you hit slush. It's cold enough that it instantly freezes to your boots. It instantly freezes to your bindings and your snowshoes. And it makes, I'm wearing like a heavy steel toed shank boot. 
They're minus 100 Arctic rated. They're really good boots. They're leather high tops. Yep. But they're not light by any stretch. I'm probably about two pounds each. Like they're heavy, heavy boots. Yep. They're good boots, but they're heavy. And I've got a snowshoe on top of that. And I've also got frozen water coming up through the lake and it's splashing onto this, right? So I get to the tail end of the lake where the outflow is. And the outflow is moving fast enough that it not, it never freezes there. You just have steam blowing up off of this and... All the it, it, it's really cool to see because all the trees are just crystallized and giant chunks of ice are hanging off of them and it's really neat. But you know, um, you can't walk there. You're gonna like you'll fall in. You'll be screwed. Yeah. So I got across to the tail end of the lake. My goal obviously is the mountain ends, and I'm able to go towards the east and skirt the outside of the mountain to come back around. I have to walk all the way up and then around the top of the mountain and then descend into the valley to get back to the river where I'm trying to get to, right? Where the food cache, where the food cache is, exactly. So I got to the tail end of the lake and I broke through into some water. I was about 50 feet from the shoreline and I broke through bad. It's up to my, like up past my shins, up to my knees in water. And it's super, super, super cold. So my reflex instantly is to start moving as fast as I can and get out of this water. Yeah. Like get out of that water now. Yeah. But every time I pick my feet up, I've got a candle effect happening from the ice. So I bring my feet up. I've got, you know, two pounds, four, four pounds, six pounds, eight pounds. It got so bad that I got about, I want to say 15 to 20 steps. And all of a sudden I went to move my left and my left just popped right out. My left hip just dislocated completely. And I just about fell down into the slushy water crap. And, you know, like it... It didn't feel right. So it, it came out. I didn't know. I can't pull my pants down and look and see. I, I can't put weight on it now. It's just hot shooting pain and I'm in like deep shit and I know it. There's no way around this. I'm like, okay, I, I'm fully expecting that I dislocated my hip. That in my mind, I'm like, I'm screwed. So I, I immediately, I'm like, got, I grab my leg and I'm just pulling as hard as I can to get to the shore. As soon as I got, and, and keep in mind in the wintertime there, your shoreline is a bank of snow. Right. It everywhere the lake is the wind blows all the snow and you get these giant freaking banks. So I had to scale up this bank with my hip being all mangled out. And I got up there. I, I, I kind of just I pull out my knife and I'm like trying to decide what I got to do here. My hips just killing me and I can't think of what I'm going to do. And I go over to the closest tree. I just I have my knife. I chip the bindings. I walk over to the closest tree and I just hip check the fucker as hard as I can. And it didn't. I felt something go back in and I didn't know whether I got it or not or whether I just shifted it in the socket or what happened, but I know I ripped the muscles bad. And when I pulled it out, like there was no way around that. And it was just pure fire, like pure, pure fire. And I couldn't put much pressure on it. And I'm now at a situation where I'm about halfway. I'm 50, 50. If I go back, I got no food. I have to go over the top of this mountain. I can't even take my gloves off because as soon as I take my gloves off, my hands start to freeze. If I take the mask that I'm wearing off my off of my face, uh, I guess I should probably say I was wearing a hood and I had a big mask on. Like it was like a, almost like a hard hat liner with a fancy mask on it and stuff. Like it, it was really nice and neat. Yep. Very good for the warm weather, but or for the cold weather. Sorry. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I, it wasn't good. It was really, 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 really bad. And I knew that I was in deep shit and probably not going to survive that. I'm like, well, I can barely walk. I got to climb a mountain now. I got to climb this mountain and the sun's going down. I'm like, well. So you made the conscious decision to go back to the cabin if you could. Over the mountain. 
to get out. You got no choice. Painkillers and food are over on the other side. My only option here is to go over this mountain. I'm dehydrated as all hell because I can't stop to melt water because it's so damn cold. Yeah. I didn't realize just how cold until I actually got to the camp. Um, At that point, I immediately found two dead sticks that were sticking up and I used them as poles. And I basically just started walking through. I never, I never use trekking poles. I don't really care for them. They're good for you if you're like long distance stuff, but I never really used them in the short term. Yeah. I needed them that day. Super, super bad. Um, I didn't make it very far before it was like to the point where I felt like I was going to start falling over. And I was immediately favoring my right hip so much that my right hip was starting to ache. And I'm like, Hey, this is bad. Like I have so much ice on my feet on top of everything else. Like I, my feet have got to be 10 pounds a pop, you know, and you're not going to make it very far on that. No. Right. You, you won't. So my K bar comes out and I'm just chop, chip, 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 chip. And I'm like, if I, I should have brought my snowshoes cause they're just pockmarked with all the crazy crap I did to them. And I'm, I'm starting to like go a little out of my head for sure. At that point. Um, the cold is like biting at me like bad, bad everywhere that I'm trying to, anything I'm doing is just, it feels like it's hopeless. Yeah. Right. So I immediately grab willow, sprig of willow, and I just chew it down. It don't swallow it, put it in your mouth. It's uh, I want to say ACA. It's, it's a derivative of aspirin original. So you, you basically, you chew on it. It goes into your bloodstream through your mouth and it kills the pain. It numbs the pain. It's an old native trick that they used to use and it works. It tastes like absolute hell and don't swallow it because it'll make you throw up, but it works. So I probably ate as much as a moose did that day. I just looked like, yeah, it was brutal. I was just like, pull my mask down and stuff crap in my mouth and chomp, 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 pull it out and then spit and then keep going. And then of course the spit freezes in your beard and my beard was just, I looked like Frosty the Snowman when I got back and didn't realize just how bad, but the beard actually really saved my face that day because it kept my balaclava away from my face. So that helped that, that gave me a little bit of insulation, right? Yeah. My, I f- horribly frostbit my face, but, um, I started to kind of lose it a little bit. Um, Evan and I, uh, and I personally, I think it, I think it had a lot to do with our conversation the night before. Cause we talked about how crazy it would be to just see another person out there. I was like, well, how cool would it be? Like it, it, and he goes, well, that'd be crazy. He said, I don't know what I'd say if we just saw another random person out here. Like we've seen no sign of people for two months at that point. Yeah. You know, like how freaking weird would that be? And, and I think that was in the back of my mind. Cause when I got down to the swamp, I thought I saw a person standing across the swamp and I'm like out of my freaking mind. And I, I told my mom, I guess when I was in the hospital, I was a little out of it. I was like, hey, you kind of look like that Elsa girl from frozen. <laughs> but what it was, was I had a blue, blue background on the, on the pond and a white birch tree that was behind it. And obviously, yeah, everybody gets those mirages where you've looked at something and you're not, you kind of lose it when you're out of it. And I just, at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm in deep shit. If I'm seeing things that aren't there, I got to move now. I need to get over this mountain. I'm in trouble, big trouble. So I had to climb up and over top of that sucker. And it was basically everything I could do because when, when you move that left hip, what wants to happen is it naturally, when you move it, it wants to pull itself out. So every time I take a step, it's moving in the socket and coming back and going back down and then putting weight on it and coming out, putting it back down. And it just, that killed that. That was unbearable that the pain was so fricking unbearable. And I, I was like, I'm not going to die here. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. I got to keep running. So I, I just kept pushing, kept pushing. I got about halfway up the mountain and time to start skirting around the outside of it. And, uh, 
the other sun's going down. So I'm now in the dark, right? And I'm walking through the forest and I'm just using my reference points of where I think things are to try and figure out where I'm going to have to go in the dark. I'm in the forest in the dark and it's, well, to tell you, it was minus 47 that night. So with a wind that was coming in so hard that it was just beating me down. Like I literally could just open. I remember spreading my arms wide open, leaning into the wind and being able to stand up. It was like nuts. Worst, worst pain ever, man. Like that was so bad. I kind of feel like a weenie saying that in front of Jeremy, but like, <laughs> <laughs> like it was so bad. Like my hip was so horribly swollen. Like it just, I couldn't even freaking bear it. And like every time I'm taking a step, it wants to pull it out and put it back in and pull it out and put it back in. And I'm trying to climb up this freaking mountain and it's dark and I'm kind of like not sure how the hell I'm going to do. I know I have to get across the river and I have to start a fire. Yep. I know that. I know that I'm not going to have this easy in the dark. I got a flashlight in my pocket. I pull it out. I click the button and you obviously you've experienced frozen batteries before you get a little tiny bit of light and then it disappears and you're like, cool. Oh, I guess I'm screwed now. Yeah. Where's the trail? There isn't one. I'm making my own, I guess. I have no idea where I'm going. I just have to make this happen. So I say, I have no idea where I'm going. You have some reference points, you know, the yep. river's your obvious choice. Yep. You're going to use the river as a way mark. You need to get around it. Like in my mind, I'm doing a hundred things a minute and I'm just like trying to black out the pain because it just sucked. It was so freaking brutal. And then I thought that going up was going to be hard, but going down was way worse because <laughs> when you like go down, that's not fun. You trip, you fall, you hurt yourself. You try and get up, you fall again. You're you're in snow that's over your head. Yeah. So I'm in the top of a mountain and that year was a fantastic year for snow. We had like six feet on the tops of these peaks. Hmm. So like the, one of the first things I got told in the hospital is like one of these guys comes up to me and he goes, how did you survive out there? He's like the freaking snow swamped all my, all my sleds. All my friends were out sledding. We couldn't even get going. It was so crazy. I'm like, well, it, you do it. You got to do it. You got no choice. But anyway, I, uh, I hiked and hiked and hiked and kept going. I walked through the forest. Um, obviously I, I don't know how much experience many people have on shoes, but when you're on shoes, any open area, doesn't have any compaction to the snow so when you step into it you're going to sink instantly okay and then your goal on shoes is to try and get back on top right yeah because you want to stay on top of the snow otherwise you're now you're taking your hip that's all janked out and you're slamming your knee into the snow to try and bring it back up right but you can't get on top anywhere where the snow has fallen off of a tree it creates a little bit of compaction and you have a higher statistic like you'll be statistically more likely to stay on top so you always want to stick in an area where you've seen the trees lose their snow, right? So walking in a forest is a good idea. It's a good spot. Being out in any open clearings and stuff like that is always a nightmare. So I'm just like basically cursing, swearing, and having words with everything and anything around me and not a very happy man trying to maneuver myself down this bank and which I fell down the bank and had more words and basically I was just covered in snow from head to toe. My coat actually broke. It froze solid and then the fabric just broke. It wasn't good. Um, I managed to get across and down, like over the mountain, down and then across the valley, across the river. And then at that point, I was lucky enough that the moon was out and I kind of could make a little bit out. In the forest, you can't see a freaking thing. But Mm -hmm. when you're in any clear area or, you know, on the river, you can at least see. When it's that cold, you know, the, the water's froze. Right. So you're, at least I was like, well, I can walk on the river. I'm not going to, like, 
it wouldn't have mattered because at that point I was in so much pain. I was like, I don't give a shit. I'm doing this. I don't care. I'm doing this. So, you know, I, I, I managed to find the trail, find a couple of landmarks that I knew were close to my supply cache, drag my ass up the bank, get a, like, get across the river, drag my ass up the bank. And then <laughs> I go, uh, I go in there. And the first thing I do, I take out my flashlight that's frozen solid. I hit the button and it just gives me that little beam of light for half a second on the thermometer. And I see that it's minus like 47 and I'm like, fuck. And I just start laughing. Right. <laughs> Cause it was comical. to me, it was like, well, <laughs> you made it. <laughs> you did it. Like, holy crap. You didn't give up. Yeah. Like you grit your teeth and you just keep going. But like, good God, like that sucked. And then, you know, I, I obviously it's not over. I've got to go get my ax and I've got to go get my bow saw. I've got to go cut down some wood and I need to drag that wood into the, where, my joke of a shelter is and create a fire in there. And then once I had a roaring fire in there that was hot enough that you could almost burn your face off, then it was almost tolerable to be two feet from it. And then you're like, okay, I'd take the coat off, realize I'd wreck my coat and more duct tape. (laughs) More duct tape. Oh, I had lots of coats, but nothing like that. That thing was downfill and it was really warm, really, really good. But, yeah, that, that sucked. I On that day, I was wearing three layers. I had an underlayer, which was um, just like your cotton, um, they call those stupid things, like your thermals, cotton thermals. Yep. And then over top of that, I'm wearing fleece. I usually wore a fleece, like a pajama pant, and then a fleece top. Okay. It could be, uh, you, I had like some fancy Columbia crap that I was wearing at the time. I always skip, skimp out on the bottoms, but never on the tops. No. <laughs> but uh, so... And then on my outer layer, I've got ski pants and I've got my, my parka. So I got three layers there and my outer layer was toast, like toast, toast, toast. I, I just hung it up and it was a block. It's like a pure block. Like you could smack a person and knock them out with my coat. It was so frozen. It was nuts. And I, I'm standing in there and I obviously like because of the pain in my hip and everything, like the first thing I did was I grabbed a handful of Advil and I popped them like Skittles. I'm just like, pop, 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 pop. Okay. I feel kind of better in like 20 minutes. I'm going to be able to go get more wood maybe yep didn't happen i was just absolutely freaking wiped like totally wiped i had no food in my system and i just did the dumbest thing by swallowing four advil which really kills your guts um but didn't have much of a choice there i laid down and i just took everything that i had all the blankets and everything and i just fucking i laid down and i just i zonked out next morning i got up and i couldn't get out of bed like it was bad, like really, really, really freaking bad. I, uh, I managed to get out of bed towards the end of the day and it had probably warmed up about 10 degrees at that point, but it was still like minus 37. So I didn't get a fire going. I just kind of said, screw it. You know, I'm by myself. Evan's still at the cabin. So I, I, I'm like, I, I gotta go lay back down. Like the only place you're going to get warm is with your body heat. I basically, I took, I think I had like a fish snack or something. I just ate some, whatever I had that I didn't have to cook yeah. and ate froze and just laid back down. And I got through that next night and it was hard, like really, really, really hard. Night number three, um, the swelling had kind of started to subside a little bit and I could, I was, I was laying there trying to figure out what my range of motion was now because I didn't know what I did. You know, I figured it was a basic dislocation, but I, I couldn't really be sure. Yeah. So, and obviously it's so darn cold out there that you go, go through the cabinet. <laughs> like yeah, that'll be good for both of us. 
just, but, um, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was nasty, nasty, nasty. I, uh, I had to get up on the third day and limp around. Luckily for me, I had enough tracks around. There'd only been about six inches of fresh powder on my old tracks. So I still had some compaction to some of the trails that I had already built around my camp. So I could just follow those around with no snowshoes on. My snowshoes were so like, just to have that extra weight on my left was too much. I couldn't even handle it. I sound like a freaking weenie, but. So was the goal at this point to be able to head back soon or was it just, you know what, kick back and relax and see I, what I, the hip does? I knew that I injured myself yeah. and I, I also knew that the golden rule is if you hurt yourself bad enough that you can't, you, lo- you lose your mobility, you're going to have to stay in one place and make an assessment. And I didn't know how bad Evan had medical training and I had like basic first aid. Right. So I I knew that I'd done some damage, but I couldn't really tell whether it was going to be like, okay, did I, is this something that I might need surgery for? Or is am I just being a weenie and it's going to be worn off in a couple of weeks or, you know, whatever. So I, I basically, I had the food there. I wasn't in any danger of starving anymore. You know, I'm basically the hardest part of that was getting firewood. Yeah, because it's still cold. I'm still having to move around every day. You, you, like I said at the beginning, you have to have this basic pyramid of needs. You have your water, your food, your shelter, your heat. You know, drying your clothes out every night. Really hard to dry your bedding out when you've got so much of it. You mm-hmm. know, and every night you, when you can't have that, um, like you, you can't breathe the cold air in the cabin or in the. Uh, I guess it wasn't really the cabin. It was a teepee, a wigwam, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, little tarp shelter. Um. You can't breathe that air. So you're obviously, you're going to wind up with your blankets just soaked. There's nothing around this, right? You're, you're using your sleeping bag as your main way to stay warm. And then everything else is just basically fluff. Yep. But um, there wasn't much else I could really do. Uh, day f- four, I basically just sat around. It wasn't until day seven that Evan showed up. And, uh, you know, so we're now... I guess, January 17th or 16th when Evan rolled in and, um, he rolls in and it, it got unbelievably warm. We had, when the weather came in from the South and everything melted, we, we hit like one degree above. We went from minus 47 to one degree above. When you get a temperature swing like that out there, the weather goes psycho. Like I saw trees snap and go flying. I saw wit, like the wind came by so freaking hard. It was just unreal. Right. Because you have such a differential and pressure change. Right. Yeah. So it, it just, it was like batting down the hatches and stay away from anything that's going to fall on your head. Um, I had a really bad close call when I was out with my banged up hip. Um, I took a risk on a tree. I ended up cutting one down and I knew the top was rotten and, uh, almost spiked me into the ground I actually caught the top of it with my right hand and I deflected it kind of like a karate block and it just like cut through the top of the coat that I was wearing and like it was bad though I had about a 20 foot section break off the top it just pencil vibed me well I freaking I it was so close it should have just went right through my shoulder I, I just managed to get it away like so you know I was doing absolutely everything I could to just try and mitigate the pain and then when Evan showed up on day seven you know, I told him what had happened and what it was. And he goes, well, it's, you're going to be about probably at least six weeks before this is going to be fully healed and you can walk again properly without pain. You know, it, it, it was his guess. I mean, he's not a doctor, but he, right. was, he was about right, actually, believe it or not. Um, so 
we, we at that point, you know, we had a, a big problem on our hands. I'm injured now. Yeah. And I can't hike. I, there's no way I can make it to the wall tent and trying to get back over that mountain to get to the cabin is going to be like a three or four day affair. Now it's not going to be an eight hour day. It's going to be a lot more. And I'm looking at my food supply and I'm going, well, I have six weeks of food. That's it. I might be able to get to a point where I can hike out of there, but what am I going to do? Right. And keep in mind when I say I have six weeks worth of food at that point, I've already eaten all the good shit. Everything's (laughs) (laughs) the Twinkies are gone. Well, like, but you know what? Like you, you crave those high calorie foods right off the hop. Yeah. You know, you crave the sugar. You want that sugar in your tea. You want, you know, like Swedish berries. Well, yeah. Swedish (laughs) berries. Like, oh man, like the turtles were gone. They were freaking gone. Mr. Biggs, those were gone. I managed to hide a Kit Kat bar for myself. I was like, I'm going to put this somewhere and forget about it. Yeah, that lasted until I like freaking came back. I was like, goodbye. Nope. Right down my gullet. No way around it. You could not. No, you, you you, think you can hide anything from yourself when you're in those situations? No, not a chance. But what do you do, right? Like at that point, you're. I, I really didn't know what, that that would have been the moment if I had a spot that I would have pushed the button. Yeah. Right off the bat. I would have been like, hey, this is it. This is where, and this is what I told the CO2. I said, this is the moment. When I knew I was no longer out here for fun. There's, this is an unsalvageable situation. I am now injured. There's nothing left for me to do. And you have six weeks of food at the shelter that you're at yeah. now. That's it. That's, that's all of the food left, except Evan figured that he had about a month's worth of food at the wall tent that he left behind. So th- this is where me and Evan get split up. You had brought all your food from the wall tent to this location. There was only probably about four days worth of food at the wall tent that I had stocked up there. I don't normally try and leave stuff like that behind because animals love that stuff. Yeah. You know, even dried foods, like I've had mice and stuff like that. We'll get into it. Yep. So I, uh, I had to make a decision at this point. I found out like Evan was running low and it was, I didn't realize it at that point, but then this is where I say that Evan ate the oats and he suffered for it because he was laid up for two days up that cabin by himself. And that was during those really cold days. Yep. He was, he ate the oats. It, it didn't agree with them. And, you know, he, uh, he paid the price for it. And we were both suffering pretty bad. He came down after the week and, you know, we made our discussions. And that was the last good time that I had with him. You know, like, it was really hard because, you know, I didn't know that that was going to be the last time I'd ever see him again. That was, that was it. Like, I, um... I, I, I can't even describe that because like the, I remember the last conversation we had too. like we spent a week together just drinking coffee and I, I shared all my supplies with them. And, you know, I, I went from having a month and a half, like six weeks worth of food or a month and a half down to like, I think I had a week. A so week why did and he half. come out? Why did he why come did, back? Like he wasn't he... catching anything anymore is what I think happened. He okay. had to move because he had ran out of food. Like he, the key he left the cabin because you were gone and he'd run out of food. Yeah. And so he came back. Gotcha. So, and obviously if there was anything to hunt, you know, we would have hunted it, but there wasn't anything to hunt either. We hadn't seen any game at that point in four weeks. So from end of November, that moose that it came through the camp, that was basically the last thing we saw. Okay. And that was a big deal because I didn't even see tracks. No sign of wolf, no sign of moose, no sign of anything. I figured they were up in the Alpine where there was more sun and they were probably snacking on the willow up high is what I figured they were doing. But I couldn't get up there to figure it out because I was too mangled. So I, uh, I wound up with Evan just 
you know, we basically just, you know, shoot the shit. We were trying to really get our minds off of what was going to happen here because it was pretty obvious that one of us wasn't, we, we were not going to get out of this. Like I, I told Ev, I said, well, you're the only able body guy left. Like you, you got to survive. You got to leave. I'm going to give you what I got. I gave him, I, we, we had a lot of lentils. Nobody likes lentils. <laughs> we had a lot of lentils, but they're high in calories. They're like 320 calories per like quarter cup. Okay. They're stupidly good for food wise. Yeah. A, a cup of lentil soup will keep you like full for a couple hours. Right. So I gave Evan basically all of the lentils, anything that he could eat of my supplies I shared and gave to him because he was just out and it, he didn't bother to tell me what was going on at that point up to this. Like we failed to communicate somehow. I don't know why he just waited until that moment. I, he, he was such a smart guy, but at sometimes I wonder what he was thinking, yep. you know, and that was a, just a fail on both of our parts. I should have been like, look, we got to consolidate, figure out what we're doing and get out of here. We had the chance to pull the pin a lot of times. We could have left as many times as we wanted, but up to that point. But once I was injured, it was like, hey, now we're in shit. So Evan's making the decision to go back to the wall tent is what he's decided he's going to do. I told him, I said, look, I can't afford to keep feeding you. I said, I am running out of food myself. Like, I love you like a brother, but I've got maybe two weeks worth of food for myself. I said, it's going to take you a full week to get down to the wall tent and come back. So you have to make a decision on what you're going to do. You have to... Like I wasn't trying to force him into a life or death situation and keep in mind, it's one degree outside. You know, I felt like a bunch of weenies talking about it, but we had to, he had to do something right. So Ev had said, well, I got a plan. I'm going to go down to the wall tent. I got a month worth of food there. And he said, I'll see you in a week. He didn't say anything above and beyond that. I didn't know what his plan was. He never said. So I just had to put trust in him. You know, he's never been somebody to stab you in the neck. Throughout the years, he's always been reliable. I always trusted him to have my back if I was hurt. He's yeah. literally saved my life like three or four times. Probably more than that and just didn't tell me. But uh, <laughs> yeah. so, yeah, it um, it was pretty hard. You know, the last thing we, we had a, a night where he talked about phantom hand syndrome for me because it was just really funny. It's a thing where your hand just does random shit and your mind has no control over it. <laughs> and we just laughed about that for like hours. We thought that was so funny. We were both way, way out of it. The next morning he got up and I, I lent him my backpack, my big backpack. And, uh, I gave him the last of my lentils and some rice and, you know, just basic stuff. I said, oh, we don't really have much left. Like, you know, we're, we're we got to get out of here. Right. But his plan was he wanted to go down to the, I know he was planning on bringing back fishing supplies. I think that was kind of the thing. Like, cause we had the fishing gear down at the wall tent. I think that was his, his plan was to bring back the fishing gear, but you know, like he, he just said, I had a plan. So that's all I can really infer from that. Um, but he said, I'll be back in seven days. So I said, all right, well, I've got, you know, about two weeks. If I ration, maybe I can get two and a half weeks left out of what I got left here. So I'm counting on you. Good luck. Go like, do what you got to do. Yeah. You know, he, I, I had no doubt that he was going to make it like none. If you would ask me at that point, if I thought he could make it, I would have been like 100%. I'm betting everything I got on this guy. Yeah. Cause he, he's very talented and good at long distance trekking. But, um, you know, day one, I'm just basically, you know, maintaining, just laying around, trying to keep the weight off my hip. I get firewood, lay around, just try to keep the weight off and don't think about what's going on. Cause shit's really fucked up. <laughs> And then uh, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, it's all the same stuff. 
day seven, we get a cold snap. Minus 40. It's bad. So Evan left with not enough clothing. When he left, he was dressed for my, like plus one. He wasn't wearing his parka. He wasn't like he, I knew he brought his parka, but he didn't have extra gear with him okay. to facilitate the weather. Um, and like that just, it's a testament to how fast things can change out there. Yeah. The conditions can be 20 above and beautiful in the next second. It can be snowing. You just, you can't, you don't know what's going to happen out there in the mountains. It happens fast and it changes fast, right? The higher yeah. up you go, the faster the weather changes. Yeah. So with Ev, you know, I, I got to day seven and I'm sweating a little bit now. I'm like, okay, well, I, I, I figured there was one of three things that happened. Uh, number one, Ev got to the wall tent, but he was injured and he had to stay there. And maybe he was going to be there for up to a month. That meant that he was going to overshadow me by two weeks of food supply. And I would have to go to the cabin and try and fend for myself up there. That was the only thing I could do. Or option two. He made it to the food supply, decided that he couldn't bring me with him to come back because I was too injured, yep. but he didn't have, you know, he, he didn't want to tell me that and get into the fight and have this big, yep. you know, tantrum about it. So he just figured that he was going to go, you know, for help or option three, he isn't alive anymore. Right. Th- those are the three things that really happened. But I, I really did bet on option two. I thought that he left me back that he, he had left and just saved himself to try and get help. Yeah. That's what I thought he was going to do. Yeah. I said, well, if it, if it was me, if roles were reversed, I don't know that I could tell my best friend, look, I got to leave you here and you don't have any food. And I, I, I don't have the ability to tell you that. Like, you know, that that's, that's a really, <laughs> that's hard to talk about, but um, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. He, uh, but I mean, in these situations, you don't have, there's no easy options. This and is life and death now. This is life and death, and you're focused on survival. And, I mean, you want – the goal is both of you survive, but if you've got an opportunity to do what you can to get out to get help back in. You have to. you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. And there's no shoulda, coulda, woulda. No way. This, this was the opportunity that presented itself. Well, when you're in that amount of pain, you'll do anything to make it stop. Yeah. Like, I, I hate to say it, but, you know, Ev made – like I said early on, he made a mistake with his boots – he was on duct tape boots like mid-December. You know, he bought a nice set of da- baffins, but they were like a rubber insulated boot. And yep. They're, they're, a typical winter boot, not a... They were not a... Extreme a yes. Well, survival like, boot. Like your red yeah. boot versus... Yeah. Well, mine, the, when, and the thing is like, I hate to say this, but if you pull up the tag in a boot that says made in Taiwan, made in Chile, made in China, you're not getting a piece of quality gear. Yeah. If you paid 50 bucks for your boots, you're going to pay for it. Again... Yeah. With yeah. your body. <laughs> so, like... What you saved in money, you're going to yeah. pay for in comfort. I had an old friend that once said, when the mind is weak, the body will suffer. And it was flat out true every time. Yeah. Without without a fail. And unfortunately, in this case, you know, Ev disappeared on me. And I figured, okay, well, I, I hope that he made it out. So maybe there's a chance a chance for me, too. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I have to hope it's that he did. He'll be coming back with help. Maybe, maybe. And that, that was what I hoped. And then of course I said, well, if the, it, if it's option one and he got stuck there for a month, he's got, he said he had a month worth of food. Yeah. I also knew he couldn't ration with the shit, but. Well, he, calorie wise, he had easily 30 days worth of food. I could have made it last 30 days. Yeah. He said he had 10 pounds or I guess 10 keys. So that'd be 20 pounds of lentils. That's not a good 
diet. But <laughs> food-wise, I'm not going to lie. If you have nothing left, if you only could pick a grain to survive on, it'd be lentils, man. They're really yep. nutritious. Obviously, there's like uh, somebody's going to come out and email me and be like, oh, that's wrong. But mm-hmm. you know what? I don't care. I did it. So <laughs> um, anyway, it, it became day eight, day nine, day 10. And on day 10, I'm like, hey, I am down to three days worth of food left. I have five pounds of potatoes that have been frozen and are not very good for anything. Yeah. I have, uh, what did I have? A sandwich bag worth of rice, which was not really worth anything. Um, I had lots of tea though. Tons of tea. Really good to drink uh, caffeine when you're in that situation because that just makes you hungry and keeps your heart rate up. Okay. Yeah, I'm kidding. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) But you want the tea. You want warm beverages because warm beverages, like you, you, this is where you'll, the benefits outweigh things, right? Like, yeah. And keep in mind your your spirit is important too. Oh, so, for sure. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. It's day 10 and I'm like, I, I, he he dragged out and he left out a pack of jigs, jig heads with the jig skirts on it. Yep. And there was three snap swivels and he left that on top of his gear. And I turned around and I looked at that. That was part of the reason why I thought, well, maybe Evan did leave me back behind and he just expects me to go back to the cabin because I got nothing else to do. I don't even know if I can make it. Yeah. I don't know if I'm, if I'm going to be able to drag my ass up that hill. Yeah. You know, so on day 11, I basically took a look at everything that I had and I had to make a decision on, okay, the, I don't know how long I'm going to be gone for. Obviously, now I know what I'd bring with me, but I didn't know then. Yeah. I brought with me 90 vitamins. I had multivitamins. I brought 90 of those with me. I brought um, a box of Redbird matches from Strike Anywheres. Yep. I brought with me, uh, I left my compass behind. I left my machete behind, but I brought a hatchet, uh, just a stainless steel hatchet. Um, obviously, my K-bar, my, I had a basic gun bag of tricks that I always carried around for this thing, just to make it run and clean it and take it apart and do all the fun stuff. Yep. Um, Obviously, Evan ran off with my big and decent backpack, so now I've got to carry a duffel bag, with which is not really all that much fun when you've got to go over a mountain because you're wearing a backpack and then you have a duffel bag that you have to strap over top of that oh, to try okay. and carry everything, right? Yep. Not fun. I had a dry sack with my two blankets that I was carrying and my sleeping bag, and I had that tiny little bit of food, so it ended up working out. To I, I stretched it to five days is what I wound up doing, but... It was all I could do. Oh, beans. I forgot about beans. Everyone loves beans. Right? White Navy beans. I had a half a bag of those left. Okay. So basically, it was a spit in the face for food. <laughs> I, had, I had nothing. I was like, well, I'm screwed. So I hauled ass to get back up that thing. And when I say hauled ass, I mean literally I had to grab my ass and pull it because it hurt and it was not fun. I had to go up the, uh, the side of this mountain and, you know, it's... <laughs> Like, as I remember this, I, I tried to make it fun because like, you're, you're really, your spirits are fucking crushed. Pardon my French, but that's, that's all this is. Like, I didn't know if I'd ever see my friend again. I, I'm alone now and I'm, there's no end in sight at all. There's no, nobody's coming for me. I'm yeah. probably not going to walk out of this. And as far as I know, there's no food left to that cabin. I'm walking up there with the hope that I can may, maybe catch a fish, but I'm going to lose all my body weight before I even have that as an option. Like I pretty much at that point, I could see the light at the end of the tunnel and I knew it wasn't going to be nice. It was going to be a train. Yeah. More than yeah. likely. So I crawled up the side of the mountain. Um, 
I decided that I wasn't going to go around the mountain this time, but rather I would go right over the straight, or straight up over the top. I was like, straightest point is like, if you're trying to go anywhere, the straightest point is a line, yeah. just one straight line. Don't make a bunch of zigzags. I, I, it's, I got to climb a mountain anyway. I might as well just go right over the freaking top. So that's what I did. I picked a straight line Southwest and I just walked right up and over the top of this thing. And a lot of this is like down near 80 degrees. Like I'm what, what you do on snowshoes is you zigzag and you start cutting and yeah. then you start cutting and yeah. you zigzag your way up to the top. And I did absolutely everything I could to just, you know, I'd get three steps, stop, have to take a breather, three steps, stop, have to take a breather. And it was just pain, more pain, more pain. And I'm, I'm eating adrenaline signals, man. And I didn't bring nearly enough of that, which was really dumb of my part. But, you know, I, I brought what I thought I could carry and I had basically a max load for my little stuff that I had. Yep. So I get to the top of the mountain and sun's going down. I need to cross, like, I, I kind of know which direction the lake's going to be. So <laughs> this is funny. Oh, I forgot to mention, I brought my uh, parachute hammock. I was like, you know what? I'm going to hammock this. This is going to be good. <laughs> well, I hate to say it, but like a parachute hammock's actually not bad for winter camping. You have a problem with the compression under your back. You're going to compress all of your insulation and obviously shopping bag full of feathers. Lots of fun when you compress your insulation. Yep. I think it was only minus 20, right? But um, I say that and most people are like, you're insane. <laughs> you're insane. But um, yeah, so I <laughs> set up the hammock. I take out my hatchet, chop down trees. My lazy ass doesn't want to dig out my pit. I'm in six feet of snow at the top of a mountain. I don't want to take my snowshoe off and dig a pit and then fall on the wrong leg while I'm standing on one snowshoe, right? I didn't bring a shovel. Yeah. And so I'm thinking to myself, oh, I'll just start this fire and I'll just have it melt the pit. Yeah. Well, it kind of worked, but it didn't really kind of work. So it put the fire out like more than anything. It smoked right. like a banshee. It didn't work with the crap and you're just never going to get any heat out of this thing. Your, your goal is to dry out and you're not doing it no. at all. And you're, you got nowhere to sit that's not in snow other than this hammock that I'm like, yeah, hammock. So set up my guy line for the top. I put out my, uh, my tarp to, you know, make a break so that I've got cover over the sides of my hammock. I lay in the hat, like <laughs> I, I like ease into the hammock. I'm like, oh yeah, this is great. And then I spin around and I go to plunk in the thing and I just go right through it and it grabs my leg and it just janks it up in the air. And I fall into this pit that I just burned a hole in. And I'm like, my leg is wrapped up in this hammock and it's freaking snowshoe. And I'm letting out every curse that I know pretty much to the world. And I'm like, not impressed with the fact that I just wrecked my hammock and I'm going to have to come up with a new way. Cause like, honestly, at that point I had been struggling to start a fire and struggling to get my camp set up. And I was like this close to being able to just lay down and get some freaking rest because I knew I was going to have a rough day the next day. Yep. I'm like, well, I got to get some rest. So <laughs> no, this is really good. So I grab my, <laughs> I pull the guy line down. I lower the guy line on the tree, same trees. So it's now I've got the, the, the tent kind of set up. It's not really a tent. It's more like a same, same idea that I was using before where you're just running. Basically it's an A-frame without the A, yep. um, a half A-frame if you will. And you know, I, I, I set it up all, everything's all good. I'm on the cusp of this giant burned out snow section, right? And I'm thinking, oh, this will be fine. You know, I, I'm kind of like the light from the fire is warm. Like I can see everything. I'm getting warm over here. We're going to be fine. I lay down in that thing. I roll up. I get all set up and I'm like, oh, this is good. I take out one big deep breath. The fucking snow gives out underneath me and I roll right into the fire. <laughs> and I'm like fucking run 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 i'm like sound like freaking daffy duck getting lit on fire and i'm pissed off as all hell 
So that was um, lots of fun. I uh, I fell in the fire after that. Then had to knock, take my snowshoe. Just basically, I just grabbed my tarp, rolled up in it, fucking flopped as far away from the giant pit that I made as I could. Burnt my socks. I just it was a rough, rough, rough night. And then of course my legs not working right a crap. So next day gets bad because I obviously I've aggravated the injury that I have, and now I have to hike again. And I have the hard part because I'm gonna have to go across the lake. And the lake is tedious. It's it's like the worst. Um, that day I <laughs> sorry. This is this is like really 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 brutal. So I, I spent about four hours in the bush, and when I finally got to the beginning of the lake, like I had had to cross a couple little ponds, and you know I, I'm basically taking three steps, take a break, taking three steps, take a break. And like, I'm just like trying not to make this any worse than I have to, because I don't want this injury to be even worse than it already is. Yep. You know, I'm not even worried about starving to death right now. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to walk. Right. Right. So I get, uh, I get like right to the, where basically where I had my hip get pulled out. Right. Except I skirt that section and I come in on a new spot and I got onto the ice and I didn't have any water and that was okay. Um, but <laughs> I have to go all the way up this lake now and it's dark again. Like the sun's gone down again and I'm now walking into the sunset and the moon's coming up and it's really beautiful. Like the, this was probably the most beautiful night I've ever seen in my whole life. Like it was so gorgeous. I kind of macabre that it was like so painful and so, <laughs> so beautiful. Yeah. So I could only like, I, I, I remember that I walked a hundred feet. And then I had to sit down and take a rest on my, on my bag. And like, I was just in so much pain. And obviously when you favor one side, the other side starts to ache too. Yeah. Right. So I'm, I'm just like done, 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 done. Like I, I'm so done and I'm not even three kilometers into this. Like I've got another fucking probably five to go. And I can see there's a, there's a big Island on this lake and I'm standing next to the Island, which means that I'm like basically a third of the way. And when you're walking towards something in the distance in the dark, it seems like it takes absolutely forever for you to reach it because you can't really gauge the distance anymore. Right. So, you know, I've got the moon coming in and it's like, I've got clouds coming over my head. The moon's poking through and it's lighting up the snow around me. And I'm just seeing like big, nice blue patches and shit dancing around. And I'm basically like, you just in screaming pain and agony. And I'm just walk, 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 stop, walk, 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 stop, you know, sit down on the bag. And, I, and the trick for me was count to 150, stop, count to 100, stop, count to 50, stop, take a break, count to 150, stop, count to 100, stop, you know, and try and get my mind off of that. As long as I was counting and I was trying to figure it out, it was okay. But like, if I just focused on, oh, wow, that really hurts. It it <laughs> it was kind of self-serving, if that makes any sense. Like it just, it's brutal, right? Like you, you're playing mental games and it's one of the freaking hardest things because you are your own damn worst enemy. And like you, you know, your mind knows what's right and what's wrong. And it tells you, and if you're just ignoring it because you have to, like at no point could I just be like, oh, I'm just going to camp here on the, on the side of the thing. Like there, there wasn't an option. Yeah. I got no way to cook and I didn't cook anything the night before. I just basically made a fire and went to bed. You know, I, I had a little bit of water, but I fell into the damn, my, I fell into my canteen cup in the fire, which was great. It was melting. So I got the water on me. I didn't get it in me, but I got it on me. <laughs> Opposite of what you want to do. <laughs> yeah. Well. You know, shit happens, but, um, so yeah, I, I basically wound up going down to the end of the lake and then I got, I want to say it was probably about a click and a half from the cabin and I started to see things that were on the other side of the lake. And I'm like, well, I know what those are. I'm fucked. Those are wolves. I'm like, great. What do you do? 
I don't have my gun. I got a K bar. Nobody like you don't you don't just be like yeah let's fight off a bunch of wolves with a K bar <laughs> like no. on, on a bum hip like let's not do that if we don't have to. Thankfully, they did not come right up to me and pursue me. I mean I've seen videos of guys like sitting in packs of wolves and sometimes they're just nice and I don't believe that shit personally. Like the timber wolves I saw were freaking huge, especially in the Yukon they're, like they're monster sized dogs. I've seen this movie and it was Liam Neeson in it. Yeah, we're not we're not <laughs> going there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh frick man that was yeah that was brutal so yeah it was a picture perfect moment for sure because like when i saw the wolves i i really like and granted i, I wasn't close enough to make a positive id and be like yes that is a timber wolf I, right. I just saw the the shapes and the shadows and how they were moving and i was like well that's a wolf and I, I don't i don't really doubt myself when it comes to stuff like that so it probably was and i know that there was a moose on the tail end of the lake so it would make sense right like it if all the signs add up that's probably what it is but um I managed to get to the cabin um, after some serious humming and hawing, and that was like the hardest day other than trying to make it back. So now I'm in at the cabin and I've decided like I've got a fish. I'm putting Evan out of my mind on the back burner. I'm trying my best not to think about what's going on with my buddy. And I'm like, it doesn't matter anymore. I'm going to die if I don't act. Yeah. Do something to save your own damn life or you're going to die. Like yep. you, you're a fool for being here in the first place. You should have walk, walked out of here when you had a chance. You stuck around. Now you're going to pay for it big time. And I knew that. Right. But I had to do something and I was like, well, it's going to be fishing. Now, I don't know about with Jeremy's experience in fishing, but I find that it's a lot easier to fish a lake when there's not giant sheets of ice on it. I get to pick where I want to go. I get to learn the lake's ecology and where things are going to be and structure and depth. When you just come to a lake that you've never been on before and you've got an ice auger in your hand that's a little bent and eccentric and doesn't drill a hole with the crap, and you're like, this is what I've got to drill the hole with, and it takes you half an hour. And <laughs> oh, I, I ended up giving up using my axe half the time. But um, yeah, it, I didn't know where the hell I was supposed to find the damn fish. Yeah, You know, Evan had managed to pull a couple up. I don't know what technique he was using, or I had the same damn things on my line. And I, you think I could catch anything? I had like two little nibbles. They grabbed the little tiny tail and I was like, fuck, grab it, grab it, grab it, grab it, you bastard. And I'm like cursing and swearing, you know, so day one, I dragged my butt out there. Luckily, there was tea and coffee in the cabin. Evan, being the bugger he was, he got into my stash of sugar that I hid and he got into a bunch of other stuff that I was like, I, I took the little tiny bags of stuff and I was like, well, he's going to eat it all if I if I walk away from it. He was just going to strip this cabin to nothing. Yeah. So I, I, I'm going to try and do that. And the bugger got into everything and ate everything sugar. And it was not polite of him because <laughs> like I needed that. I don't know about up in the Yukon, but around here, the good ice fishing is up until New Year's. After that, it just dies right out. Now, I'm not sure what your experiences are with ice fishing in all the places you've been or if you've been up in the Yukon. And I don't know if you've experienced the same thing. And I'm only speaking on lakes right around here, but... Um, so I don't know if timing has anything to do with it or the just in, you didn't know where the weed beds, you didn't know where the... The absolute insult of all this is I had the fishing rigs and when I looked it up, you know what that lake was classified as? It was classified as a special water body because the fishing's too good. Hmm. Yeah, that really slapped me right in the freaking face. I was yeah. like, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> the one fish I caught didn't fit through the eight inch ice hole. Damn it. So I, I had 10 pound test on, just 10 pound monofilament tray line, you know, simple yep. shit. Um... You know, my, my first big catch on that lake, well, only big catch on the lake, I should say, it ran till it like took it right out of line. Yeah. Right? It was about day six and I hadn't eaten. I, I hook onto something big, biggest fish I've ever caught. It took me a solid 20 minutes to land it. 
partially because I was scared shitless of losing the damn thing. And partially yeah. because it was like every time it runs, it digs in and it's gone. And I'm like, anytime you ice fish, you obviously know you're like putting a strain on your line and it's like having to jank around and you're, you don't, you don't want to screw this up any more than you have yeah, to on the edge of the ice when you're using a single hook, a single barbed hook, right? Yeah. Like, and I'm hooked onto something that's pro I, I guess it was probably around 30 pounds. It had to be because after I find like what my technique was, I took my, I had my glove and I just kept grabbing the baler yep. and, um, you know, I, I tried to slow down losing my, my line with the baler with my hand. Cause trying to grab the drag, it was just like too much, not enough, too much, not enough, too much, yeah. not enough. And as soon as it started to grab it, I was like, okay, hey, if I, if it snaps the line, I'm fucked. Like this could be three damn four days worth of food. I might, I might have like 25, 30 pounds of fish here. Yeah. You know, this could be a game changing thing and I can't afford to lose this. Yeah. But, um, I managed to land that fucker. I got him up and I got him up to the hole and I've never been scared in my life like that. I was less scared when a bear charged me. That scared the crap out of me. I'd never seen a fish like that before. That thing came up to the hole and its head didn't fit in the hole. I just saw two eyes the size of golf balls when I pulled it up. It was the biggest fish I've ever seen for sure. No questions. And I've caught some monster pike, like monster, monster pike. That I literally, I, I could have nightmares about that. That was scary shit. <laughs> It snapped the line when I got its jaw out of the water. That's how heavy this fish was. It broke the damn line. I didn't have time to get my hand into its mouth. I couldn't even get its head out of the water enough to catch it. And I watched that thing take my uh, my number, I guess that was number four snap swivel and just go bloop, bloop, bloop and disappear with the fucking jig head. I'm like, ah! And now, granted, I found 30 pound test in the cabin and I thought that was just some horse shit. Because <laughs> it's like, Overkill. I was like, you'll never need that. <laughs> right? Who needs that? You guess who went into the cabin and went and restrung his line like right after that? And I, I don't know. I think that probably had a lot to do with why I couldn't catch any fish either. Because like 30 pound line has a lot of memory. So yeah. it makes it an absolute nightmare to fish with, right? I never use heavy, heavy gauge line if I don't have to. Yeah. But holy crap, that was a fail. Big time. I was super excited because I was like, yeah, I caught this giant, 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 giant fish. And no one's ever going to see it or believe my giant fishing story. Everyone has to have a giant fishing story. Right. I didn't think I was going to live long enough to tell it to anybody, yeah. but holy crap, man, that was nuts. So yeah, that, uh, that was day six. And I mean, obviously so after timeline, where are we now? Uh, we're probably what? And Oh, February, actually we're coming into beginning of February. Okay. I've Evan's obviously been gone for since the beginning of January or sorry, middle of January, but he was missing for the weekend there. So if you add it all up, it ends up being that I was alone for six months. Yeah. I was out there for eight and a half yep. to 244 days. But, um, so th this is the, the really crappy part about this. So I've now basically like I've exhausted all the options in the cabin that I can think of. I've looked everywhere. There's no food in there whatsoever. And I've got nothing I can do. There's no game. I'm not seeing any sign of rabbit or I guess it'd be hair up there, but, um, not seeing any sign of grouse. There's no, like I saw a squirrel and I shot at him four times and that really made me feel like I couldn't shoot anything when I missed that many times. I was like, how does that happen? Because <laughs> later on I hit everything I aimed at, which was just bizarre. I think yeah. that thing was just blessed. But um, yeah, so we're talking probably, well, it was a half a moon. So I'm guessing it was probably around the 10th of February at that point would be my guess if I had to guess. Mm -hmm. Um I come up on day six and I mean, honestly, at this point, 
if you've never gone a week without food before, you, it's it's a grunt. It's a grunt. You, you're in some deep, 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 deep pain. Like you're that they, I read an old saying that said that you used to old timers used to say that the you could feel your stomach sitting on your spine when you're laying down, and that's actually freaking true, which sucks. Hmm. The, the hardest part about all of that is actually getting to sleep at night because when your guts are that empty, you're just. <laughs> yeah that that's and the desperation that you'll feel yeah of like you, you feel like a failure every every opportunity that you didn't capitalize on will be crossing your mind for the next little while because you screwed this up day six is getting bad day seven i'm like in deep deep crap day eight you know and, and the same routine i get up i make a fire i make some coffee or tea because i had that in the cabin and then I go out onto the ice and I do my best to try and stay out there as long as I can till I like I'm starting to get frostbite. And then I come back in, I have to stoke the fire again, warm up, go back out and till the light's gone. Yeah. Right. Or until I get so cold that I can't do it anymore. Right. Yeah. And that's all I've got for options at that point. And I'm thinking to myself, like I'm in deep shit and I need to cat like I need to figure out what's going on around. Maybe there's something I'm missing here. That's the other thing I'm thinking. Well, have I really looked everywhere? Is there anything I have overlooked that I might be able to utilize that I'm not utilizing? You know, so there was three cat, three uh, 55 gallon drums in the back of the cabin. One of them had an old rusted out pump in it. Um, it had, I want to say it was like a, a buoy for, for a dock. It, they, they used to fly in with planes to land on that thing. And I think oh, that's okay. what it was, was yeah. an old pump and an old dock. And, um, the second drum, the one in the middle, I didn't open up, but the one on the tail end was full of oats that had been so moldy and old that when I cracked the lid, I actually just well, gagged them through up because it was so, so rotten. <laughs> I was just like, wow. And, and, so, and we're not talking rolled oats for human consumption. This is horse tack. Horse, feed. horse tack. Yeah, absolutely horse tack. So we'll, this is going to be lovely because I'm going to talk all about this. You guys are going to love this. But um, so I didn't look in the middle, the middle drum. I assumed that it would be the same as the outer one. But when, what had happened is I finally broke it free of the ice on the ground. I went out there, I chiseled it up, broke it free. Um, I stood that sucker up. The other one, it took me and Evan and a pole with some leverage to actually stand it up because it was 500 pounds and it was really moldy. But this one, no water gotten in it. It was mold, like, obviously there's condensation and, you know, probably 15 years of mold <laughs> growing on these bags. But yeah. some of the oats that were sitting in the middle were not all that bad. And I was like, well what do I do? I have to eat this. Like I, I uh, granted this was day 10 and I'm like, I have to eat this crap. I, there's no other options here. I'm very dizzy. I'm starting to get to a point where I'm cold all the time because I haven't eaten anything in a long time. And, uh, I don't have any options left. I I've basically given up on fishing. What I ended up coming to the terms with was the fact that if you're not putting anything in your body, you can't be exerting yourself anymore. You don't have that luxury. You don't have the luxury of pretending that you're going to go hunting anymore. You're done. That's, that's over. That's a dream now. Yep. Unless an animal walks in front of the cabin, you're done. You're not going to shoot it. Right. Right. You're not going hiking for the day. And, and my hip is still freaking mangled, not healed. Yeah. So I, uh, day 10, I decide I'm going to roll this third drum, which is sitting in the middle of, uh, the back of the cabin here. I don't know if I really told you much about the cabin. The cabin's probably about 20 feet long by about 16 feet wide. Like it's a really big cabin. Enough that you could easily comfortably fit six guys in there for sure. Okay. Like it's a big place. There's a big table at it. You know, a nice bench. There's um, 
you know, cans of white gas in there, an old lantern, an old stove that didn't work with the crap. Evan made a firebomb and put it outside, which was really funny. Didn't burn the cabin down, though. Good boy. <laughs> Good boy. But, um, you know, we, uh, we didn't really have much in the way of options there. So I immediately thought that the middle horse tack was going to be garbage. And, you know, like that was the thing that I was overlooking. Um, then, of course, when I finally did try and consume it, I came to the realization that this stuff is hard as a freaking rock. Horse tack is just like brute. I don't know. Maybe it isn't. All, like I know I fed some to my pigs once in Alberta and it wasn't like that, but this stuff was gnarly. You can't um, digest the shells whatsoever. So they cut you up internally, like really, really badly, and you'll be bleeding internally. Um, ask me how I know that. <laughs> uh, ask me what... There will be signs. Yeah, there's this thing I affectionately love to call the porcupine shits. Yeah, not 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 so much fun. I've never like I literally no ki- no kidding. I bled internally for like damn near four months. Oh wow! It was it was bad. Really 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 bad. Every every two days like clockwork. I was like, and, and constipation like you wouldn't believe. I actually had to like grab it. Like it was so so horribly bad. It was pulling my intestines out kind of wow. bad. And Oof. I'm in like brutal 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 agony. And every time I want to sit down, I have no ass anymore because I've, I've lost it. There's no muscle. Left, no muscle mass. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll call it that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that, that's, that's the reality, right? So when it came time to eat the oats, I was actually pretty happy with anything. I got to say that I couldn't really come up with, like, I, I, it took me another four days to come up with the theory on how I was going to eat the oats. I boiled them. The shells are still there. They're still undigestible. And I've got a freaking mess in a pot. And it tastes like mold and it isn't, you can't, it's not palatable. There's nothing yeah. I can do with it. I can't filter it. I can't screen it. I can't press it. I can't roll it. I can't do anything with this. Yeah. So boiling's out. Then I'm like, well, what else can I do with this stuff? So I tried to pick it by hand. I was like, well, maybe I can pick this stuff by hand. And I, that didn't work with the crap either. And I'm like I'm trying everything I can. And no matter what I did, I could never actually get a, like a, an actual full meal out of it. Never. Never, ever, ever. It was always like the best way I looked at this was imagine eating spits to stay alive. Yep. That's what I did for six months. There was no choice. When they, when they got, I, I don't know if I showed you guys. You did show me. My fingers were, were born right to the bone on my thumb and my middle finger, like right to the mm-hmm. bone. They were gone. Um, what I ended up doing was on day 14, I came to the conclusion that if I take a baking pan, Put the oats in the baking pan, put that on the stove, bake the ever-living crap out of these things and just keep stirring them around until they're like super, super, almost on the verge of being black, but like really golden brown, like one of the stalks on the rifles there. You know? yeah. um, then the shells end up being kind of more brittle and I can work the oats free, no, right? Okay. And like once I can get the oats free, I can kind of eat them. I'm like, well, maybe this is something, maybe I'm onto something here. So what I ended up coming up with is I built, first I built a shaker. I crushed it with a pestle and mortar, built a shaker, and and like keep in mind when I say pestle and mortar, I found a metal cup and I freaking cut a giant willow stave that was about two inches. Yeah. And I was like crunch, 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 crunch for hours. We're talking like eight hours a day of me sitting there grinding this crap. And the idea was if I could break up the shells enough, I could sh- like sift them out with a bunch of mosquito screen that was kicking around. Then I would have something, right, half of something. And then yeah. I and then I had to pan it, like gold pan it. Yep. put this crap in there and blow on it and the husks would come off the top and you'd be left with just the oats in the bottom. Okay. 
that was that, but it took me four days to figure out how I was going to eat this crap because it just kept killing me internally every yeah. time I tried to eat them. Yeah. And when you're that hungry, you, your urge is to grab a handful of these things and shove them down your throat. And you have to resist that urge the entire time. You, no matter how hungry I got, if I did that, if I grabbed a handful and put them in my mouth, I was bleeding so badly the next day that it was like, put a piece of paper towel or something on your ass. Cause you're bleeding like bad. Yeah. It was not good. So Horrific. Yeah, good times. I'm sure your viewers yeah. will love that. <laughs> but that's that's part of what I had to do. Like that that and of course the other thing is you don't really know. Like I had three different kinds of mold growing on these oats. So I had to sterilize. So once I got them crushed up, screened out, husks blown out, then I boiled them in a pot till I had like a kind of a mush. Then I took that mush and I threw it in a cast iron pan with some oil and fried it until it was crispy. And then a little bit of seasoning salt and a little bit of chili powder because that was in the cabin. And yeah, that's that's March. Yum, yum. Well, that's not as bad. Oat cakes. <laughs> Oat cakes, buddy. Better than just gruel. Well, it was fucking horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you, you want those oatcakes. Yeah. <laughs> you want them. Yeah. And you needed to find a way to eat them. And it took me a long time to get there. But by that point, I had lost 14 days worth of food. So I'm on a backlog. Yeah. And there's absolutely no way I'm going to catch up. Yeah. Now, at that point, my mind is going, Mitch, you need to figure out a way to make like a hundred oat cakes, put them in a backpack and get the hell out of Dodge. That's what you need to do. No matter how hard I worked, no matter what I came up with, whether it was using an axe, using the ball that was in the cabin, trying to build like a fancy pestle and mortar machine, stomping on the things, nothing I could think of. I could, could I actually physically mechanically separate these oats from their shells with enough volume that I could get more than three Enough. oat cakes yeah. for myself in a day. And that was working eight hours solid. I'm talking like most of the time I'm burning the midnight oil. And I mean that quite literally with the, with the lantern yeah. and it's dark all the time. I'm just basically doing everything I can to digest these damn oats. Yeah. And I'm praying to the Lord, like, please don't let this shit kill me. Cause if it, if I can't digest this, I'm going to die. Yeah. There's nothing left. Yeah. You know, I want to go out and I want to fish. I want to eat a freaking lake trout like you wouldn't believe. I dreamt about liver like all damn day. <laughs> but <laughs> no, you ain't getting one. Too bad. So basically that was all of February and most of March. So, well, let's talk about some good things that were going on in the cabins. Because like, I don't want this to sound like it was just absolute epitome of my life and that I was wanting to shoot myself all the time. Even though there was definitely days where that gun was looking really nice. Because I tell you, when you're you're dying, like I'm, I'm not even shitting you. Like you, you get there. You'll get to that point where you've been alone for that long that you, you got nothing left to live for. Yeah. I don't have a family that you know. I don't have kids and a wife and stuff like that. So, it, it's hard for me to to find that inner strength that some people are like. Well, I, I did it for my kids. You know, some people are like, I did it for my wife. Or yeah. You know, I, I. You didn't have baby shark playing in the background. That's right. Fuck yeah, no. So you know my. <laughs> All the inspiration, baby shark. <laughs> my, my sister heard that and she goes, I think I would have shot myself. And that was my running joke too. As a father of two small children, it's the baby shark that would have pushed me over. Oh, I would have been like, no. Nope. <laughs> oh, fuck. I'd give like, you the desire to get out of any situation. I jokingly was like, grizzly bear, do, 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 do. Gets me bad, do, 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 do. Run real fast, do, 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 can't get away, do, do, do. do. And, and everyone was like, that's not funny. I was like, yeah, he's not going to find that funny when I do that. But I thought I'd bring that up. <laughs> no, like, I, I couldn't. Honestly, like, 
I, I'll try and bring up some of the nice things. So obviously it got to a point where I had kind of stabilized. I had figured out a routine that was enough to make me stay alive. Right. I, I was never satisfied with the food that I was getting. Yeah. Never, ever was I full. Yeah. I was always hungry. And there was nights of pure desperation where my body is telling me like warning signs, like I'll basically imagine your car is crashed and all the fucking lights on the dash are going off and you're just like, run, 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 get out of here. You wanted to get out of there so bad. Some nights you were so desperate that you just, you do anything, anything. Like I would have strangled an infant. I'm not even shitting you. It was so desperate. So, so desperate. And it, I don't think that I would ever wish that on anybody because that there, there's no words for how, horrible that was to like I, the one thing that I wanted more than anything was to see the spring again I was like I want to see spring again I want to get out of here and so I, I kept trying to stay positive like you're you're at that point I'm in a mental battle yeah the, the entire time I'm this is end of March we're coming so May I guess well no Mar March was brutal March was absolutely brutal somewhere in the middle of there I was like peeing blood and not doing very well and I was just, anytime I suffered from a low point in motivation, my body immediately started to suffer worse because I stopped doing the extras that were keeping me alive. The, to run that little pestle and mortar thing that I was doing, I had to work my hand like this and grind and constantly grind and grind and grind. But my arm was losing all, the, all of the muscle mass, right? Would you like something else to drink? Another coffee? Or a... Yeah. <laughs> How are you? Uh, yeah, please. That would be great. I'm talking about being hungry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I didn't. I didn't have that. So, I mean, a lot of the like the positives in this cabin. So this cabin was very, very, very well outfitted. Like we're talking the best out. Honestly, you could live that sucker, and it would have been fine if you just had food. Like everything was there. Yeah, all the cutlery. There was. If you wanted pasta, man, you had a colander and a freaking pasta fork. Like, it was great. They yeah. had everything that you could think of that a man could possibly really want other than maybe a hustler. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have one? Well, no, there wasn't. No, they didn't have nothing there, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, like, what, what do you do? So, and I'm trying to, like, stay positive in all this. You know, I, I every time I'd get low, like, I, I do a lot of music. I've been playing music for years and years. So, like, I'd sing or I, I fucking forgot my harmonica like a dipshit. So I would have been playing harmonica or finding some way to stay positive. Sometimes I just like make up a song on the spot and just start singing or, and of course you're doing monotony all the time, the same kind of work every yeah. day. You know, I, I go out with my ax, I chop down a tree, I drag that tree in every day. I have to go farther because I keep chopping down the ones that are close. Cause yeah. I'm a lazy mother. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, cause being lazy keeps you alive. So you got to choose. Burn it. Burn the extra energy to go get the wood. I mean, well, yeah, and then of course you've you've been casually ignoring the ones that are a little too big for you to handle. Yep. And then when you start to get really, really messed in the head, you're like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm doing this. And I take out that giant tree, and I'm like, wait a minute, that was a dumbass mistake. Now I'm carrying logs that are like this big. Yeah. Which yeah. there's two kinds of things. You get longer burn time off of a longer log, but you got to saw for ten minutes to get it to cut. So it's like, well, yeah. make your choice, right? Yep. Make your battles. Obviously, some days I did not do as good as others. And there was a lot of really, really, really cold days. Um, March was pretty brutal. I had set up myself a bed in there that was really nice. Um, first time I'd actually slept on a nice bed in like months. 
Uh, there was a, an old foamy that was sitting in there. Yeah. I had brought up my, um, I had a sleeping mat that I usually carried with me um, on like cases like that. So I ended up making like this really fluffy bed. And it was, you know, I had um, the, had the foamy all folded up and everything. And I had a pillow that out of a chunk of foamy. And, you know, I was laying in that thing and I was thinking to myself a lot like this is, this is really good. You know, I, I'm comfortable here. I've, I finally found a way to stop thinking about the bad all the time and to find a way to be comfortable being yeah. alone and being in the dark. And I got it. I got us. I, I can't say enough about how many times like it, it was just so horribly dark. I had a tree come down one time in a windstorm and hit the cabin so hard it shook it. it scared the crap right out of me. You know, I, um, I just, there were so many things out there. Like you never saw any animals, but you always heard birds. You always heard little things here and there. Like, and it was always the same too. Uh, I don't know if I told you guys about Freddy, the squirrel. Um, yeah. Freddy's a dick. I wanted to kill mm-hmm. him very badly. I came up with multiple methods in mean, horrible ways. I took an old fish net and uh, I made a one of those little like catch loops out of a snare wire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, he was hanging out behind at the back of the cabin and that little uh, snare wire come up and I just got it almost over his head and then the fricker moved. That was the closest I got to killing Freddy, and he uh, he didn't like that. Well, and Freddy was, because I don't think we discussed now, that was discussed over supper. Oh, yeah, I guess I should talk about Freddy. Freddy is uh, the squirrel that I actually made the stupid mistake of praying to the Lord to come and wake me up during the daytime, because I'm run down by the end of March. Like, we're talking, my body is bad. I'm seeing my hip bones. I'm seeing all of my ribs. My pelvis is horribly sunk in. My face is sunk in. I and I, I don't have a mirror that's really working all that well. The yep. police officer, when he found me, said, "Well, don't you know that the Disney princess has just stared in the water?" <laughs> I was like, "You freaking all right? Fine, didn't think of that." <laughs> but you know, like, I, I didn't. I, I just knew that from my point of view, how bad my body was getting. My yep. legs were like, and you felt it every time you swung an axe or picked up a chunk of wood or run your saw or have to walk and get water i really saw it in getting water because every time i had to get water i started out with snow and then when the lake started to open up i started carrying they had uh, one of those 20 liter cans and i used to fill the can up but i could never like when i started i could fill it up and then i started having to put 15 liters and then 10 liters and then like eight liters and then eventually it was just too much for me to pick it up anymore right that was when my heart was really starting to go I, I could probably talk about March all day. Oh, I, I guess I should bring up the books. So there was, um, there was some books in the cabin for me to read. Um, really, really awesome, actually. So the first one was, what was it called? Golden Spurs by Anne Corter. And I used that one for Firestarter because it was dog poop. <laughs> it was a love novel about Shanghai and my dog. And I was like, fuck you. This is Firestarting crap. <laughs> Second one was a Signet double novel. Um, that one was about Westerns. I read it and I was like, well, at least it's about Westerns. And then I didn't burn that one, but I didn't read it again. <laughs> it was Firestarter if you needed it. It was, it was backup. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, there was one book in the cabin. It was, uh, James A. Missioner, The Covenant. And that book was easily one of the best books I've ever read. And I, I've read thousands and thousands of novels over the years. I loved reading and, um, it was just amazing. <laughs> oddly enough it's about hunting with flintlocks in africa <laughs> and i was like oh i got one of those <laughs> it made me so horribly jealous when they're like and then the springbok and the all the different tribes of africa and the millions of different giselles and animals and i'm like screw you screw you flip the page <laughs> screw you mm-hmm. it's like i haven't seen nothing and they're like and i was a lot of the time at night i, I would make a prayer 
you know, cause I, I didn't really think I was going to survive. Like I, I got, I don't want to make this sound like I was like having a great time out there. Cause it really, I was going to die. Like we're, we're not, I'm not going to sugarcoat this at this point. I'm just in it to try and have a little bit of fun before the fucking lights go out. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to die. Like in your mind, the writing's on the wall. It's already on the wall. March. Yeah. I had decided that I was going to write a note. Um, I had a pen and there was some old lunch bags in there that they used. Um, so I, I took the brown paper bag out and I set it on the table and I sat down. My body was so horribly withered. I was like, I, I'm fucking, this is, I'm, it's the end. I'm going to die now. You know, I've, I've made it probably close to 120 days and it's time for me to, to start looking at what's going to happen here because mm-hmm. this, this is it. I figured that I was about probably another few days, maybe, maybe a couple of weeks until my body just wouldn't let me get up anymore. That's what I figured would happen. And then from there, I would just pass away. So I wanted the people who love me to have an opportunity to at least hear what my thoughts would be at the end. When you when you are dying like that, you have a lot of, um, like, I won't say you don't have regrets because I had a lot of regrets. I, I also have to mention that I, I thought Evan abandoned me for a long time and I was really, really angry mm-hmm. with him. And I, I prayed a lot to try and get over the anger because I was, I was like, if I see him, I'm going to kill him. Like I, I, he, he left me for dead. He, he left me out here and I'm going to die because this is what happened. I trusted him and I put my faith in him and that's what's going to happen. You know? And, um, I, I really had to, to try and sum up what had happened because I also knew that there was a possibility that Evan didn't make it. Yeah. And I mean, that's. I didn't believe that, but I, I thought, well, maybe he didn't make it and it's time for me to put this, put my thoughts down before something happens. You don't know when you're alone for that long if your mind's going to break. Yeah. You don't know. Like, I, I I can't begin to describe to you. Like, if shit started talking to me, I probably would have been worried. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's funny to laugh about this, but this, this was not laughable. Like, I was in so much pain all the time and it was just such an agony and a drag especially March and you know like I I just remember April being really hard too like March April May was a good month we're gonna get on to that but we're not quite done talking about the woe is me shit because that was a long time like a really long time that's imagine about 50 days of dying the worst way you can mm-hmm. starvation is a joke like if you if you got a I didn't understand starvation and then when I live through it, I now see what people in third world countries go through. Yeah. I cannot go to a third world country. I know what those people are looking at me like. I, I get that now. Yeah. You know, like how to have your, your bones stick out like that. So anyway, I, I came up with a list of what I thought my regrets were going to be. Yeah, I, I took my note. I started a fire with it. That was that was kind of a symbolic move for me to be like, I'm not going to die here. Right. I uh, I wound up with some pretty crazy dreams in April. Um I was like, it, it was bad, like really, really bad. And um, I wound up dreaming about my cousin who had passed away from heart failure and he wouldn't speak to me um, in the dream. It was super realistic. I, I was having some really realistic and vivid dreams out there. And he was in the front of my grandmother's old house and my whole family was in the backyard and um, he, he was sitting by a fire by himself. And I walked up to him and I, he wouldn't talk to me. I just looked at him and he just had a look on his face. And then I went and I looked, I ended up walking away from him into the backyard. And then I woke up with like to, to my family. And I think a lot of that is like symbolic maybe 
maybe my mind was telling me that, um, you know, it's, you're, you're, you need to choose to live, right? Like a, a lot of that is choosing to live. Like it, when you're out there in that situation that I was in, you're, you're defeated mentally and then you're dead. That's how it goes. If you, if you defeat yourself mentally, if you do not stay strong in your mind, you will lose, you will give up, you will die. Every single day was a battle no matter what. So mm-hmm. you have to stay alive long enough to see spring. That was my goal. I, I, I mean, I get really emotional and I tear up all the time when I think about my, how badly I wanted spring. Spring was like, <laughs> there's not no, no emotion like that strong, how badly I wanted to see the birds come back and the plants pop up and the lake thaw out. And when the symbolism is uncanny when we talk about that because spring brings life. Yeah. Right? Across the board, spring brings life. Yeah. Well, and it, after facing that much pain all, all winter and being cold all the time and, you know, like I was all the time I was cold. I'd lost all my body weight. I couldn't regulate my body temperature with the shit anymore. I basically, the only time I was ever warm was when I had a fire going. Yeah. The rest of the time I was bitterly cold. I was, anytime it was really cold at night, I wound up finding myself sleeping during the daytime when it was warmer. So I I would be awake all night and a trick that I was using for um, staying out of my own head was to just, I was like, I'm going to write a novel in my mind. I'm just going to tell myself a fricking story. So I I came up with some Kung Fu bullshit story about whatever. And it's just on and on and on for like 10 days straight. I told myself a story and that was how I kept myself away from the negativity that was chewing me alive because it was eating me alive. Like I, I, I didn't want to die and I, I have a rifle. Obviously I can shoot myself. Like if I really want out, I can get out. But yeah. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, I, I, I can't pause. I could never face my family if I had done that. And I know obviously you're dead, but right. you know, like I could never have faced them knowing that. So I managed to get through that portion of it. Um, I did a lot of praying, a lot of talking with the Lord, a lot of, like I, I did, I never begged him and that's the really messed up thing. I just thanked him every night for giving me the strength to get up in the morning, to get up, do my thing, stay alive another day. Thank you for letting my body handle the oats again. I'm basically pooping out blood every day. Like my stool is just black from blood, right? Yep. Like, and it's bad. But did, um, did you go into the bush a religious man? No, I, I went to I went to Catholic school when I was a kid, and I, I've read about five different Bibles. Yeah. I do believe in a higher power, but I never found. Which one? I can't. I can't be like I'm a Catholic or a Christian. Or this right. or that. I probably would say Christian, but the point in this is that I came to terms with the fact that I was going to die. So <laughs> April was basically like another chapter of just desperation and begging for my life to continue. And um, every day you're losing like you know quarter pound, quarter pound, quarter pound. I'm eating multivitamins. And by the end of coming into May, I'm out of multivitamins. Like I'm done. I, I'm drinking spruce needle tea with Labrador if I can, uh, uh, Labrador tea if I can find it, you know. And um, I'm just eating oats. At that point, I have given up on making oat cake anymore. I'm out of oil. I'm out of any spices other than um, what was the last one I had? Lemon pepper and I had salt, and that was it. So May comes around. And we're mid-May. I've spent like weeks basically just going from outside, start a fire, get some water, melted, and then go back to bed after I've drank and just 
passing my time in bed because I'm like, I, I'm getting to the end here and I'm too weak to even walk around. Anymore. No energy to, I don't have the energy. And this is like day in, day out. Every day I wake up, the sun touches the same spot on the wall. I feel like I'm in prison. Yeah. I really do feel like I'm locked in hell and I can't get out and there's no one to talk to and there's nobody to listen and I want to quit, but I can't. So, <laughs> you know, but I, every day I'm just humbled to be there because I'm in the most beautiful place I've ever seen in my whole life. And if I had food and my body was in a good condition, that's where I'd want to be. Yeah. That's the crazy thing. Like yeah. I, I'm like, that's where I want to be. I, I keep telling my dad, I want to go back there. And he's like, you're out of your mind. <laughs> like you suffered for how long there and you want to go back? It's like, yeah, that was the place, man. Like, that was where your heart was. And I felt like I left that behind when I had to leave. Yeah. And I wasn't ready to leave yet, but I had to. So. And Jeremy, I'd say you kind of had similar connections to to the area yeah. yeah wanting to go back and wanting to conquer that again and just getting that relief that i can do it yeah. you know it's like a it's like a medley when running a race or something for me it was i survived that and i want to go back and you know that's a token or a trophy on my wall now and, yeah. and do you still go back in there as well i do you yeah. still hunt and fish and get out back there yeah i've been back uh to the actual scene uh three times uh on the first year first year third and the fifth year reunion right back to the scene okay oh wow yeah 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 and the plan is to go back there correct so yeah um evan's family wants to go back and they're planning on putting a plaque at the cabin for his commemoration obviously that's not where he passed away i know where he passed away but that for them that's important i mean Obviously, when you lose a son, um, I like I can't, I can't. My heart goes out to them. I can't even imagine what it must have felt like to to get that news because you don't get a, you're not getting a body. You didn't get an opportunity to say goodbye. Yeah. Like they, I had to go and talk with the family and be like, look, I I, I want to answer you guys' questions. Evan was my best friend for 14 years, so I want to answer your questions. And you know, like a lot of I, without getting too much into that side of things. Um, I just wanted them to know that he didn't, I don't believe he suffered. I think he passed away in his sleep. I think he exposure, exposure. got him and yeah. he passed away in his sleep. I think it would have been peaceful. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't believe that he suffered, you know, so I, I want that to be a thing that people can at least take solace in that. Because when you hear what I'm talking about right now, that is torture. Yeah. If you want to read about torture, I... <laughs> I'll, I'll probably go to Afghanistan and do waterboarding over what I went through. Like it was that intense. It was that horrible suffering that long. Like, but any, anyway, frick it. We're going, we're going. So May, May is a good month for Mitch. <laughs> Mitch has a good month in May. The old gun. That was a good time. So, uh, I ended up, what did I do in May? I flipped over the boat that was sitting out front. There was a 14 foot Tim boat sitting out front of this thing. And my body's like wrecked. I can't even flip this thing, but leverage is your buddy. So. You go get yourself a 20-foot pole, you get one of those barrels and roll it out of the cabin, wedge it into the snow, break everything free, shovel everything off, manage to flip the boat over. I've got a section of water that's flowing in front of the cabin now in May. I'm like, cool, there's open water here. And I started hearing cranes. The the uh, The sheep and crane thing comes through Pharaoh every year. They have a big festival. You have the migration of sandhill cranes every year, yep. right? That's a big sign of life. Things are coming back. Yeah. You know, that that is a huge boost to my spirits. I'm like, sweet, this is what I needed. You know, this is going to be big for me. Um, it was probably, 
I would hazard after mid month of May, I had a black bear come to the front door, right to the front door. <laughs> and I had no freaking idea what was going on. I just heard crunch, 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 crunch. Evan had left a bunch of fish bones in a bowl in the snow out front of the cabin. I had no fucking idea. No idea. I hear crunch, 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 crunch. And like, obviously bears don't make a lot of noise when they move. They don't, they're really quiet, but in the snow, they kind of, you know, you hear the pods, the padding sound. And I couldn't identify it because it was the first sound I'd heard of an animal in three months, three and a half months. So I kind of walked up, but I didn't have my rifle. I just got out of bed, casually kind of just crept up to the front. There's a big plexiglass window and I meet you away from a black bear. And he looks up at me and I look at him and then he goes back to eating the fish bones. I'm like, it took a, a solid two seconds for it to register. I'm like, that's a fucking black bear. Yum, yum. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. You you want to see a speed loading? I loaded that gun so freaking fast. But I made a horrible mistake. So I opened the door. Should have shot through the plexi window. Yeah. Definitely should have shot through the window. But I was so out of it. I begun that thing honestly felt like it weighed 50 freaking pounds. I mean, I think that gun might weigh in at like eight and a half or nine pounds. Yeah. But it's not really 50 pounds, but it felt like it. Um, so I get the gun loaded up. I open the door up. The black bear lifts his head up, looks at me. I try and ra- I, I immediately try to stabilize cause I, I don't have the muscle mass anymore. So I grab the frame of the door and I put the, the rifle over the top of the crook. You know, I line up, I've got everything all primed up and he just immediately takes off and I'm like, fuck. So I open the door up and I'm like stumbling at this point. Like I I'm in no shape to be trying to perform combat against a bear with a flintlock. Yeah. But you do what you got to do. So he runs, he's 50 yards, he's the deacon between trees, he stops, he turns, he gets broadside to me, but the sucker's standing between two trees. So I got no shot. I'm like, I can shoot him right in the ass or in the top of the noodle. I'm like, and if, it, it, I can't track him. Right. There is no option to track him. A 50 yard shot with that gun's a piece of piss, but I cannot waste my only shot. Yeah. I'm only going to get one with this thing. Yeah. So I, uh, I basically just kneeled down got into you know a shooting position off of my left knee and i tried my best to like my hip had been a little bit better at that point so i was able to like squat down i wasn't really thinking much of it either and i just sighted up and he took off i didn't even get a shot off on him and that was it that was the absolutely most devastating thing i've ever had in my whole life i watched that bear freaking disappear and i had prayed for months for anything anything I would have went after a Wolverine if that sucker had tried to go out the front door. I didn't give a shit. I was going after it. I needed to eat. I was thinking about liver day in and day out. I was yeah. like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to eat your liver. And I need you. Please. So when the black bear takes off, you're like, well, I'm fucked now. What did I, what have I done? You know, and it dawned on me within seconds after I scared him off that I'm like, all I had to do was shoot through the plexi. Yeah. All I had to do. He didn't see me inside the building. I could have shot through the window. I would have had him. There's no way the bullet would have ricocheted or deflected at that range. It would have hit him regardless because he's a target bigger than that sign. Yeah. yeah. So those moments sucked. Like I had one at the very end of my my experience where basically I had the gate. You know, I could walk around the gate on either side or crawl underneath. And I did the dumb thing, you know, like, yeah. I guess I wouldn't call your idea dumb about not shooting through the window. But, you know, I decided, well, I'm going to take the easy way out and crawl underneath. And yeah. it's one of those things you just... Oh, just, it just about didn't make it out because just, of that. Decision. Just because of that, well, right? Absolutely. And the dread that you feel after what you've done. And you feel like an idiot because yeah. you're like, I just yep. <laughs> I just passed up the biggest shot at meat. Yeah. That is 200 pounds of meat. I'm going to eat every freaking bit of that animal and I'm it, it's over. Yeah. You know, like that, that was freedom 
and it's gone. So I go back to the cabin and I'm just devastated. I'm like, part of me is like, oh, well, maybe he'll circle around and catch the wind. Maybe he'll do this. Maybe he'll do that. And in back of my mind, I'm like, no, he's, he's fucking gone. You yeah. scared the shit out of him. He's yeah, gone. He's, he's not coming back. Like you, you put the run on him. There was only fish bones there. He probably ate them already. They're gone. So I had midday. <laughs> I get up again. I'm like, okay, fuck it. I didn't even grab the gun and go out the door. Like I, I just walk out the door. I go get a couple of sticks, get everything going. And I come back and um, there's a chicken standing like at spruce grouse standing like probably about five yards from the cabin door like to the to the left side of the cabin door and i'm the fucker i'm watching him and i'm like you retard you're dead you're dead i'm eating you and i'm super excited <laughs> i'm like yes 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 guns already loaded and primed I'm like don't even have to think click bang i fucking hammered him i hit a rear right side of his leg took his leg clean off and it i thought i shot low i didn't realize it took his whole leg off right so i'm like oh shit i missed right Loaded up again, shot him, and I took, like, his whole ass off. And, and of course, these are 45s out of a 50 caliber. So, like, I'm shooting <laughs> a chicken with a big big thing, yeah, right? Not much left. Of <laughs> well, actually, I, like, I did really good. Why not? the breast? Uh, I didn't even wreck the breast. So, it was good. I, uh, the first one, I actually had to, like, chase him out because I was like, okay, hey, he, he's sitting there flopping, and I'm like, uh, I'm just grabbing and pull his head right off, yeah. right? Like, it's super, super fast. And then, you know, your heart and liver and you're like super excited. And I had a, the first meat, it was the first meat I'd eaten in, oh geez, it had to be three months. The taste of meat again, like to have that flavor hit your face. You wouldn't waste an ounce of it. I'd eat the feathers at that point. (laughs) No, I, 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 you know, I didn't eat the head. Weirdly enough, not on the chickens. I didn't eat the head. I ate the duck head for some fucking reason. That was stupid because I saw some shit crawl out of his nostril that would make him most men be like, I don't know, but I ate him anyway. Um, so day one, I got a spruce gross. I'm stoked. Obviously, there's a little thing that I don't know. Many people probably don't realize this, but when you get the first meat and you're that fucking run down, the only thing you can think of after that is you want more. Yeah. And that that unbelievable feeling of being like, I freaking need more now. I need more. I'm like, I would have done anything for another grouse. And lo and behold, the next day when I got up out of bed in the same spot where I freaking hammered the first one, there was a second one standing there. So I got a Tom the next day and he's all plumed out. And I'm like, like, to me, it's like, what the hell's going on here? Right? Like I lost a bear, but then in the same day I saw a grouse and I just went three months without seeing anything at all. So like something's up. I don't know what's going on. Luck is changing. Yeah. Greg figured that it was like a mating display when I talked to him about it. He's like, they're probably mating in that particular one spot in the area. I'm like, I, uh, maybe. Either way, I'm glad they did. <laughs> I've, I've got spots where every spring you'll get the grouse beating their chest in the exact same spot. That they weren't may drumming. may not be the same grouse, but they, they kind of find their little amphitheater to sit yeah. and beat their chest on to bring in the ladies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well. I brought in the pert instead, and I freaking cut that sucker down. <laughs> Bad. He was not flying away when I hit him. I, I have to say, the one thing I can say about this gun is when you shoot something with it, it fucking knows it. Yeah. There's no question about it. It's yeah. a very effective weapon for what it does. But um, second one, I dropped him right across the front of his breast. He uh, he didn't flap much. I walked up to him, ripped his head off, and I had legs that day too, and I was pretty stoked because I didn't cut him in half. Um, and I'm like, okay, cool. Day two, I've got a second chicken. I'm like, this is this is it, man. I'm like that. Obviously I'm thinking to myself, like, there's no freaking way I'm going to get a third one. Right. Like that's not possible. But the next day I saw a third chicken in the same spot. And I'm like, this is fucking insane and impossible. I'm like, I, I must be out of my mind. 
I'm like, I'm dead. There's no way this is happening. Like, how the hell? Right? Same spot. But this time the little bastard took off. And I'm like, no, none of that. You're dying. So I walked out and I chased after him. And I got, again, keep in mind, when I say chased after him, I mean stumbled like a weird drunk person that looks like a skeleton wandering yeah. out in the bush with a weird gun. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I went after him and <laughs> he flies off. And I'm like, oh, for fuck's sakes, I'm done. Like, that that sucks. That sucks so bad. And then he fucking spins around in the air and he lands right in front of me. And I'm like, what? Are you <laughs> stupid? It's raining, too. Like, I forgot to mention it's raining. So black powder in the rain is not exactly a simple mechanical operation right. with a flintlock right yeah. but uh first spark didn't hit hard enough to do anything and i just reset it and it went off i hammered him and killed and ate him so i had i had three chickens and uh that that was oh man i cut That's that feast I, I cut that fucker in half that was so great i was like yes i'm not an idiot i can still shoot <laughs> Woo! oh i was so excited i was like yes fuck you freddy <laughs> <laughs> and and he was there he watched he watched and uh, he, he hung out with me and it was pretty cool. Um, then I came up with a way of getting a duck after that. I was like, well, now I've got ducks in the water. I'm thinking fishing now too. So I'm trying fishing too. And thankfully there was no bugs yet because that sucks. That We'll get to that in a, <laughs> a minute or two here. But yeah, I, uh, I took the boat out. I grabbed a paddle and I started chopping the ice because yep. I had, there's a little land bridge. I'm basically like... The cabin is here, the, the freaking, it makes a big circle and I'm on like at the shortest point between two points. Yep. And what I'm trying to do there is I'm trying to create a back eddy that's going to burn that ice up and give me a nice wide area so I can try fishing in open water there, yep. right? Because I've got Len Thompson spoons on me and those don't work for ice fishing with a shit, but, nope. but you can probably use those for lake trout. I've had really good luck on the red and uh, white ones. So I was like, well, I fucking got to do something. You know, and at this point, I've had three birds in me. I'm like, this, like, things are looking up. Spring's, spring's sprung, you know. Um, I had the duck, the day of the duck. So <laughs> they they figured out that I cut this channel out, and they start, you know, they come down and out to where my little beach is, and then they come back out and right in front of the cabin. And I'm, like, trying to theorize how I'm going to ambush these little bastards and get a good clean shot on one. Yep. And I'm like, I got to get I got to get a duck. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, like, this is going to be good. I got to get a duck. God, I got to, got to. So... Yeah. Oh, it was freaking awesome. I, I, I plugged a mallard. <laughs> I, got, I, I snuck up on them. They're like, they're wily little bastards oh, too. Yeah. They're very fucking yeah. intelligent birds. <laughs> not easy to hunt, to sneak up on and hunt, especially not when you're not supposed to hunt them like that, but fuck it. You do what you gotta do. So. At that point, it doesn't matter. I didn't care. But uh, it, like part of me wanted to get a twofer because they kept like, lining up and I was like, I think I could get two in one shot and that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> so yeah, I actually had that line up, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, I killed the mallard. Um, I ate everything but the feet because they were weird. But yeah, you know, I probably could have ate the feet, honestly. Probably could have. Uh, oh, and I, I didn't eat the duck guts. Uh, and the duck guts were like probably the reason I just about died from bears. Uh, duck guts really fucking stink. Yep. Yeah. Those are some horribly, horribly stinky shit. Yep. Um, and I thought I'd used a fishing bait. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would work. I mean, honestly, I was like, what do I have to lose? Yeah. What do I have to lose, right? So I had pulled the intestines out, put them in a sandwich bag, and let them kind of ferment a little bit. And uh, I tried not to let that be anywhere near the cabin because I was like, there's probably going to... I saw one bear. There's a good chance I'm going to see another one. I'm not yep. trying to bait them in, but whatever happens happens yeah. at this point i need the bait so i um <laughs> i i got what did i shoot at next i ambushed a beaver 
And I have no idea. Those things must be bulletproof because I swear I cranked him right in the freaking head and he just went under the water and like was not impressed with me. Hmm. I I could have swore I shot it in an otter because um, yeah. he popped out of the ice randomly when I was in the boat trying to fish. Like I always just took the gun with me every time I went anywhere out there because it was getting to a point where I was always seeing an animal to shoot at. And I immediately realized that I was like, I don't have enough gunpowder. Like I fucked up big time. I have 30, 45 caliber sabots. But I do not have enough powder to shoot 30, 45 caliber sabots. I have enough to shoot probably close to 15. Oh, okay. So at that point, I'm like, well, one squeeze of that trigger will kill pretty much every animal that walks in the bush. Why am I shooting birds? Yep. I have to shoot something bigger. Yeah. I have to kill something that's going to feed me for a day. Yep. Not, ju- not just one little bit, but more. So, you know, I... Um, I, I tried to hunt the beavers and I knew where they were hiding and I kept trying to ambush them with the boat and it was getting to be uh, really challenging <laughs> paddling around um, in this current because I like it's high water. We had forest fires that year and the snow melt happened super, super fast and I'm in the inflow to the lake. So I'm constantly battling a current and the wind's always coming in. I actually got like stuck out in the middle of the lake one time and the wind just carried me off and I, I didn't have the strength to paddle back. I spent half the day just laying on a random thing, picking fireweed and eating it. Cause it's like, I got nothing left to do here. I, I can't go anywhere. I'm fucked. So, and then about six o'clock, the wind died down, the lake went crystal clear and I could paddle back. But good thing I didn't panic. Yeah. No <laughs> Cause like, yeah, that's, that's not fun. Um, so I guess what happened after that? I killed the duck, uh, duck guts. Let's talk about the bear that came through the wall. That was fun for sure. So I was sitting in bed. This was end of May. I had had success killing chickens and ducks. Um, I heard a noise to the right side of the cabin. Uh, it sounded like something was raking the wall with claws. The, I, I leaned up plywood up against the wall and that, I heard the plywood hit the dirt and then I heard raking. There's a hole in the wall down there and I didn't board it up yet. I was like just basically not worried about it. And I could hear this black bear like working on the fucking wall. And he obviously smelled me inside. Like I, I, I've come to terms with the fact that I was actually being predated on. It was, he was trying to kill me. So I, uh, I didn't have time to really think about it. I grabbed the gun. I loaded the gun. I got, I walked right outside with, um, my rifle and I ended up like he stopped as soon as he heard my feet hit the floor. I exited the door. The door swings out towards him, towards the right side of the cabin. Um, so he came out at the same time as me and we were like me to you away and I shot him offhand. So I killed my first bear offhand without aiming. Oh yeah. I just went like this and just fucking went bang and shot him. I didn't even think because I, I was like, he's going to fucking jump me. I got no chance. So I, I hammered him. Um, I got a quartering away shot, blew about both of his lungs were fucking toast and I broke his arm. So, but I didn't know that it was dark. It was like fucking well we were yeah it was end of may so we're talking probably like almost equinox conditions i think so we're almost equal amounts of day and night okay but night when i say night up there obviously you know that it's twilight right for the most part so it wasn't like pitch black but it was dark enough that i wasn't able to really see far enough and i'm like i i didn't feel comfortable pursuing this bear in the dark i was like i i'm not strong enough to fight a bear yeah I can't do that. So I've, I've heard that's a, that's a thing. Not yeah. being strong enough to fight a bear. Well, I, I, I know that, right? Like even with my gun in my hand, like it doesn't mean anything. And that thing could just not go off and fucking leave me dead. Yep. That can happen. So I, um, 
I, yeah, I, I went back inside, threw another 50 grains of uh, 2F down the bore with another 45 caliber Sabot on top, reprimed, walked outside, and he had spun around and was basically staring right at me, but he was about 25 yards from me. And I shot him again. I'm just like, fucking he but this time i took my time i aimed i got a really good shot on him yep and he he was dead probably like five seconds after that. he just literally went for 20 feet and curled up in of course they always die in the worst fucking spots oh for sure they never always. die anywhere convenient where <laughs> always does that nastiest bush ever a swamp a slough yeah oh in his this case it was like deadfall he crawled over and into this pile of deadfall where i had three trees and a big triangle and i'm like oh great i've just got to climb over this giant tree and it's a good thing my legs don't work and oh i Forgot to mention, um, my heart's failing at this point. So I'm suffering edema from pulmonary thing. edema. Yep. Um, I My legs were swollen and my scrotum was like this big. Yeah, I'm not shitting you like it was bad. So I had huge balls when I did this. Like massive, massive Great balls. Great balls. You need big balls to take on a bear, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, but that, <laughs> you, like... yeah, that's, that's okay because I had to do it two more times. <laughs> With two more bears. <laughs> Oh, so I, I guess I, I kind of missed on the, the first one in the morning. I actually scared off. I'm pretty sure it was the same bear. Um, I meant to get a shot on him, but I left duck guts in the boat and I heard like a fucking ruckus down there and I came out and he was in the boat and I'm like, fuck, I, I can't, I don't have a clean shot. I'm going to put a hole in the boat. Good thing I didn't because the cops needed that to get me out. Um, but <laughs> so uh, I, I, I couldn't get, couldn't get a clean shot on him and he took off and ran up the lake and like I'm pretty sure this is the same bear I think that he uh he had just kind of got used to the idea of there being another animal and I mean obviously in, in winter is such a hard time of year yeah. anything life-wise like if you have an opportunity to predate you're going to take it yeah. I did so why yeah. wouldn't they right yep yeah. um so then second one I just told you about I shot him and uh I waited about four hours I gotta say this was the best damn day of my life I'm like, yes, 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 yes. I can hammer him. He is dead as shit. I'm eating tonight. This is going to be great. I'm having a feast. And I'm thinking like bare ribs. Or just like stupid shit, right? Like, obviously, I'm eating tenderloins. But point is like, <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. I, I actually started with his liver and his heart first. But um, I didn't get that opportunity first because when I went over to investigate, I didn't bring my 50 caliber with me because I didn't think that, I thought he was alone. Right, I, I, I saw a solitary black bear, so I thought, well, that's it. I went over. It had been about four hours. He had rigor clearly set in. I didn't make a gut shot, thank the Lord, because that's a big fucking bullet to make a gut shot with. Um, but he uh, he was just kind of curled up. You know, he had really cute. He was he was probably a year and a half. Like I felt kind of guilty. He wasn't. He was maybe still weaning off with mom, like right. traveling together. Yep. And, um, but he was definitely big enough that he could have killed me for sure. He weighed more than I did by a lot. I couldn't roll him. I could, I tried to pick him up and drag him back to the cabin and I couldn't move him. So I'm like, okay, there's quarter bags in the cabin. I'm going to get a tarp. I'm going to try and like, and there's the, I'm in a moss ground. So there's water absolutely everywhere. This fucker's died in the worst spot I can think of. Yeah. And I have no, no real recourse. I'm just going to have to get dirty. Start frozen. Start, start getting them apart and yeah. harvest them. So, um, I didn't really get that opportunity because when I climbed over the top of the log and I got about 15 paces, all of a sudden this big giant brown bear ran full speed at me. And I didn't really have time to even like, honestly, it was the fastest encounter of my life. So fast. Like, we're talking pure lightning. Like obviously my reflexes were very dulled from starving to death, but this animal was so fucking fast. And I thought grizzly bear because of the color instantly. Yep. 
But then is my my next thought was Black Bear because I saw his profile, his face, and like no hump and kind of a, a long elongated snout. Yeah, I'm like this is a black bear. It's a cinnamon bear. Yeah, right. Very rare up there. You don't see them very often. Like I used to see them tons in BC, but you don't see them much in the Yukon. Um, but so she was full speed at me and she stopped probably me to you away. Like, I don't know why I was getting so damn close to these bears all day, but, um, I literally just, my hand kept down. I grabbed the K bar and pulled it up. And I just, as she was there, she stopped. She did like one of those things where she just like stops with her two front paws, kind of like a dog does. Like a bluff charge. Like yeah, a bluff charge. Yeah. Well, make, but like, her legs she up. didn't huff, eh? She, she didn't huff at me. She just looked at me and then, I like, I've been charged, but not like that. Like I've had bears just run, and then you're like, oh, whatever. What was that? You're a weenie, right? Like that was not like that. She scared the fucking crap out of me, honestly. Um, but I was in such a condition that I couldn't, I couldn't run. And at that point, if it was to the death, and that meant it was to the death, you know, if she's gonna take that cub away from me, she was over kneeling, like nuzzling this thing. I, I can't, I can't let her do that. I have to kill her if she's gonna do that. I wanted her gone. Really, I was like, I have one kill. I don't need two right now. I can't, I don't have, I didn't actually think I had the strength to process that bear. I genuinely thought, I was like, fuck, I got to skin a whole bear. I'm like, I'm not going to have the energy for that. And I'm using a Wilshire kitchen knife that was in the fucking cabin. I'm like, (laughs) this isn't going to go over very well. Luckily, it wasn't a very big bear. But uh, yeah, she she charged me full speed. Um, She huffed at me really loudly. And she went left. So I, I could see the fucking pure insult in her face when I just went, the, fuck you. <laughs> like, should, well, I, at that point, I'm like, well, if she's going to jump on top of me, I'm going to feed this K-bar to her as many times as I can until I'm holding her head or she's holding mine. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to die here. I, I And honestly, if you get mauled, you're going to die out there because you, there's no way. It, the infection would fucking kill you. Even if you did survive and it was just a nip in the ass, you'd probably die from that. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm not going to deny that. I didn't have anything, any antibiotics or any way to do that so yeah. very 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 lucky i went back to the cabin immediately grabbed my gun i have maybe two shots left for for pre like for powder i'm looking at the powder and i'm like i've got like next to nothing left um so <laughs> i'm like whoop dad four f down the board like no more two f four f down the board we're using prime for uh main charge now so yeah. dump that down i put a shot at her i have no fucking idea if i hit her i didn't find any evidence that i did but you didn't have the gun on you when you were out processing, or when you. I walked back to the cabin there, and but she didn't go anywhere. She went left, and she took off to the rear of the cabin, and then circled around to get to her cub. Oh, okay. I went right and walked into the front door gotcha. of the cabin okay. to go for my gun. Yeah, and I'm like, well, I guess it's today's battle royale for bears. I'm like, I, I had, I, I was in the moment. Obviously, I was an animal for that. Like there was no. I wasn't thinking many things in conscious, conscious thoughts. It was just like I was an animal that knew how to use a gun. I shot at her and she left the, like, and I, I was yelling at her too. I was basically like, look, if you fucking stick around, I'm going to kill you. Like, I'm not, I, I'm yelling at the top of my lungs, which I hadn't heard my own voice like that in months. And I'm like, if you stick around, I will kill you. I'm going to kill you. Get away from that damn thing. Go run, be free. Don't fuck with me. I don't want to kill you. I don't want to deal with you. I can't, I can't have you both. Right. I'll eat both your livers. Damn it. (laughs) But, uh, so I, I shot at her. Uh, she circled around and came up to where I shot the other black bear at the 25 yard mark where I put my second shot into him. And she stared right at me and I'm, 
I'm like, oh, fuck. I, I went in the cabin. And I'm thinking she's coming to the wall. Like, I'm not even going to have a chance to fight this thing off. I got to reload my gun again. This is the fourth time. That thing's loud when you don't hear a gunshot in a really long time. I'm like, fuck. And I'm just like, <laughs> blast a little bit of uh, gunpowder down the bore. And all I've got left is a little bit of prime left in my powder pen. I'm completely out of gunpowder now. I think I might have put 20 grains of charge down the bore. So we're talking like I could probably could have thrown the bullet harder. Yeah. <laughs> really. But it was it sounded so weak when it. I, I aimed center mass and just squeezed the trigger. She was like facing me like the book was right there, just like that. And I just fucking squeezed around right under her chin. I was like, aim for the guts. Fuck it. Like you, what are you going to do? Right. Her heart's right about there. Pull the trigger. What are you going to do? And it sounded so weak. She, um, she took off to the rear of the cabin and she stopped and she nuzzled down and picked something up and chewed on it. And then like sauntered off, like nothing happened. And I'm thinking like, I didn't hit her. That's my first thought. Like nothing reacts like that when you get shot. Like most things are like, uh, okay, cool. I'm going to, you know, you know what I mean? Like it obviously. So I didn't really know how I was going to handle that. I was like, fuck, she's probably wounded now for sure. But I didn't find any evidence of hair, any evidence of blood. Like I looked absolutely everywhere for whatever reason I could somehow manage to make a perfect quartering away shot in the dark, but I couldn't hit that freaking bear in the daylight. Hmm. Well, I, 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 that's why it's like, what the hell happened? I don't understand. Right. Like I don't blame the gun. Odds are it was me because I could barely hold it up. Yeah. Right. And yeah. my eyes were all mangled and whatnot. But, um, so she, I, I figured out after she stopped and she snacked on a ketchup bottle, somebody left a fucking like quarter bottle of ketchup. I'm like, Oh no, she's okay. She ate a, ca- <laughs> she ate a bottle of ketchup. She's fine. If she's fucking like, she's not hurt and nothing stops and just eats ketchup after getting shot. She's fine. So I, I, uh, I was on edge for a while after that, after my three encounters in one day. Um, I took the bear and immediately skinned it. I quartered it out, put three, like a dumbass, I put three quarters in one bag and one quarter in one other bag, just because fucking why not? Let's just carry all three and see if I fall over, which I did. And nothing like falling on your own balls because <laughs> they're huge and it hurts. <laughs> Don't do that. So. Yeah, I hung the quarter bags up and then grabbed the main portion of the skeleton. I ended up with the gut pile. I wrapped the gut pile up in the in the main portion of the hide. I left the head because I was like, eh, I don't know. I, I want to make sure. It was like, got to keep my 15 above. So I didn't really think I was going to have time to eat all this shit before the bugs get it. Yeah. So I'm like, I just have to, I have to devour this bear as fast as I can. And I'm like, cool, an eating contest. <laughs> i'm like fucking right so i i took a stew pot that was like they had a big stew pot in there and every day i ate a quarter that just like took a whole i took a whole fucking quarter and just like chopped it up and threw it all in and kept going boiled it i i fried half of it in the in on in a cast iron pan and half of it i boiled it and it's own fat and there was no fat. It was spring bear. It oh, was yeah. fucking completely mm. void, devoid of fat, which sucked because I really wanted the fat. I dreamt of the fat. I wanted that fat. So it was kind of brutal. Um, but yeah, I managed to, it was a solid probably six days and I had that sucker gone, like completely wow. gone. Um, which is not really all that cool when you manage to do it and you're like, yeah, I did it. Wait, oh, fuck. What's next? <laughs> now I'm screwed. Yeah. What do I do? So that was when I was like, well, I guess I better start wandering around and maybe I maybe I wounded that bear. And I'm like, let's go chase a wounded bear that might have gone away six <laughs> days ago. Like your mind is just so messed up after that. How did your guts do with that much food after starvation? For um, so I was a projectile poop machine. Oh, okay. That was not fun. Yeah. 
not fun. I got to admit, like I was bleeding internally for so long. It was just like free. It, it was bad. At this point in time, did you still have any of that four rolls of Charmin Ultra left? Or? Well, actually, <laughs> actually, there was like six or eight rolls left. They had a whole container, like a, a Rubbermaid tub yeah. of toilet paper. Oh, I was like, injury. yes. Oh, Projectile. You, you'd cleaner. think so, but like when you're wiping mostly blood, it's not that That's much good. fun. No, That's not so but... much fun. No, and like honestly. And the really bad thing that I did, I made a really horrible, horrible mistake. And we'll talk about spices now. I had 70 pounds of food grade salt. What makes anything taste better? Salt. Mm-hmm. You generally put salt on shit. So I was putting way, 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 way too much salt on everything. And I was killing myself with salt. Yeah, My electrolytes were wildly out of balance all the time. I was consuming probably 10 liters of fluid a day, including all the meat that I was eating. I was like, I'm not kidding. When I like, I six days, I had that fricker gone, like gone. And then I made, I was like, well, well now what? I, I have no food. I dragged the hide back up, <laughs> pulled it into the cabin. I'm like, well, I got a head. I'm going to have to eat this head. So bare tongue wasn't bad. Bare lips, that was a little nasty. I didn't eat the nose because I just couldn't get over the fact that it looked like my dog's nose. I was like, I can't do that. Yeah. That's just a little weird. But, I mean, like, it, it must have been nice because I ate the bear in six days. So, I was I felt like I could be a little picky. Yeah. You know, but um, after I got the skull all, like, basically shed of um, all of the, like, the fur. And I had just, you know, I rolled up the hide in the corner and I wrapped it up in a tarp. And I was like, well, I'm going to have to do something with this soon. But I don't know what yet. Um I wound up taking my, my bear skull, boiling the crap out of it. The two cuts that are right above the top of the jaw are fucking like to die for. I would totally like take those cuts again off of any animal I shoot because like, mm. they're really good. Yeah. They're like steak. They were really good. There's like, because it's all muscle, right? Yeah. But um, then the eyes were a little nasty. I won't deny that. Um, what else did I eat that was really messed up? Well, let's talk about the brains. We're finally there. We're finally there. The bear brain. I ate the bear brain. Okay. I ate a bear brain and I used a spoon. It was really messed up. I pulled the last vertebrae off, pulled the, the head out, grabbed this thing and reached and just started like scooping the brain out in the morning. And I figured you use like a straw. It might work a little bit better. Eh? We didn't have one. We didn't have one or I would have. But I tell you in the morning, there's nothing better than brains. No, oh, real good. It'll make you smarter. No, it didn't. <laughs> So yeah, I, I devoured that. Uh, the worst thing was definitely a bear hide. Um, eating the hide was fucking unbearably hard. That was so fucking gross. That was like, it just put me back into perspective of what situation I was in again, which was really bad. Cause like, honestly, if you ever eaten a baseball glove, like I know that sounds like a really stupid question, but like, yeah, come on, like I'm, yeah, yeah, once or twice I tried it, yeah, you know, threw, threw I it boiled the, it, seasoned it, threw it in the fucking oven. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> that was about the size of it. No, like no shit. Scrape the hair off after it's been burnt in the cabin and just, yeah, let's not talk about that. So anyway, boil after, uh, no, I didn't, I, didn't. I do want to talk about that. So like with the hide, how, how did you, how did I process it? Yeah, how did you cook it? it? Took my Leatherman knife out. I took the serrated section. I cut it into long strips. I rolled those strips up and whipped them in the fire. And then I took that and I just started taking a stick and moving it around in the fire and getting rid of the air. And as long as I had the dampener open, I was shooting all that shit out the fucking door and it was gold. But if if I opened the door up and any of the smoke came back in my eye, oh, burning your eyes, burning your mouth, nothing like, like I burned a porcupine and that was pretty gross. But that 
the bear was like, wow, that was nasty. So, um, don't, yeah, don't do that. Uh, anybody listening, don't eat the bear hide. They're, they're furry and cute. Don't kill them and eat them like that. That's mean. But, um, <laughs> so after that, I went back to oats for about, oh shit, a week and a half, two weeks. And we're now into June. We're at the end of June. So I'm, I'm like getting close to being rescued and I didn't know it yet. Yeah. Um, I wound up having the heli come in low. Um, I heard a heli. I, I, first time I've heard a helicopter in a really, really long time. And I wave and I know they, they make visual contact with me and they wave back. And I'm like, okay, I I've now have seen this. They're, they're here for me probably, but I don't know. Um, they hovered over the swamp. They dropped in. Uh, an RCMP officer and a conservation officer jumped out. They came by. They were just like, you know, is Evan, Ru- are you with Evan Russell? And I'm like, what do you mean? Did he make it back? You know, like, where's Evan Russell? Well, where's Evan Russell? You know? Yeah. I, I immediately knew when they said that, that he was dead. Like I, I that destroyed me Solidified instantly. Yeah. yeah I, I was like, he didn't make it back and there's no way that he had the luck that I had. Yeah. So, um, it was really brutal in that regard. Uh, I guess the other thing was like, they, they basically just came in, they rushed me out of the cabin as fast as they could. Um, the conservation officer, he was a really good guy. Um, he, he told my family that they, he figured I had another two weeks to live. He figured I was dead in two weeks. Um, so take that with a grain of salt. Cause they told you three weeks, they're going to give up on you. And he, yeah. in that, and I made it a lot farther than that. But, yeah. um, no, um, the other thing was, you know, I, they got me on the heli, they put me on a, brought me over so helied me out to pharaoh you know and the the ceos basically just like they put the headset on me and i'm just dead calm like i i'm gray, gray pale like i have a heartbeat of like 30 beats per minute i'm seriously dying i'm suffering from pulmonary edema and i've got the chemicals in my blood that say that i'm dying right? yeah and i mean you went in into the bush knocking on 200 pounds uh yeah i was about 190 and 190 and i yeah i came out at 127 127 uh they when they pulled me out of the woods i was and that keep in mind that's after me killing and eating a bear in six days yeah so like imagine what they found um when they brought me in i'll just instead of talking all about the crazy co stuff um they brought me into the icu i was in the icu for three days when i first saw myself in the mirror i it's a survivor's reflex when you when you go through that much trauma you i I couldn't walk anymore i couldn't stand anymore on my own um I, I had to use a walker and basically go through the steps of walking with a walker. And then I had to walk with a cane after three days. And then yep. I was walking with a cane for probably close to 10 days. I managed to put on, they said 30 pounds in a week. Oh, wow. Which of course, keep in mind, I was emaciated. It took them four hours to find blood and yep. that I must, they must've stabbed me 30 times. I threatened to kill a dog in the ER room and eat it in front of them. If they didn't give me peanut butter, I'm pretty crazy. <laughs> 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 I was like, Have if you, you don't Snickers, Snickers commercial. I told the doctor that, and then the doctor goes to me, and he's like, I can't. He's like, we because they, they immediately were like, we're shipping you to Vancouver. They're like, you are going to the trauma unit in Vancouver. Like, this is severe, severe shit. We've yeah. never seen this before. Yeah, you did something no humans done before in this country for a long, long, long time. And I, um, I just said, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I didn't yeah. care because I was like, hey, I'm out of here now. I'm fucking good for me. I'm going to watch SpongeBob on the TV in the hospital. Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
eat some pudding. Yeah. I've been watching. I'd be watching the Revenant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to see any of that shit for a while, man. Yeah, that's uh believable. I mean, like the big thing for me was the uh, just you know, like telling telling your family how much they're worth to you. Like I, I gotta like reiterate that. Um, I, I lucked out. I should be dead by a lot. You didn't. We discussed it earlier in the day, but not on the podcast. You didn't tell us how they found you. How they found me. Oh, yeah. yeah. So um, there was a person that came forward in Pharaoh. Um, he, so, uh, I don't b- know who. Before you get into that, though, I do have to rewind and say, at what point were you reported missing? Uh, originally, I think it was in November. And then they confirmed the story that Evan had told his parents. And basically, they said, okay, those guys know what they're doing. They're, they're fine. They yeah. figured that we were out trapping. Everything was fine. Yeah. It wasn't until Evan's sister had bad feelings about this in june and she she actually reported me missing and evan missing and that was when i believe they had the search on for about three days and then in the icu i was basically grilled by detectives for a little bit and i just told them everything i could think of because i just wanted evan to come back i I didn't you know i'm not hiding anything i didn't so many people like i know this is gonna sound horrible they're like did you eat him i'm like no well and and i mean it's it's a valid point but, but so many people would think that, right? Like, I I would have ate the gun before I ate the person. Like, there's no way. No, he would eat me, though. <laughs> I love him like a brother, but, yeah, he, he would have ate me. So, um, you know, like, how they ended up finding me, I, I was, believe it or not, I was actually praying to the Lord that I, maybe it was time for me to get a rescue. I need help. Um, and I, I, I'd never asked through the whole winter. I never cried through the whole winter. I had no self-reflection other than what I've done wrong in my life and how I could have, who I should tell how much I care about. Yeah. You know, like my one of my biggest regrets was not telling my stepdad how much I loved him and how much he was there for me in my life. And, you know, like you saw my dad come in here. Um, he adopted me when I was like six months old. So I, I, okay. he's my father yeah. in my eyes. And, you know, I never told how, them how much I, I love them and how much I care about them. And... You know, like, obviously, you just infer these things, and we, we accept unconditional love as being a thing, but yeah. you, you got to tell everybody how important they are to you while you can, because you don't know what could happen to you. You yeah. don't realize how important they are to you when you get in that situation where you know you're not going to make it, you know you're not going to be able to tell them your last few feelings, and yeah. that's not a that's not a happy place. No, no, and you, you it, that wears you down really hard, so... You know, if I, if I could ever say that, it's, you know, hug the people and tell them that you love them and make sure that they understand that you care. Because they, if I had died out there, there's a very good chance they never would have found my body. That bear that I killed was coming to eat me and remove me from that cabin. They yeah. probably would not have found me. Yeah. You know, and there was a good chance they wouldn't have found the note because I burned it. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's, there's a lot more to this story, obviously. I've. I've just kind of skimmed over it. I know this yeah. has taken a really long time, but oh, the, I, uh, it's an incredible story. Yeah. And I, and I mean, this has been almost, we're knocking on four hours and there's a lot of things that, um, when we first met, it was about an hour, hour and a half that we discussed it. And, and it was a hell of a story back then. And now four hours, it's, it's that much more hell of a story <laughs> to get into the details of it. And, and yeah. like you say, there's still a lot that's been left out that now that you've, got it out there now that you've talked about it now more people will will want yeah. to hear about it and, and then more will come to you'll remember more things more will come to light the rest yeah. of the story will come out now right like yeah this this is just scratching the surface but oh absolutely well, there's 244 days there of uh 
of well, craziness. <laughs> like, it's quite the story. Yeah, okay, yeah. And, and I might I, I said back it up to, but get into how you how you were rescued, how you were um, found. So, I I won't get into names about who. Like, cause I wasn't told myself they wanted to remain anonymous, but the conservation service was contacted in Pharaoh by an anonymous person. And they t- said that they had a dream that Jesus told them that I was at Glenlian Lake at the, t- the tail end of the cabin. And the conservation officer knew th- about the cabin, obviously, and they were using the chopper for three days up to that point to try and find me. Um, so they, they responded to that tip and they showed up. And it was like the first place they went that morning, right after getting the tip. And I walked out the front door, waved at them. Hmm. And I mean, like wow. I was three days before when I prayed to the God and said, "Look, I could really use a rescue." And then, like, I didn't ask at all for a rescue, not at all. I was like, I'm just thankful that I'm still kicking because I, to me, it felt like I was so blessed just to be able to survive on horse tack, just to be able to stay warm enough not to freeze to death in my sleep, just yeah. to be able to get through having a dislocated hip and have to hike over a mountain in the dark, you know, to, to handle the loneliness and to fight every day to stay alive, to manage to not fight off one, but three bears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, like that's, it's shit that people wouldn't believe. Yeah. You know, this is a story that people probably are going to want to talk about. And for me, the reason that I came forward and I wanted to make sure that this story got out was because I, when I was a kid, this is the kind of thing that I wanted to read about. Yeah. This was the stuff that I loved. And I was like, I want to be, I ended up becoming my own hero in a lot of ways because I am the man that I wanted to become. I said that I wanted to go to the Yukon and become a mountain man in a way. And I fucking did it. There's no question about that. <laughs> you can't get more mountain man than what you nope. went through in 244 days. So I mean, yeah, it's, it's crazy. uh, Basically, if anybody ever wants to go out winter camping, just let me know. <laughs> Don't worry, I won't eat you. <laughs> I wouldn't go bear hunting, you know. I need someone else for bait. <laughs> well, really need some honey. And... Yeah, I got to get back into bow hunting now, so that's going to be fun. We'll see if I can get my pecs to work the way they used to. I used to be a really good shot with that thing, so. And I'm pretty good at sneaking up on shit. When they got me out in the ICU, I had to, like, isolate myself for 10 days. Yep. because I couldn't handle the noise of the hospital. I couldn't handle the sound of people anymore. I couldn't handle any of that shit at all. None of that. I couldn't handle any of that. I was like superhuman. I could hear a nurse drop a pen at the end of the floor shit. Yep. And I, I mean, that sounds far-fetched, but when you have depended on your hearing and you have no sound at all for that long, it's like I was a machine for a while. Like my first deer, when I saw the doe, she, like Walker and I were, you'll meet my brother Walker one of these days. He's the one that bought the deer stalker for me. Um, yeah. But I just had a feeling and I like peered over from the binoculars and this doe's ears are puck, poking up and just her snout and her head's poking up over this tiny little hill. And I just at 300 yards, I was like, there she is. And you know, like that feeling that you get when you're being watched. Yeah. Walker's like, How the fuck did you do that? And I'm like, well, you need to do that to stay alive for a while. <laughs> it's amazing when you lose a sense, like I lost my vision. Mm-hmm. And in the hospital, I could hear everything. Even though my ears got pulled out and I lost over 70% of my hearing, the minor details of things, I was able to recognize doctors' voices from the surgery room and nurses. And even till when I got released, I was able to pick out the nurse with my eyes closed. I could tell which nurse was talking to me yeah. and how your senses pick up. Yeah. And the way somebody, you know, entered the room and you could feel the the breeze come in and you just knew the scent of them, um, the 
just the sounds it, it's amazing what happens when you lose one scent how or one of your senses and how the other ones take over it's it's yes. bizarre it's you so. realize how far your instincts take you as a human being because yeah. i think a lot of people don't realize how much we are as animals yeah i can confidently tell you that you out in the wilderness have to become an animal if you want to live like one yeah there's no there's no two ways around that i had to forgive my <laughs> brutalness because i became an absolutely brutal ruthless killing machine for a while i was like anything that moved slithered rock ca- crawled i would have bonked it over the head and ate it raw if i had to yeah you do what you Survival. have to do yep. exactly and then, and that's part of it so like when i it was pretty brutal when i got out like honestly I, this is why i have to write a book because obviously you guys have heard now kind of what happened i there has to be somebody has to want to probably read that at some point, I, I don't know how they're going to feel about it, but they are, they're going to have to read it. It's quite the story. I wouldn't mind you know, grabbing a copy and reading about it. Exactly. Or you get a free one. You give me a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm willing to, you know. I, it's a... No, no. Dad bought four of yours, but you get a free one. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Mitch. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure here hearing this story. And I mean, like I say, I look forward to seeing, hearing the rest of it as it comes out. Right? Yeah. And I mean, I appreciate you coming in and, and sharing the story with us. And being able to just lay it all out on the table. Yeah. And uh, no matter where it goes from now, people can always come back to this podcast to hear the rest. Because, I mean, as yeah. you become more comfortable talking to whether it's news agencies or, or whatever's next, they, for the most part, will probably be quick snippets to get people to click and, and, and yeah. hear a little bit of the story and read read the, the one-page article that, that comes out. But then shit i need to hear more about that and then they can go back and they can hear your version of the whole story unedited yeah without any spin put on it as the news agencies yeah. are known to do and and now it's this is your story that you've mm-hmm. told and we were uh we had the pleasure of being here to to sit in on it well, and, I, and, and i appreciate that well, i appreciate you guys listening to me swear for an hour because <laughs> honestly like it's there there was a lot that happened and i mean honestly i I haven't even told you about some of the fun things like for instance all the things that i killed that i didn't mention yeah you know like and i'm not gonna get in trouble but (laughs) the point is that you know i did a lot of things that it takes skill and somehow i managed to pull it off sometimes i had no fucking clue what i was doing yeah (laughs) and you get lucky and you know like it it was really cool seeing tim the first time because tim goes to me says you got lucky and I'm like, that actually bothered me a little bit. I was like, no, I didn't. <laughs> Don't say that. I didn't get lucky. You have any idea how much that sucked? <laughs> that hey, man, luck. it's like winning the lottery. You won the lottery. You're here today. You survived it. You survived. Oh, yeah. That's the biggest oh, like, take out of all of it, right? When, like, I'm going to be honest. When they found me in the hospital and they said where I had been and what happened, they literally, no doubt, they, like, I've been told this like nine times by four different doctors they're like okay we thought you wouldn't have any fingers we thought you didn't you weren't gonna have a nose we figured your ears were gonna be missing your eyelids we figured that you were gonna be like right i obviously i was on the verge of death but they figured that parts of me would be missing yeah you know to have what it took to be able to not just weather a winter a full winter and a spring into summer but to do that in the arctic yeah Mm -hmm. They, that, that I can't even begin to crazy. say that. Like, you, yeah. 
I, I, I hate tuning my own horn. I hate sounding like a freaking one of those guys. It's like, oh, I'm badass. It's like, no, I, I did some stupid shit, but I'm pretty tough. <laughs> well, so thanks again, Mitch, for coming and telling the story. And thanks, Jeremy, for sitting in on this and, and giving your perspective and the questions and stuff. And uh, in my mind, I think it's pretty darn cool that you guys get to uh, moving forward, talk and help each other out um, as you've both gone through very harrowing life changing experiences and death defying in two totally different ways but both outdoor survival stories so yeah um to all the listeners out there if you have a story you, you know someone that would be a good guest i highly recommend reach out to us we'd love to have you on we'd love to hear the story and uh you heard it here first on hunt hard talk free thank you very much gentlemen really appreciate it yeah you bet awesome thanks